um, uh, the meeting of the City Council Public Finance Authority. Um, Madam Clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Councilmember Mosier. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Here. Mayor Strickland. Here. Councilmember McKeon. Here. Councilmember Bolton. Here. Councilmember Burns. Here. All present. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, City Council member comments. Does any member would like to make a three-minute uh, comment statement? Mr. Comment. It's not going to be three minutes. So, okay, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to uh, put onto the record that since we're still going to be doing roll call votes, that I will likely be availing myself at some point in the future of the pass mechanism of Robert's Rules of Order. It does not mean that I'm not ready to vote. It just means that I don't necessarily feel like going first every time. Thank you. <laughs> okay, then that's good. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I just wanted to first say thank you to the mayor for opening um, our last meeting in honor of Allie West and having a moment of silence and also closing the meeting in honor of her. Um, I had the honor of attending her memorial last week. And, um, you know, I just, I was really moved by it. I was there with um, Councilmember Bolton as well. And I just wanted to say a couple of things that I heard during that day. Um, that were really moving to me. So I'm going to do that now. Um, first, um, as I said, the stories that were shared to the 2,000 people in attendance were beautiful and all had similar themes. And I wanted to share a few quotes and ex excerpts that touched me personally. Her teacher, Mr. Daniel Somerville, said, Allie would be so encouraged to see all the love that's been shown, all the hugs, so many people giving love and continued kindness in her honor, continue to share those stories. He also shared a letter that Allie wrote to the quote, Church of Huntington Beach. One line in that letter from Allie read, do be kind to others, for being kind doesn't take much. Allie's dad spoke and was very moving. He said, let us thank God for Allie and rejoice in the blessed years she was given to us. Her spirit will be with us always, cheering from above, asking us to be better, asking us to come together regardless of our differences, and to treat each other with grace and kindness. Let us love like Allie. And finally, I wanted to close by sharing a sonnet that Allie, along with her mom, Lisa, and her dad, Jake, wrote for Mr. Anderson's English Honors class. Um, that I thought was really beautiful, and I thought having her words here in the chambers would help to keep her spirit alive here. It's called, What is a Home? A typical home is all furnished, real. You're safe and stable. Worries not in sight. But homes can never, ever make you feel how family and friends can love you till night. Togetherness, no matter where you are. A dinner table with food to be shared. Bring laughter and joy to those near or far while eating the feast that is being prepared. Homes are not always four walls and a roof. It's anywhere loved ones secure a bond and family provide us with the proof that a home with love goes far and beyond. Whenever I'm told now to go home, I'll go with my fam wherever they roam. So let's continue to honor Allie's life, a life that many are calling the glue. She just made everybody stick together by loving like Allie. Thank you. Any other members? Yeah, real quick. Mr. Burns? Uh, I believe it's 18 years ago today that um, the post-133 of the American Legion 
they, before eight, more than 18 years, but they requested the city when the um, pavilion was built at the uh, pier that they requested that there would be flagpoles. The city said no at first, but they said you can put them up. So this American Legion Post 133 raised the money. I think the commandant was Robert Johnson. He was on CPAB at the time. And uh, they raised the money and put the flag up. 18 years ago, they put the poles up and they had the ceremony. And they provided all the flags until just a couple of years ago, I believe, two, three years ago. So just a little history, which I thought was cool. Great. Any other comments from members? Seeing none. Um, uh, City Clerk, do we have any supplemental communications? Not for this portion of the meeting, no. Thank you. Um, public comments. City Clerk, do we have anyone signed up to speak at this moment? No, we don't. Okay, we can move on. So, um, Deputy Director Alvin Papa, please introduce uh, the study session item. Uh, thank you, Mayor, Council. If, if I might, I just would open up and introduce um, our Deputy Director Alvin Papa. Um, thank you for the opportunity to present and talk about our infrastructure, uh, something that um, we in Public Works are very, very passionate about. Um, we've done a lot of master planning in terms of individual components of our infrastructure, water master plans, sewer master plans, pavement management plans. However, we haven't done a comprehensive analysis of all of our infrastructure and had a public process with the community since July of 2000. That was the last time that we uh, adopted that. So uh, we feel very fortunate with the opportunity to bring forward and uh, do that now. Um, a study session was held in October of last year. And so really what we're hoping to do tonight is to continue the momentum in terms of our infrastructure analysis. We have a very brief and short presentation tonight to do that. And that's gonna be made by our deputy director, Alvin Papa. So Alvin, take it away, please. All right, thank you, Sean. Uh, good afternoon, Honorable Mayor, members of City Council. My name is Alvin Papa. I serve as the deputy director of public works here in Huntington Beach, managing primarily the utilities division. Um, I'll be giving you a brief update uh, with regards to the infrastructure report card effort here in Huntington Beach. Uh, this was last presented to City Council on October 18th. Um, I'll be giving you a brief presentation, so I'll be covering, you know, what is the report card, um, why do we need it, and what the process is moving forward, and the next steps. And so why do a report card? Well, as Sean mentioned, the last time we did a comprehensive assessment was back in 2000, so that was over 20 years ago. Um, since then, we've conducted several master planning efforts. For example, the water and sewer master plan, the pavement management master plan, facilities condition assessment. And so while it's great that we put these documents together, they weren't per performed uh, comprehensively overlooking all the different overlaps with all the city priorities and needs all at once. And so um, traditionally in this city, we've spent about $25 million annually on capital improvements per year. And although that number has riven, uh, risen in recent years, uh, we likely think that that's not gonna be enough moving forward. Um, and so what this report card is going to do, it's going to put together a bunch of committees that will look at all these master planning documents as well as other relevant information with regards to CIP and look at everything holistically. And what's gonna come out of that is a brief and concise summary of the infrastructure needs of the city 
and it's going to sign a letter grade similar to a report card from A to F. That will be a very easy for our residents to understand so that it's transparent, simple, and easy to read. Um, so the benefits are that it will help us understand the state of our infrastructure right now, um, especially for that infrastructure that we can't see that's either underground or underwater, um, and it will help us plan for the future. It it's, will serve as a communication tool to our public, and then will also serve as a tool that you as policymakers and decision makers to help make database decisions with regards to our infrastructure moving forward. And so ASCE-like report card, what does that mean? ASCE stands for the American Society of Civil Engineers. It's a national organization comprised of professionals, primarily civil engineers throughout America. The report card that they've developed is they've put together a methodology that they, they employ every four years that looks at infrastructure based on key criteria, it's impartial, and it makes it so that they can identify um, the needs of our infrastructure, uh, quite simply in this concise letter grade. They use this tool and this report so that when they need to, I, they need to express the needs of our infrastructure on a federal level, um, say in Washington or at a state level, they're able to do that and help advocate uh, for investments in that type of infrastructure. And so we've taken this process and we've modified it to to serve us here in Huntington Beach. And so the infrastructure and investment process will be performed in two phases. What you see up on the screen is phase one. Uh, and quite simply, it's, it's the typical ASC process where we put together a couple of committees, and those committees will look and gather at all the data that we have, analyze it, help assign a score, and then put together this comprehensive report. As phase, part of phase two, which is not shown above, but what we propose to do once phase one is complete here in Huntington Beach, is put together um, a way of prioritizing and planning for future CIP projects and identifying funding options and ways that we can move forward. We have a consultant selected. Uh, that consultant is Remy Kendale. Uh, he currently serves as the ASC vice president so he'll be helping us uh, move this process forward. Um, he will be uh, helping us identify the public outreach strategy. He'll be helping us coordinate the meetings, having minutes, and help, helping finalize the report. He'll be supported by two uh, consultants, or two sub-consultants. Uh, Circle Point will be helping with public outreach and communications, and David Tausig and Associates, should we move forward uh, with phase two, will help us with the financials. Uh, this slide, this, uh, this is basically the meat and potatoes of the effort. Uh, this is the committee structure. So what you see above are um, seven different committees. At the top level in gray is the executive committee. They'll be consisting of the mayor, the city manager, uh, the public works director, and the ASC president. Their responsibility is to oversee the entire effort and help guide uh, this effort. Below that, you have five technical committees and the Outreach and Communications Committee. So the responsibility of the technical committee is they're the group that's going to gather the data and assign uh, the letter grade. Uh, those groups are going to be comprised of three members. You'll have an industry professional uh, that's knowledgeable in that area of study. We'll have a staff member. Um, 
on staff here at the City of Huntington Beach, and then we'll also have a community member that's going to be selected by the Executive Committee. So up there you'll see a couple of categories in green. Those categories are categories that are included in the original ASC standard processes. Uh, we've excluded some ASC processes that aren't relevant here in our city, such as airports, rails, and ports, um, just to give an example of a couple. You see two, four blue boxes up there. Those are custom categories that we added that we felt were, would be beneficial to add to this report to better serve Huntington Beach. And then lastly, we have the Outreach and Communications Committee. This is probably the most important committee in this group. Is this is gonna be the group whose responsibility is disseminating information to the public. And to be able to uh, build this group, we're going to be asking council members, each one of you, to, be, to propose 15 members of the community that you think would be best, um, uh, you know, best equipped to help provide this information to the public. In addition uh, to that, we're also looking for a public outreach uh, contact who's going to serve as the main person that's gonna work with our graphic designer, that's going to help execute the public outreach strategy, and then lastly, also respond to any media inquiries. And so with that, um, really uh, the focus of this effort is we really want City Council to start thinking about those 15 members they'd like to participate on this outreach committee. You know, shortly we'll be circling back with additional information with regards to this effort, information that you'll be able to share with members that you propose so that when we decide to kick to move forward with this effort, we'll all be better prepared to move forward. Um, currently, we plan on kicking off this effort in April, so we'll be circling back with all of you by the end of March uh, to gather names. We do have a preliminary list of some, some people that have shown some initial interest in being part of this effort. Um, if it is the will of the council, we'd be open to sharing that list with you. Um, and with that, you know, that concludes my presentation. Thank you for the opportunity. And Sean and I are here to answer any questions. If I might just add one more quick detail. Um, we're super excited about, um, about this effort, and we haven't found another city in California that's done it. It's mostly been um, um, another city. It's mostly been counties in the state that have done it. And the team that we've selected is the team that um, prepared that report card for the County of Orange. So they're very experienced in, in, in this effort. So thank you very much. Well, um, speaking for myself, I would love to see the names of people who have already kind of requested that they would like to be involved. Um, that would be very helpful, I think, for the whole council. Speaking for myself. Right. Yes, sir, we can do that. We'll send that shortly. Is it 15 total members? Yeah. No, 15 each. 15, 15 each. 15 for each council person. Nice. How long of a commitment will it be that when we talk to them, will it be a few months, a year, or? Yeah, it's approximately one year. For the same 15 people that will sit on this the whole time? Uh, I believe it will be 106 people. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think our city manager would... told us we had nine months. Yeah. Uh, nine, if it's nine, nine. months, uh, how? what's the time commitment? Is it once a month? Is it once every other? So there'd be reoccurring meetings. Uh, the time commitment isn't that heavy. The technical committees will present findings to the outreach committee. So it's sitting through and... and um, um, receiving those presentations and then reading the materials so that they can um, express that to their neighbors and friends and colleagues and pe other people in the city. Yeah. 
it would be helpful to have some type of a, a little bit more specific amount of time just as we speak with people so they can make sure that they can actually commit to that. Um, I, I think this is wonderful. I know we've made a lot of decisions over the last couple of years um, that are evidence-based, but maybe we don't have all of the information. And then to be able to make more um, broad decisions um, as we look to the future and actually have the information to support that would be, I think everybody would say would be very helpful. Um, so I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to it. I have a question also. Go ahead. Um, so I appreciate this effort, uh, Mr. Crumby. I think that um, very few people have walked through City Hall and not seen the poses and things hanging from the ceiling because we recognize that the buildings are aging. So I do think that it's the right time to take a look at our major pieces of infrastructure. So I am um, understand from um, what you're describing that you'll get back to us with more information. Will that include any Im relevant information on um, qualifications or um, preferred qualifications of the people who would sit on um, the So committee. we'll send out a whole packet with all of that information in it. Thank you. Any other uh, questions from members? I think it's a fantastic uh, program. Thank you for bringing it to the council. Thank you. Um, okay, members, we're going to close session now. Uh, pursuant to government code 54957.6, the city council takes this opportunity to publicly introduce and identify designated labor negotiators. Al Zelinka, city manager, Peter Brown, chief negotiator, also in attendance. Jose Rodriguez, human resource manager. Travis Hopkins, assistant city manager. Michael Gates, city attorney. Uh, Robin uh, Eskew, um, city clerk. Uh, Eric Para, chief of police. And Sunny Reef, assistant chief financial officer who will be in today's closed session discussions regarding labor negotiations with the Huntington Beach Police Officers Association. Recess to closed session. Uh, call for a motion to go to closed session. It's been I'll moved, it's been seconded. Any opposition? Seeing none, we're going to closed session. So we'd like to reconvene the City Council Public Financing Authority meeting and call to order the special meeting of the Housing Authority. Um, City Clerk, may call the roll. Certainly, Councilmember Kalmick. Here. Councilmember Mosier. Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. Here. Mayor Strickland. Here. Councilmember McKeon. Here. Councilmember Bolton. Here. Councilmember Burns. Here. All present. Thank you. Uh, to lead us in Pledge of Allegiance today, uh, Councilmember Pat Burns. Hands over your heart. Ready? Begin. 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So uh, we have an invocation. Uh, Chaplain Roger Wing with the Huntington Beach Fire Department will lead us in our invocation today. Would you please uh, pray with me? Heavenly Father, we rejoice that you tell us in your word that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are present with us. And we pray that truth for tonight's meeting. As our city council considers all of the many difficult issues before them, may you provide your wisdom and discernment on each topic and guide them as they deliberate and make decisions. May they be right decisions, made in the right way. As the members deliberate and discuss the issues, may you bring your peace, unity, and harmony through all the discussions. Lord, you've put together these seven members for a specific purpose. Each one has a perspective that will hopefully contribute to the best possible result for the people of our city. May all who are in attendance here tonight see our council working together to do what's most beneficial in making Huntington Beach the best run, the most family friendly, and the most prosperous city in all of California. You tell us in your word that to whom much is given, much is required. Being a council member is a great privilege, but it also carries with it a great responsibility. May you lead each member to discharge that responsibility with integrity, faithfulness, and diligence in a way that best serves the interests of the community that they serve and in a manner that honors and glorifies you. May you be honored, Lord, through the service that they provide to our great city, and we ask for your protection, provision, and guidance for each member of our council and their families, as well as for all of our public servants. Lord, we ask for your wisdom, guidance, peace, unity, and blessing as we begin tonight's discussions. May you be honored and glorified in all that transpires this evening. And may everyone here tonight see you working through their hearts and minds of each of our council members. And we ask this, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. All right, members, we're going to closed session report uh, by our city attorney. City attorney, do you have anything to report? Thank you, Mayor. Nothing tonight. Announcements of supplemental communications. City clerk, do we have any supplemental communications? Yes, we do. One moment. All right. For our city manager's report, item number six, two email communications received regarding Main Street redevelopment. For city manager's report, item seven, two email communications received regarding the city's membership in the Orange County Power Authority, joint power, um, OCPA Joint Power Authority. For consent calendar number nine, a memo from myself correcting a minor revision uh, to the February 7 meeting minutes. Um, and when you move that item, they'll, it'll be as amended. Simple correction. Ordinance for introduction, a PowerPoint present, item number 21, a PowerPoint presentation entitled Introduction of Ordinance Number 4280, Amending Chapter 
109 of the HBMC Finance Commission received from Catherine Jen, our assistant to the city manager, and two emails received regarding ordinance number 4280 uh, proposed. For ordinance for introduction item 22, also another PowerPoint received from Catherine Jen, introduction to ordinance numbers 4278, 4279, amending HBMC chapters 2.111 and 2.64, 2.100 for the Citizens Infrastructure Advisory Board slash Public Works Commission, Community and Library Service Commission, Operating Policy of Boards and Commissions. Email communication received regarding those ordinances from the Citizen Infrastructure Advisory Board, Public Works Commission, the Community Library Services Commission, and Operating Policy for Boards and Commissions. For item 23 under ordinances for introduction, a letter from Debbie Chang, MPH, President and CEO of Blue Shield of California Foundation, regarding ordinance number 4283, relating to government flags on city property. We received 420 email communications regarding ordinance number 4283, relating to government flags on city property. For item number 24, Two emails received regarding Ordinance 4284 regarding public conduct within city-owned public parking structures. For Item 25, an email received regarding Ordinance 4273 regard, relating to the use of tents and other uses within city parks. For Council Member Items Number 26, memo from Council Member Kalmick regarding SB 9 and SB 10 impacts on Huntington Beach. A letter received from David Pye, Supervising Deputy City Attorney regarding SB 9 and SB 10 impacts on Huntington Beach. Letter received from David Zeiser, Zisser, Assistant Deputy Director of Housing and Community Development regarding SB 9 and SB 10 impacts on Huntington Beach. Letter received from the League of Women Voters of Orange County Executive Committee regarding SB 9 and SB 10. Five email communications regarding SB 9 and SB 10 impacts on Huntington Beach. And finally, for council member item number 27, seven email communications regarding the request to repair an invocation <coughs> policy. That's it. Thank you. So we're going into public comments. At this time, the city council will receive comments from members of the public regarding any topic, including, including items on the open session agenda. Individuals wishing to provide a comment may do so in person by filling out a request to speak form delivered to the city clerk. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify, identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to three minutes unless the volume of speakers warrants reduction of the time allowance. Please note that the Brown Act does not allow discussion or action on topics that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who would like to speak directly with council member on an item not on the agenda may consider scheduling an appointment by contacting the city council's administrative assistant at 714-536-5553 or emailing the entire city council at city.council at surfcity-hb.org. City clerk, do we have anyone signed up to speak? <laughs> My guess is yes. Yes, we do. Quite a large number, about 69 people here with a pink sheet. So I'm going to call in groups of 10. And so when I call you, when you hear your name, please come down the stairs, be careful on the stairs, and approach both podiums, and we'll be able to move through this more quickly. Jordan Tobins, Shammy D, Don Kennedy, Sherry Kennedy, Laura Sire, Leslie Edwards,
Carrie Swan, Amory Hansen, Nastasia Nastic, Allison Roach. Please begin. Go ahead, sir. Please begin. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name is Jordan Tobins. Um, I'm here to uh, speak about agenda item number 23-172, which deals with um, the uh, ADUs um, and um, Huntington Beach's uh, uh, proposal to stop permitting them and, um, and uh, oppose the, the, D, the SB9 and SB10. Um, I'm actually here, I drove down two hours to get here for this hearing because it's very important to me. We live, right now I currently live in Los Angeles with my wife and my nine-year-old. And we are looking to move to Huntington Beach. We want to leave Los Angeles. We wanted to come here for, to be honest with you, a better quality of life, uh, better schools, um, not being... Um, in Los Angeles and dealing with the issues of Los Angeles, um, we've been coming down to Orange County and Newport Beach and Huntington Beach for the past four years, and um, we just we love coming here and love being here. Uh, we've been looking at properties um, probably for the past 24 months, um, trying to find something that will work for us, uh, for our family, and um, and and part of the the thing that was drawing us to Huntington Beach was the fact that we would be able to buy a property with some space and not be living. Um, in you know prop, LA proper, um, and have um, more freedom to uh, well, like I said, give our family a better better quality of life. Um, and that being said, when I uh, went, I came to the zoning uh, office last week um, and was just inquiring about a property that we were looking to purchase. Um, it's a property where we would have to come, and it, there's an old old house there, an old like barn that we really would have to knock down and renovate. Um, and build something new. And uh, we went over and we spoke to a bunch of neighbors in the neighborhood and talked to them about what we want to do. It's a larger property. And uh, I know for us, we, we can't afford to have this huge property. So our thought was we buy this big property, we can divide it up, which falls right under the zoning. It's actually, we found out it's already been approved to be divided up. And um, one of the things that we have too is I have a mother-in-law, and I have a mother, and they come to visit with us quite often. They help with our son. Um, I know for myself and a lot of probably other people, uh, I work from home sometimes, and I also have to go and travel for work. So it's really uh, advantageous to have um, space for my mother-in-law, my mother to come, um, I don't know, friends, family, anything like that, home office, whatever. And what this proposal, when I read this, I was kind of shocked because basically what it's doing is it's taking away the right of a homeowner to build an ADU on their property that falls under the zoning that has been very, very ten well. Seconds. Very well you know, ten seconds. Ten, ten seconds. Ten seconds. That's it? Yeah. Okay, spelled out by the zoning um, ordinances. So I, I, I'm just speaking here saying that I believe that this is a huge mistake. It's going to penalize um, residents. It's not going to help with property values. It's Thank really going to hurt people. So. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
members of the public, um, as we get down to the 10 seconds, uh, the reason why I mentioned that is just so you can know you're at towards the end and, and make the final point. Um, just giving you that courtesy. Um, Mayor, Mayor Strickland, I'll yeah. just remind you too that they also have a little ticker counting thing on that side where they can see their little clock oh, okay. ticking down. I, so okay. I didn't know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Please, go ahead. Would you like to go, Mayor? Oh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Shammy D. I'm a long-term resident of Huntington Beach, and I'm here tonight to protest the city's proposed action to deny the city's homeowners the right to build ADUs, additional dwelling units, on their property. ADUs provide homeowners with the ability to build a small additional building or extend their property to house a separate dwelling. A typical ADU is 800 to 1,000 square feet, built either as an additional structure or in the backyard. They are the exact opposite of high density or high rise. ADUs really work well for families, providing a private living space for parents, disabled relatives, young adults who can't afford to move out yet, newlyweds, maybe a single parent. Not many, but some ADUs are used as income property, providing both income and tax benefits. ADUs are virtually invisible within the city, and it's a great way to add needed housing into the community and keep our low density profile. Oops. Next slide. Oops, I'm way ahead. <laughs> Go two more. Next one. Okay. Sorry, I forgot. HB is rapidly changing into a senior city. Residents are considerably older, and households with children have decreased by over 4% in just the last two years. Maintaining Huntington Beach as a diverse community is a way to keep the city vibrant and alive and prevent our parents, disabled relatives, or young adults from having to leave town. The state's SB9 law simplifies the ADU permitting rules, standardizes some requirements, and streamlines the permitting process, making it easier for homeowners to understand and for the city to process. Next slide. Why would anybody here want to take away homeowners' flexibility to accommodate their parents, adult children, or disabled relatives? <clears throat> On a personal note, this is my first real outing since my amputation, and it was only with the help of friends that I figured out how to get to this council chamber and ensure that there was a microphone that I could speak with. It was hard to do. I really, really wish that I had the opportunity to do this via Zoom. I wish the city council would reconsider that. <clears throat> Finally, both of my sons and I own houses in Huntington Beach. One is or was planning to set up an ADU for me so I can be close in case of an emergency and still have privacy. Three of my uh, sons graduated from HBHS. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Honorable Mayor Strickland, Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark, seated members. My name's Don Kennedy. When I Googled what 
country has the highest immigration rates in the world. Of course, it was no surprise. It's the United States of America with over 50 million immigrants. In fact, it's not even close as Germany, number two, has only about 15 million. So why is that? Well, I believe it can be found in the first and last sentences of our Statue of Liberty, starting with, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. More importantly, though, ending with, this country's greatness and true genius lies in its diversity. How is this incredible beacon of freedom, equality, and diversity symbolized? The answer is clear. It's our beautiful American flag, <clears throat> the most inclusive flag in the world. This beautiful, inclusive symbol says to the world, don't worry about your race, your creed, your religious beliefs, your sec sexual preference, or the other aspects of your identity. You are all welcome here. That is why people come here. Freedom, equality, and diversity. Having been here since 1962, I've known Huntington Beach to be a great city representing freedom, equality, and diversity. We're a welcoming city. Huntington Beach is a great city. The HB I know loves freedom, strives for equality, and welcomes diversity. I also know that the council's choice to limit what flags fly on government property is not an attack on any of these ideals. Conversely, it's an act of inclusion because it says to the residents that the government is not in the business of picking cause flags because there are many... <laughs> because there are many, and if we pick one and not another, then that act itself becomes exclusionary. It's really that simple. So I know Huntington Beach welcomes the gay community. Huntington Beach does not discriminate against the gay community or any group for that matter. The gay community is making some healthy strides. You're welcomed, you're thriving, you're present and seen, you're proud and you're accepted. My advice is to relish in the positives and stay the course. These threats of economic sanctions, this errant, irresponsible, and what I would call misguided hate speech I hear from some in your community is not helping the cause. The cancel culture that supports that some support is reversing the progress that's being made, and I find it very harmful. We all know no one likes a bully. And when I see corporations, current and past council members, et cetera, preaching division to me, that is the ultimate act of exclusion and division, and it does not come across as inclusive. The American flag is the most beautiful, inclusive flag in the entire world, whose stars and stripes have been forged by the blood and sacrifice of millions of Americans of all identities and Ten beliefs. Seconds. Ten seconds. Millions have fought and died to secure this ideal. In closing, I believe identity politics is divisive. It's not helping the gay community. It's a sign of weakness, in my opinion. It needs to stop. Thank you. And God bless America. God bless the American flag, offering liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Next speaker. Uh, good evening, Mayor Strickland and City Council members. I'm Sherry Kennedy. Um, we are a city that welcomes everyone, but picking one group over another is not how you treat people equally. The American flag covers all Americans, no matter their race, sex, religion, sexual orientation, or identity. I am in support of item 23. Thank you. Thank you. Next, next speaker. 
Good evening, Mayor Strickland and Council. Carrie Swan here to speak in support of agenda items 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. But I wish to speak specifically on number 23, the flag ordinance, that succinctly defines good public policy in flying only the flags of our nation, state, county, and military that represent all citizens of the nation, state, and city, which is, in the most simple of terms, good governance. But I would also like to address a few things that are notably disturbing actions by Council Members Mosier and Bolton and former Council Member Carr, who narrowly escaped being recalled, only to fail epically in her run for State Senate. Each, each have gone on record on social media, literally seeking to cause economic harm to the city. This begs the question as to whether the two sitting council members should be censured for violating the code of ethics. I, I bring this to your attention as I believe City Attorney Michael Gates and City Manager Mr. Zelenka may want to look into this violation. In addition, I see from supplemental communications that a very harshly worded threat of economic extortion was sent to council by Debbie Chang, the CEO of Blue Shield of California Foundation. I have it on pretty good authority that Blue Shield of California is one of the health care providers to CalPERS for some of our public employees. I believe Mr. Zelenka and council should investigate this and consider going out to bid with other insurance carriers that do not threaten our city with economic harm for exercising good public policy. Finally, to all the good folks who sent emails from cities all across the state and the nation and visitors to our council chambers, I welcome you as visitors to Huntington Beach. However, I make you a promise to all of you and I would ask the same respect. I promise all of you that I will never travel to your city demanding that your city leadership bow at the altar of a special interest or my preferred public policy. And I believe you owe us the same respect as visitors in our great city. Thank you and may we all enjoy the inclusiveness of old glory, the one true flag of unity. Next, next speaker. Good evening. My name is Leslie Edwards. Until recently, I've been a resident of Huntington Beach for over 29 years. I've owned three properties here. I raised my children here where they attended Moffat Elementary, Sowers Middle School, and Edison High School. I have also been a member of the staff here since 2004. I am also gay. Many of us on the staff are members of the LBGQT plus community, and many, have, many more have family members that are. Did you know that 42% of the staff currently resides in Huntington Beach? I am here speaking on behalf of them and a large number of the city staff that are hesitant to speak for fear of retaliation, not necessarily from our four newly elected council members, but from some of the people you choose to associate with. We are all part of the community, and the pride flag made us feel happy and proud. It is a symbol of love and acceptance and a representation of the true reality of this city and not what our poor reputation is. 
a reputation tarnished by a vocal minority. Speaking of that vocal minority, let's look at some important facts. There are almost 200,000 people that call Huntington Beach home. Of those, there are a little over 132,000 registered voters. For you newly elected members, Patrick Burns got the most votes with 37,266. That only represents that only represents 28% of the registered voters and only 19% of the population here. That is hardly a mandate. None of you have a mandate. Based on those numbers, it is safe to say your opinions on the pride flag and other things only represent a small vocal minority. To perform your duties, you should be listening to the feedback you receive. The vast majority of speakers, emails, and phone calls received by the city are not in support of your flag ordinance. If you vote yes tonight, you are telling the citizens of Huntington Beach these things. The LBGQT plus community is not welcome here. The staff and those that identify with that community are not welcome here. You are only interested in pushing forward your own personal beliefs regardless of the community outcry and the damage it does to the city's reputation. Damaging our reputation in turn will cause a loss of income to local businesses and the city as a whole. Basically, you will not be doing the job you are supposed to do. Shame on you. Thank you. Next. Next speaker. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Nastasia Nastic, and I have been a citizen of Huntington Beach for seven years. I attend Huntington Beach High School and have been a part of the MUN program for four years. I'm here to talk about agenda item 23 and why I oppose it. When we talk about freedom and we talk about the American flag and we talk about inclusivity, we actively are excluding those who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. And why is that? If you wanna talk about the history of the American flag, then hear me out on the history of the pride flag and why it represents people. Since the beginning of the gay revolution in 1969, where bricks were thrown and lives were lost, where a community formed and fought for their rights together. United stood black people, gay men, lesbian women, trans men, trans women, non-binary people, and many more. All in hope of creating a more accepting place where they could exist without fear. And as a memory of, those, of the lives that we lost during Stonewall riots and marking the beginning of a long gay liberation movement to come, came the rainbow pride flag invented by Gilbert Baker. This flag, was meant to include all races, genders, sexualities, and it was described as a rainbow of humanity. And I am here today to protect that rainbow. A flag that united and represented so many is necessary to be flown in our community so that we can represent love, acceptance, and hope. And if you wanna talk about our city not being exclusionary, my high school, Huntington Beach, had a Instagram account called Huntington Beach Patriots where they actively opposed the homosexual agenda being taught within our schools. People in, hey. people. Let, let the speaker speak. Let Gay speaker people speak. existing is not an agenda. Trans people demanding their right to health care 
is not an agenda. It is simply wanting to exist in peace and with equality, just like every other citizen is allowed to. So, I ask you to, I ask you to listen and reevaluate your decision. How can we say with liberty and justice for all when we actively exclude Americans? They say that you should practice what you preach. So why don't we do that, Huntington Beach? Thank you. Next. 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 Next speaker. Next speaker. Hi. Good evening. Um, I'm, it was very moved by that young lady. That's, that's our youth. That's... Thank you. Proud of her. I don't see any ticker for the time, by the way, Robin. Where is it? Where you can't see it? <laughs> I just always run out of time, and I wonder... Okay, it's not working, so the 10-second warning would be good. Anyway, um, I'm here also regarding the pride flag. I've lived here, Laura Sire, I've lived here over 60 years, and I view this evening as an opportunity to reverse this, this action of uh, item number 23, to introduce the ordinance that would um, remove the pride flag from flying on city property. This is a chance where we can reevaluate and, and listen. And um, the pride flag, as the young lady was saying, it's, a, it's a, simple, a simple symbol of acceptance and celebration of unity. It affirms safety and inclusiveness to the LBGDQ plus community in Huntington Beach and has a ripple effect around the world. We are, Surf City is an international destination. We have uh, two big resorts here, the Hyatt and the Waterfront Hilton, and they host many groups and events in our city. However, um, the, a letter was received by the council um, this week, and previous speaker made reference to it. It's from the Blue Shield California, I'm sorry, the Blue Shield of California Foundation. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone to, to read that letter. Um, it's, um, sorry, losing my train of thought. Um, but it's, okay, sorry guys. Everyone, again, should read the letter as it clearly indicates what is ahead if we go forward, if we go forward with lowering the pride flag. I have a couple excerpts from the, the letter. It's item number 23, and there's, you click on the little blue, and that opens up the supplemental communications. The Blue Shield, or yeah, Blue Shield of California stated that they needed basically to change their mind. The foundation had planned to hold a two-day retreat with, our board of, with their board of trustees at the Hilton, and in June, which is Pride Month, when they learned that the city council's vote changed the city policy, specifically to ban 
flying the pride flag, we decided that we could no longer in good conscience meet in our, your city until the uncertainty of the situation is resolved. Um, contrary to the talk that, that the LGBTQ community is accepted, they're not, and I'm out of time. I should have given you 10 seconds, but I can't see. What? Uh, yeah, sorry. What? Sorry. Bye. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. My name is Mr. Amory Hansen. I'm speaking tonight to share some interesting information I learned from a great article I read in Orange Coast Magazine. Huntington Beach has been chosen to be the location of a local edition of Monopoly. Hasbro is sinking suggestions for sites in Huntington Beach to include the mayor and the councilmen and residents who are interested might consider submitting suggestions to H-U-N-T-I-N-G-T-O-N-B-E-A-C-H at T-O-P-T-R-U-M-P-S dot com. I myself have personally suggested that the four railroads be replaced by Huntington Beach's four beaches, that is, Bolsa Chica Beach, City Beach, State Beach, and Sunset Beach. Let's be proud of Huntington Beach as Huntington, Beach's, Huntington Beach passes go and continues a new turn in the city's history. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Next speaker. Hey, Mayor Strickland and Hi. the City Council. Um, my name is Allison Roach, and I grew up in Huntington Beach. I have been living here for over 30 years. I am so proud to be a part of um, this community and also the queer community. I volunteer at the Orange County LGBTQ Center, and um, I'm so proud to be of this community, and um, I think that taking down this flag will do more harm than good financially, and it'll also um, look like it's not uh, coming from an ally perspective or a safe place. Um, I know that there's a stigma with Huntington that we have all those rioters at the rally, top of the pier, but um, I know Huntington, and I totally don't believe that stigma. I know that we're for freedom, um, and you can feel it in the waves when you're at the beach. You know, we have the longest sand berm in the whole West Coast, and that brings people in. And I think that holding this flag up will keep those people coming in financially and also just feeling safe as part of the community. Um, I... I know that um, the LGBTQ community is also growing. In 2012, we had 3% of the U.S. was identifying as part of the community. And um, as of 2021, now we have 7% of the U.S. identifying as part of the queer community. Um, and I just think that this would be um, such a travesty if we were to take down the pride flag. Um, and uh, um, I'm so, so grateful that you're able to listen. And um, I just really appreciate it if you could reevaluate your votes and if we could move forward to keep the pride flags up. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Clerk, the I next call? 10. The next gonna, 10. Okay. I'm going to call the next 10. Lisa Libby. Rudy Blaylock, 
Russ Neal, Vanessa M, Emma C, Roger Noor, Brenda Glim, Dave Shankman, Frank Rodriguez. Please come down, people, both podiums. Thank you for being here. Please. Good evening, Mayor, City Council. Sorry to jump in. I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, Dave Shankman here from the Kite Connection up on the Huntington Beach Pier, also a 56-year Huntington Beach resident, product of College View Elementary, Circle View Middle School when it was only a middle school, Marina High School, class of 84, Golden West College, Cal State Fullerton, and a couple others I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> I have a few monumental announcements to make tonight. You should probably <coughs> sit down for this. Uh, announcement number one is that 2023 marks 40 years in Huntington Beach for the Kite Connection. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've been on the pier for 23 years. We were in the Sunny's building on the beach for 10 or 11 before that. And I started it in high school out of my parents' house. Uh, yeah, so uh, after a very serious discussion with my family, uh, we have made the difficult decision uh, after 40 years to... Uh, see if we can go for another 40. So if it's cool with you, we're gonna stay. Uh, finally, now do you guys need a minute to recover from the first two announcements? I know it's emotionally traumatic for you, so. You good? We're good. Okay, thanks. Uh, a little over two weeks from now, kite party down at the Huntington Beach Pier, the 19th year. Uh, as always, it runs all day, every day, 10-ish to darkish. Uh, I try to limit the registration to about 75 people. We have 80 registered, including a half a dozen international guests. We have Tasmania, uh, several from Canada, Japan, all over the place. Uh, it is free for the public to come and watch. The flying fields are reserved for the registered kite flyers, but you have some of the best kite flyers from around the world showing up. Uh, I want to invite everybody to come down and enjoy, enjoy the party. It is not a kite festival. Please do not come and ask about the kite festival. We do not use the F word. It's a party. There is no schedule of events. Uh, and I want to thank a few city people, as always, my three Chris's, Chris Cole, Casanova, uh, Slama, uh, always city attorneys is helpful and everyone within the city. So that's it. Have a great night. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. All right, then. Um, uh, good evening, Mayor Strickland and council members. My name is Russell Neal, and I live in Huntington Beach. Uh, the ordinance proposed under Agenda 23 is entirely reasonable and proper. Uh, the only people objecting to this agenda item are people with an agenda of their own. Now, it is, time, it is fine to have an agenda of your own and to advocate your agenda using private resources, but it is wrong to try and co-opt public resources to advocate your private agenda. The, the, pride, the pride flag in particular is a tool of advocacy, a tool used to advocate for certain government policies. It is improper for a segment of the community to try and use government property and resources for issue advocacy. This would be using taxpayer funds to advocate for opinions many taxpayers don't agree with. It would be equally improper for me to ask the city to fly the Christian flag, for example. 
It is also improper for managers of corporations, such as Blue Shield, to try and throw their stockholders' economic weight around to pressure for the political agenda of the managers, which the stockholders may not agree with. But what would be most improper would be for an elected city council to bow to such pressure and do the bidding of moneyed interests rather than that of the people who elected them. So I urge approval of agenda item 23. Thank you. Thank you. Ne next speaker. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Rudy. I'm a local resident and reporter uh, with the Epic Times. I usually cover uh, city council meetings, but today I'm um, here as a volunteer uh, promoting Shen Yun. Shen Yun is a world-class performing arts company that tours around the world every year, and it is coming to uh, Costa Mesa at the Seagerstrom next week. Um, Shen Yun is a nonprofit based in New York whose mission is to return the 5,000 years of traditional Chinese culture uh, before communism almost destroyed it during China's Cultural Revolution in the 1960s. I'm a fan myself. Uh, I saw the show for the first time a couple years ago, and uh, having seen it many times, I've never failed to be uh, entertained, and sometimes I actually uh, cry during the show, too. Uh, Shen Yun in Chinese means the beauty of divine beings dancing, and uh, the show brings stories to life through classical dance, martial arts, and a live orchestra. Um, unfortunately, Shen Yun is actually banned by the Chinese Communist Party. It's the only place that it cannot perform is in China. Uh, under the authoritarian communist regime, China's cultural and spiritual traditions were almost lost as the party attempted to cut off people from their 5,000-year history, uh, which is based upon Buddhist, Taoist, and Confucian principles. In today's China, many people are censored and suppressed for speaking out against the Chinese Communist Party's human rights violations. Uh, that's why a group of world-class dancers, musicians, and artists founded Shen Yun in 2006 in the U.S., a free society. Shen Yun features traditional Chinese dance, which is a completely different system from ballet, as it originated from martial arts. At the show, you'll see amazing techniques, such as leaps, spins, tumbling, and a live orchestra, uh, which combines Eastern and Western instruments, which Eastern instruments like the pipa and erhu playing the lead, and Western symphony playing the harmony. Shen Yun's costumes reflect the history of different dynasties and ethnic groups. For example, the Tang Dynasty was famous for its vibrant colors and broad sleeves and golden yellow was reserved for the royal family. There is also an animated backdrop which combines modern technology with Chinese antiquity. You may see heavenly beauties flying amongst the clouds and then landing on stage or a warrior shooting his arrow toward the sun and turning it into a flame. Shen Yun travels to about 150 cities around the world with a brand new program each year and it brings hope to people and shows the beauty of China. Uh, I hope everyone in our community can go watch Shen Yun. I truly believe that it can bring positivity to anyone who watches it. Um, thank you, everyone, for allowing me to speak about this tonight. Thank you for being here. Next speaker. Good evening. Once again, I'm here to ask you to vote no on item 23. You currently have a flag policy that requires you to vote to fly flags on city polls. It's a simple procedure. But each time there is an occasion that might merit flying a special flag, the council just takes a vote, yes or no. By moving forward with an ordinance, you are creating unnecessary obstacles to flying a special flag. 
As I mentioned last time, it would be terribly embarrassing for the city if you were unable to fly the Anjo Japan flag while dignitaries from our sister city were visiting, even if they were to fly our city flag when you visit them. If you passed this ordinance, you would have to plan at least six weeks in advance to bring an item forward to change the ordinance. Then you would have to have a first and a second reading. The same would be true if a, little, a local Little League team run the World Series again. Would it even hold any meaning for those kids if the flag flew six weeks after their accomplishment instead of immediately after their win? Remember the old adage, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid? You don't need a comp to complicate a procedure that is already working. If you really don't want to fly the pride flag in June, you can simply vote against it then. However, from the emails I was reading through this afternoon, that doesn't seem like a good idea. The Blue Shield Foundation has already pulled a conference from the city that for this June. By the way, that's not the insurance company, it's a foundation. A, a contractor for the Olympics has already obtained commitments from companies such as Nike, Vans, Boeing, Quicksilver, and others to retract all support from Huntington Beach events if this ordinance moves forward. For a council that is supposed to be representing the interests of the city, creating an atmosphere that chases away significant business opportunities just doesn't seem like you're doing your job correctly. I'm also very concerned about item 27. Huntington Beach has a history of invocations that are not inclusive of all faiths and non-faiths in the community. Prior to instituting the policy of working with the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council, over a nine-month period, only three religions were represented. Significant religious groups such as Jews, Buddhists, and Hindus were left out completely. Even several Christian sects were omitted. Personally, I don't think it's appropriate for the city government to compel its citizens to pray before doing city business. However, if the council truly believes, feels the need for a religious invocation prior to starting the council meeting, the selection of those offering a pre public prayer should be represented, representative of all faiths and should continue to be selected by the Interfaith Council. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening. My name is Frank Rodriguez, and I'm the Executive Director of Operations for Gays Against Groomers. The reason that I'm here is to show support in regards to ch deciding to not fly the gay flag during June. I'm a 31-year-old gay man pushing back against the hijack agenda of the LGBT Incorporated. The pride flag, this flag, does not represent me. When you're a conservative gay and you have conservative traditional values, it doesn't represent you. I am tired. I am tired of this community trying to represent me and the millions of people that support people like me. Gaze Against Groomers represents millions of like-minded LGBT members. And the people in this building are upset because they think that they're being marginalized. Do you see Chinese people in here upset that we're not flying the Chinese flag on Chinese New Year's? Or how about Cinco de Mayo when the Mexicans got their independence? Do you see Mexicans in here upset? No. You see my community, the gay people that want to be 
marginalized, that make victims of ourselves. This flag that I'm standing on no longer represents me. This is not your fault. I'm not yelling at you. I'm upset because people like this are constantly representing my community. They make us look like fools. They make us look dumb. And I'm tired of it. This flag does not represent everyone with liberty and justice for all. That flag, this flag, the American flag, 13 stripes and 50 stars represent this, represent us, not this, not this. And if the gay community would wake up, we wouldn't have this pushback. Stop indoctrinating children and these types of things wouldn't happen. One more thing, one more thing. Do you know where I can find a trash can? Next speaker, thank you. All right, let the next speaker. Wow. My name is Emma Clark, and I'm a resident of Huntington Beach. While I do not share the LGBTQ lifestyle, I love and respect my friends and family who do. That is why I, as a private individual, can hold this flag in support of every person's right to choose how they want to live as the very best version of themselves. I also agree with Councilman Burns. This issue is clearly about recognizing our great city as being all-inclusive without preferential treatment of any special interest group. Now, the statements I have read so far from the opponents of this ordinance have only presented rhetoric and ad hominem attacks. They have not accurately presented the facts of this situation. This is divisive, not unifying. I'm reminded of that test that asks you to identify which object is uh, different from all the other objects in a group. Now, in the LA Times, they had a picture of the City Hall of Huntington Beach, and they, they pictured three government flags and one lifestyle flag. Not thinking about the test again. I appreciate our new council's desire for inclusiveness, clarity, and rule of law because that is what makes our country great. Therefore, I urge you to vote in favor of Ordinance 4283 to promote unity and equality for all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next, next speaker, thank you. Greetings, city council members and residents. My name is Lisa, and I've been a Huntington Beach resident for 47 years. In the last couple of years, I've been motivated to become more involved in matters regarding our city with policies that I feel strongly about. One of those is the flying of the pride flag on city property. While I accept the fact that people choose that lifestyle, I have yet to hear any justification for flying the flag on our city's properties. I am not against the pride community. I am, however, against preferential treatment. <laughs> Huntington Beach is a very friendly 
accepting, and laid-back community. But no one wants to have ideals pushed upon them. Enough of that is happening now in our current political environment. So to the gay community, I say this. Instead of raising your flag on our city properties, why not stand next to me under the American flag? Even though it only has three colors, it re represents everyone. You'll always be free to fly the pride flag at your own residence. That is, after all, your First Amendment right. Thank you. Ne next speaker, thank you for being here. Good evening, Mayor and Council members. I'm not a resident of Huntington Beach, although I wonder why that's important. Um, the school districts educate children in other cities. Huntington Beach churches and businesses are non-residents. Huntington Beach is not a walled city. Those, uh, there are those of us who shop, work, and learn in Huntington Beach. And your city's policies affect us. And although we do not vote for those in office, we still have a voice within the community. And while I'm not a resident of Huntington Beach, the reason why I am here today is, is, that, is that a friend who does live in Huntington Beach, who has a business in Huntington Beach, no longer feels safe. They don't feel safe speaking at the Huntington Beach City Council meeting, so I'm here to read a statement. For years, Huntington Beach has raised non-governmental flags on, the, on government flagpoles. No one ever complained about non-governmental flags before. That is, until the pride flag was flown. The pride flag has come to represent safety for the LGBTQ community, and is, it is a signal of acceptance. So voting to no longer raise the flag is a signal that Huntington Beach does not accept, that it, the Huntington Beach is not accept, accepting, and it is not safe for vulnerable communities. And if being recognized for being, and being recognized for being inclusive doesn't motivate you, maybe businesses will. The day the four council members swore in, you made a contract with Huntington Beach voters. One of the tenants was business-friendly policies. How is signaling to the nation, to the world, that Huntington Beach is not a safe city for, LGBT, for the LGBTQ a business-friendly policy? Long Beach, Laguna Beach, and Costa Mesa are easy destinations to go instead of Huntington Beach. The policy has already cost us business. You say that the, pride, that the flag is divisive, but a decision to put away the pride flag sends a clear message to the LGBTQ people. Huntington Beach doesn't want you here. Your children, you and your children are on your own. We won't stand up for you. It says, don't visit, you won't be safe. It also sends a clear message to bigots and anti-Semites that organize, organize, organize groups and others that Huntington Beach can't be bullied into hate. The way you have voted shows that you don't value differences, inclusivity, safety, and that you don't value kindness. When your term is over, how do you want to be remembered? By kindness and inclusivity or by hate? Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Brenda and I've been a Huntington Beach resident since 1989. 
And I want to address my first part to the newest city council members. You do know that this position is nonpartisan, right? Okay. It took Democrats, independents, and Republicans to elect you. So far, you have spent the city's money to give the city attorney a huge raise. Since he believes he works for the people who elected him and not the city council, shouldn't that have been put to a citizen's vote? Your campaign money increase seems self-serving. Where does this help Huntington Beach residents? Seems more likely that you will be beholden to special interest. Fighting the state over building affordable housing? Again, wasting our money. It's your money too. Use it instead to help develop common sense means to build the much needed housing. And the United States flag and pride flag. I was born into a military family. My uncle survived the Bataan Death March. My father served in Vietnam and he was at the Pentagon on 9-11. Each of them served under the United States flag. When protesters were burning the flag during the Vietnam War, my father told me he hated it, but he would defend to the death the right for them to do so. That's patriotism. Not using some lame excuse that our flag should be the only symbol of inclusion. Our flag has never represented inclusion. It represents, it represents ideals we are constantly striving for, and someday that may be inclusion, but not yet. And don't get me started on women's rights. On January 6th, our flag was sullied and weaponized. The flag for many in this country now symbolizes the attempt at a violent overthrow of our government. To have the United States flag to have the United States flag and the pride, a symbol of inclusion, flying together goes a long way in helping to heal some of the division we face in this country. Partisan four, quit trying to divide us into us and them. And to the citizens of Huntington Beach, let's take our flag back. Fly it and the pride flag together. Fly it proudly. Show we believe in inclusion for all our citizens. Next speaker. Hello, hello, city council members, members of the community. This is the commercial break for the, from the flag. <laughs> but, but my idea for the flag is that if, if, you, if Israel can fly a flag, everybody else should be able to fly a flag. Any place that they can't, they should. That's it. So, but short of that, the, uh, the thing I want to talk to you guys about, it's not about me this time, about the tow yards and, and how, what criminality that, these, that, that Huntington Beach PD has or does to people. You know, I was towing, they towed my car illegally, again, because they want to harass me because they keep on coming over here. But when I was over at the tow yard, and it's really bothered me for the past two weeks, is that there was a couple, a young couple, that lives in, Maine, in the downtown uh, Huntington Beach. And, uh, and I asked them, how much did 
you because it cost me 900 bucks for four hours or three hours of tow. I mean, <laughs> from the time they towed it until I got it back. And, uh, and then they told me it was $800 for them. And I asked them why, and they said, well, what, what happened was that they finally saved up enough money for, uh, for a uh, vacation, and they wanted to borrow a reliable car. So they borrowed the, uh, one of uh, the wife's sister's car, and she parked the car, and then it was a, a, it was a day in about like, four hours, and apparently you guys put one of these, uh, hey, uh, we're going to do the streets uh, paving, and you only have to tell them 24 hours ahead of time. 24 hours ahead of time. So what happens is that they towed the car. So they towed the car, and then and the car, the person that owned the car, left for on vacation, and they timed this perfectly so they can go on vacation. So, so when they were trying to get it back, they couldn't get it back because it wasn't their pink slip. Okay, so they had to wait four days, ruin the other person's work, uh, work time because she was working abroad, and they also had to give up their, their vacation time. They had to pay $853 because they parked the car for, uh, for one day and about three hours, it was 27 hours. Because your policy says that if they put a little sign that says street paving 24 hours ahead, the city of Huntington Beach, the police department gets $179 to release it. You have to pay them $179 to get a piece of paper that says that they're allowed to take their car back and you have to give it to the tow yard. The tow yard could charge anything they want. They're supposed to have all these rules just like the DMV states. They don't have to follow any of them. You know why? Because nobody enforces it. The cops won't enforce it because they get a portion of it. They tell you that they don't, but they do. Every single salvation, I mean, it's insane. I mean, $800 for parking the car for a day and three hours. And I mean, and it went, I mean, they lost their vacation. They hadn't had a vacation for five years, and now they got to wait another three. I mean, things like that should not happen in a community that I always thought it was like the, the Ten seconds. Show. Ten seconds. Please, please, please do something about these outrageous charges. That you, it's a mafia. Thank you. Madam Clerk, do we have more speakers? Of course I do. Happy to call. Please. All right, the next 10, Kathy Ryder, Sylvia Calhoun, Stephanie Camacho Van Dyke, Meg Robinson, Colin Parrott, Mark Curry, Luann Nichols Shoup, Shirley Detloff, Valentina Bankhead, George Washington. <laughs> Thank you. Did someone leave their glasses? Okay. My name is Sylvia Calhoun, Thank and you. I have lived in Huntington Beach for 41 years. I will make my statement brief. Um, I'm sorry? Okay, thank you. I have been a social justice warrior for my entire long life. I support agenda item 23. I personally prefer to see only three flags on California government buildings. That would be, especially in Huntington Beach, that would be the flag of the United States of America, the flag of the great state of California, and the flag of Huntington Beach. Any other flag is appropriate on private property. To quote from a missive by Kim Carr, quote, 
It's in everyone's best interest to be inclusive, tolerant, and kind. Well, Huntington Beach residents are inclusive, tolerant, and kind. Every social issue I have ever championed is already addressed in the Bill of Rights. I and everyone I know do not need to be lectured or economically bullied in order to be responsible citizens or compassionate and kind to our fellow human beings. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Mark Curry. And I'm here as a representative of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council. I'm here to speak on agenda item number 27. This resolution is asking the city manager and the city attorney to do what the Interfaith Council has been doing since its inception over 20 years ago. We feel that the resolution is trending into territory that may cause the city further complications in the future. My suggestion is to meet with the leadership of the council and to consult on the existing processes to see where improvements may be made. The Interfaith Council is open to all residents in the greater Huntington Beach area. This includes Huntington Beach, Fountain Valley, and parts of Westminster. Our mission is simple. The Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council is a gathering of representatives of faith-based communities and, and individuals dedicated to understanding, respecting, promoting, and celebrating spiritual and cultural diversity. As for the process of choosing the person for the invocation, the Interfaith Council fills slots during our regularly held meetings here in this building. Non-members are often asked to fill slots so that all faith traditions are represented. The following are taken from the guidelines sent to all people, members or not, of the Interfaith Council doing the invocation. One, when serving as the sole representative of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council, prayers should be offered in an inclusive manner. Please remember you are setting the tone for the meeting, seeking guidance, wisdom, counsel, compassion, civility, and right action for people and the council. It is acceptable and permissible to use the word God, Holy Spirit, or non-discreet name of the commonly utilized by most religions. When the language other than English or names of deities not common in use, we are excluding other religions and traditions. Number two, the city council requirement to limit the prayer to one minute is wise counsel. Length of the prayers will be determined by each event. If these have been violated, we need to be made aware and consulted. Changing what has worked without open and frank consultation appears to be punitive, and I hope it was not this council's wish to appear that way. The council formed both the Interfaith Council and the Human Relations Task Force, now the Human Relations Committee, after a murder of a black man on Beach Boulevard by a skinhead. Our relationship ten, ten with the city has always been warm and open, working together to bring love and understanding to all of our residents. We stand by, ready to work together to improve the process if needed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker.
Thank you. Uh, my name is Meg Robinson. I'm a lesbian and a resident of Huntington Beach, and I want to discuss item 23. There's a lot of rhetoric going on that we're really not banning the uh, pride flag. We're just celebrating the flags of the government of the United States. But to ban means to decide or say officially that something is not allowed. So we are banning the pride fl flag, um, but nobody seems to mention that. The ordinance doesn't mention that we're removing something. We're just adding on a plethora of flags, as far as I know. To me, I don't care if the pride flag was flown either for two years or for two days. Its presence on city flagpoles indicates inclusiveness of the Huntington Beach community. Removing it conveys the opposite message. Um, there was an interview with uh, Councilmember Burns, and something that he said that I think is reflected in a lot of people who are here tonight supporting, supporting item 23. He said, I think it's kind of demeaning to those parties that are represented under special interest flags that they're lesser, so they need propping up and encouragement to feel equal. That statement and many of the statements here this evening signals a lack of understanding and empathy. The gay community has been marginalized, demonized, victimized, and yet it's our fault for not feeling equal. This is what I find demeaning, that in 2022, Congress felt the need to pass legislation trying to protect same-sex unions. Already in this year, there are over 300 bills in state legislatures that target the LGBTQ community. Last year, there were 300. The LGBTQ community is usually in the top three as victims of hate crimes. Are any of you affected by the onslaughts like these? Yet, Council Member Burns, you say you don't see it. All, we are all equal. Does this look like equality to you? We in the queer community don't need propping up. We need the undermining to end. And that's where the pride flag comes in. To me, it's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of hope that we can be considered equal. Um, we still have a long way to go. But it's such a feeling of hope, it lets me have this crazy thought that maybe one of the four yeses will turn into a present. Or it lets me imagine a compromise that the pride flag is flown at the fun places, like the library and the pier. And the pier. It's a fairy tale, but you know something? Who would have predicted we'd have a pope that supports same-sex unions? Go figure! Ten seconds. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Colin Parrott, I'm 17 years old, and I serve on the Huntington Beach City Youth Board, but today I come to you as a citizen of Huntington Beach. The recent proposal under Agenda Item 23 for a new ordinance pertaining to the flag has had no shortage of discussion. I'd like to start by disputing the fact that this was a decision made for inclusiveness. Councilmember Burns, you stated that everyone should be equal, and no special flag should be put up preferring a group. But equality is not equity. Equality does not acknowledge the systematic oppression and bias against the LGBTQ plus community that has historically been observed here. Equality doesn't speak for the higher rate of suicide among members of the LGBTQ plus community and how making them feel safe and visible in the community is including them in things that they may otherwise feel excluded from. 
Equality does not account for the fact that after being flown for two years, the removal of this flag sends a message of inequality and an active bias against a group who have already had to fight for this right once and shouldn't have to do so again. Flags represent things. The United States flag is flown to represent every citizen and to recognize the support of the American people. The pride flag is flown to show support to a community and acknowledge their struggles. It is not to signify that they are somehow more valuable or more important than anyone else. In the same way you've argued it promotes a prioritized group, I could make the argument that the flag of California is flown to signify we are better than the rest of the nation. But this ordinance is affecting more than just the LGBTQ plus community. Because of your decision to create a vague and general proposition to ban any flags besides specified ones, you've created a multitude of unintended consequences. I'd like to note the commentary piece, Restoring Pride in Surf City, for so succinctly pointing out that this ordinance removes the ability to fly the flag of our sister city in Japan in the upcoming Cherry Blossom Festival, the flag of local sports teams after a significant achievement, and most egregiously, the Olympic flag if we have the privilege of hosting the 2028 surfing leg of the Olympics. The new council members ran on a campaign of being for small businesses. However, this ordinance has already begun affecting tourism and the revenue of the businesses you ran on protecting. Already, just the proposal of this ordinance has had economic fallout. Vans pulled out of the U.S. Open Surfing Competition, and while they didn't directly state the reason they flew pride flags at last year's U.S. Open, the Blue Shield of California has also canceled their planned two-day conference in the city and released a public comment openly condemning Huntington Beach for their actions. In my own family, I have a transgender brother, and I find it incredibly important that he feels seen and appreciated. The hypocrisy of your actions and the way you've ignored all criticism is not lost on me. I'm a realist. I know I will be ignored by the majority of you. But a four to three majority, which is what the last meeting's proposal passed by, is a small margin. Ten, ten seconds. If even one of you sees the senselessness of this proposal, I implore you to vote against it before it's too late. Next speaker. Next speaker. Uh, good evening, members of the Huntington Beach City Council, uh, Mayor Strickland. Uh, my name is Stephanie Camacho Van Dyke. Uh, I'm the Director of Advocacy and Education at the LGBTQ Center OC. If you're unfamiliar with the center, we are a long-standing organization that serves uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning people in Orange County. You may recall that I was one of the 40 people who attended and spoke out during open comments at the last city council meeting on February, February 6th. The LGBTQ Center OC is strongly encouraging you all to keep flying the pride flag during LGBTQ Pride Month. As we have learned in the last city council meeting, 228 community members wrote letters to the city of Huntington Beach in support of the pride flag, while 46 people opposed the flag. As you could see, there is an overwhelming amount of support to keep the pride flag raised during LGBTQ Pride Month. Time is essential. There is a great urgency to show support for the community now more than ever before. We must take into consideration the escalating rate of hate crimes and incidences that have occurred over the past year in Orange County. <sighs> oh, um, the findings from the 2021 report by the Orange County Human Relations Commission reflect a 6% increase in hate crimes and incidences in Orange County. Specifically, there was an 83% increase of hate crimes impacting LGBTQ community members. 
These findings demonstrate a significant shift that impact the safety and well-being of our community. Instead of division and vitriol, we should stand united and support our LGBTQ community. We must set the example to other cities across Orange County, across the country, that our LGBTQ residents feel welcomed and valued, as so much of our community right now is being attacked in different parts of the country. I hope that you will reconsider your decision and work towards finding a solution that promotes unity and acceptance for all community uh, members here in, Horn in Huntington Beach. During times of division and animosity, it is important to strive together towards unity, even when faced with differences and disagreements. The pride flag is a small but powerful symbol of hope and inclusion, and it deserves to be displayed proudly in Huntington Beach and in cities across Orange County. Please, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out to me or our organization. We're here to work with you all, have discussion and dialogue. Um, for the record, uh, how many of you all are in support of the pride flag? Let's hear it all. Yes! Okay, can you repeat after me? We stand. We stand. In support. In support. Of the pride flag. One more time. We stand, we stand. In, support in support of the pride flag. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next, next speaker. Next speaker, please. My name is Luann Nichols Shoup. I am a fourth generation resident of Huntington Beach, and I am here to speak in favor of item 23. Do you all like my hat? Like it? I bought this 13 years ago in 2010 at a hat store downtown Huntington Beach. The reason why I bought it was because I wanted attention and I wanted people to see me and spot me. The reason for that was because I was running the Huntington Beach Heart Walk. Well, I still wear my hat freely, even though there is not a leopard hat flag ordinance in Huntington Beach. <laughs> I can still wear my hat flag, my hat, anywhere I want in Huntington Beach. As a matter of fact, I can wear it here, right here in City Hall. And I think we need to realize that no matter what the outcome is of this ordinance, I can wear my hat anywhere I want, just as the pride flag can be flown in any front yard. They can wear it downtown Huntington Beach. It is not banned from Huntington Beach. We need to make that clear. And I also would like to call out Ms. Mosier and Ms. Bolton for giving misinformation on the bans. The reason why they're not going to be sponsoring the surf contest is because last quarter they lost money and they can't afford it. And just one more thing, I'm really getting tired of the complainers about giving our city attorney a raise. He deserves it. Let's remember... The city attorney, since he has been the city attorney of Huntington Beach, has saved our city over $150 million.
So at the end of the day, no matter what you decide, I can wear my hat and they can fly their flag. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and members of the council. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't want to take up your time. Thank you. Please. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and members of the council. My name is Shirley Detloff, and I've been a resident of Huntington Beach since 1964. I'm here tonight to urge you not to support the flag issue before you tonight. I have heard that we have already lost a large corporate meeting, and others may follow. After reading what the Olympics stand for, which is equality and inclusiveness, I'm so afraid that we may lose the Olympics. This would be a disaster in that we are Surf City, a title I fought for when I was president of the Visitors Bureau of Directors. At that time, we had to go to court, and we won the ability to be called Surf City, and this is where the Olympics should be. Most important, it is the right thing to do. We have received such bad publicity. But that is not the only reason. To reject the issue tonight, you should reject it because when you ran for office and then took the oath, you took an oath for all people of the community, which did not depend on their nation of origin, their religion, their sexual orientation, or their gender or disability status. Everyone will be treated with courtesy and respect, and that is what we call a democracy. And one last thing, you did not have to bring this issue forward. It is very divisive. You have divided this community as you can hear tonight. You already had the ability to accept or reject any application that came before you. So the reason for bringing this forward is totally unknown to me other than you might have not wanted to at the time you had to make that very difficult decision, had to decide on issues that could have been divisive to the community but that's not the way a democracy works. Thank you so much for your time. Next speaker. Good evening, Mayor, Council Members, City Staff, and HB voters. I'm Kathy Ryder, and my husband and I have lived and voted in Huntington Beach since 1985, and however, due to health constraints, my husband is not able to attend in person, and he does miss the Zoom participation option. So I'm speaking on behalf of both of us. While we certainly support the need for public safety in our public buildings, our public parking structures, and our public city lots, we do have some questions about agenda item 24. After reading this draft ordinance, we saw that there was quite a list of unacceptable behaviors. How will this list be conveyed, not only to the citizens of Huntington Beach, but to anyone who visits our city? Just posting a sign listing the ordinance number just won't cut it. That list is far too long. And how will these behaviors be monitored? Will we be assigning police officers to patrol all of our public spaces on 24-7 basis so we can look for the violations and the violators? As a person who might visit a public space, and I see someone who's in an unacceptable behavior. How and to whom do I report this? These violations also appear to be classified as misdemeanors. Will they be fines? And if so, how will the dollar amounts be decided? Will it be the same for all, or are some unacceptable behaviors more egregious? 
Will the fines be paid directly to the city or will they be part of the Orange County court system? None of that is clear. And how many times can a person violate this list of unacceptable behaviors? Will we maintain some kind of a master list at the city and after so many violations, will an individual be banned from our public spaces? How are you going to enforce that exactly? And we are also very concerned about the five-year or younger restroom restrictions. Because if you have a disabled child who is with a parent, a family member, or a caregiver of the opposite sex, and they are six or older, just what is the restroom plan? Because you probably know that your disability doesn't end just because you had your sixth birthday. This might somehow be a violation of the ADA. And if that's the case, here we go, another lawsuit. And I asked at the last meeting if now our city council priority was either fighting lawsuits or just finding ideas to create lawsuits. I'm not sure which. And lastly, in your contract with the Huntington Beach voters, you were told us, you told us repeatedly that on day one, there would be the 90-day homeless plan and it would be implemented. Well, hello, today is day 77. Where is this plan? And what exactly are we doing to prevent homelessness in our city? It's not on the agenda this time. It wasn't on the agenda last time. I don't see any study sessions that have been scheduled. Are they? Is it still a 90-day plan? Or is that just a pipe dream? So I hope that we will get answers to some of these questions, not just for my husband and I, but for all of us. Valentina Bankhead, Huntington Beach resident. I'm in full support of Agenda 23 by Pat Burns and other city council members. I believe if Huntington Beach City Council makes a legal ordinance in determining third-party flagpole control to their government messaging to represent us all, that would be the best. It will bring the community united with a united front, our beautiful American flag, and to not be separated by group or association like the LGBTQ flag. I do not like the LGBTQ flag personally, but anyone else that does do, that does, is free to show it, wear it, embrace it, or fly it on your property, car or person. It does not belong on government properties. If that was the case, if that was the case, I would not be surprised at requests for all kinds of flags that are meaningful to other organizations and groups that feel their flags are also equal to time on the poll and honored as well. If LGBTQ flag flies, Huntington Beach City Council could also choose to fly a heterosexual missionary position flag for me, a Christopher Columbus flag, a pirate flag, flag of Spain, a Christian flag, I know there are a lot of Christians in Huntington, flag of Mexico, South African flag, Blue Lives Matter flag, Babies Lives Matter flag, Rastafarian flag, Gays Against Groomers flag, ISIS flag, St. Patty's Day flag, maybe even a Trump flag. I am happy that Pat Burns has requested to stop the madness and is going to bring us the American way of tradition, of unity, and of loyalty to our true government flags that really and truly represent us all, old glory, accented nicely by our city flag, county flag, or state flag, and sparingly honoring our POW and MII men and women that gave everything, their lives, for us to do what we are doing right now in Huntington Beach.
God bless our new council majority, and I know you are doing fucking awesome. And also God bless and enlighten our council minority to see through the mind-bending rhetoric that is dangerous and brutally disenfranchises every Huntington Beach resident in peace, prosperity, and in a safe, comfortable passage to live free and in a rad beach town community to raise our families we all call home. Thank you. Okay. Next speaker. All right. Extortion, the practice of a, obtaining something, especially money through force or threats, especially the offense committed by an official engaging in such practice. The threat of harm to a person, person is an is essential element of the offense. This could consist of physical harm, financial harm, destruction of property, or abuse of official power. I say it again, abuse of official power. Abuse of official power means the use by an official of his or her vested authority to improperly benefit another official, person or entity are using such power to improperly discriminate against another official, person or government, uh, or non-governmental enemy. Sound familiar? So here we are, local officials lying openly and stirring up more anger and fear in our business community. It's dangerous as must not be tolerated. The biggest threat and danger to our, our great city and our great country is from our local radical far left officials using weaponized identity politics to terrorize the Huntington Beach community. The, the, the division and lies these officials are constantly spewing and the weaponizing of every aspect of uh, and growth of big government here at the local level with our previous council majority use the same tactics the radical left uses at every level of government, local, state, federal, straight up to the world level with the globalists and the likes of the World Economic Forum and the New World Order with their fingers on the button of the nuclear football and the Great Reset. And our local far left officials, these uh, agendas, um, these agents of the deep state and the New World Order uh, talk just like the globalists, as if a worldwide memo is put out by all of them, for, to all of them by talking heads on the television programming of mainstream media, like, like a sick game of monkey see, monkey do, causing division on every level of life. The globalists like Carl Schwab, George Soros, Bill Gates, the Obamas, Gavin Newsom, and Katie Porter, the Katie Porters of the world, they tell our local officials, the officials, they tell all aspects of our government and life how to act and how to talk. Well, you know the expression, act and talk like a duck. Guess what? You're a duck. Well, our local officials act and talk like a globalist. They're a fucking globalist. Hey. Spewing Marxist talking points. This lie of the pride flag and continued divisive race-baiting language of our local officials is the same kind of language, lies, and division that has brought our world to the brink of World War III and nuclear war. Ten seconds. And all of I see from the left is stepping on the accelerator with their fingers on that button of destruction. Justice for we the people against the globalist agenda for crimes against humanity is coming. But guess Thank what? Thank you. You have great and you can repent of your sin.
Ten more? Yes. All right. The next ten. The next ten. Chris Byrne. Stephen Quinn. Olivia Pham. Ann Palmer. Linda Moon. Michael Rogers. Tim Geddes. Don Stewart. Jocelyn Rabbit Sire. Patricia Pappas, please approach both podiums. Madam Clerk, how many have we gone through already? We're on number 40 right now? Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you, Madam Clerk. Ready? Please, who's up? I'm up. Thank you. Sorry. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name's Chris Byrne, and uh, I've been a resident of Huntington Beach for 55 years, uh, and I'm not a lesbian, just so you should know. Um, and I've almost forgot what I wanted to talk about, but I've handed you out a, pic uh, a couple of photos of what I took yesterday at about noon. I live uh, near Seapoint and Coast Highway, and I was walking down to check out the surf, and at the uh, top of the, um, the ramp going down from PCH to the bike path and ultimately our beautiful beach, somebody took uh, a really a beautiful crap. I mean, I think we would all be happy. Um, we all, we'd be proud of, of, uh, of what is shown here. Um, and he not, uh, he or she, or uh, he might have been uh, binary and trans, person, I don't know, as a man or a woman, it wasn't an animal because they wiped their ass and left the toilet paper all strewn there too. And so um, to me, it's kind of deplorable, deplorable behavior. And I would suggest to those in this room that there's three people on our city council that think this kind of behavior is okay. That's Natalie Moser, Rhonda Bolton, and Dan Kalmick. They've been coddling, and, and this is the result of that. And this isn't the first time. This, is ha this happened at the uh, entrance to Sessions uh, when I went there to get a, uh, a breakfast sandwich at 8 o'clock when they're opened up, and I found the guy who was supposed to be opening up and, 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 and starting to work uh, cleaning off the entrance because somebody had taken a shit in the uh, entrance entryway, the only way in and the only way out. And I know this also happens around the surf museum because I know the guys that run the surf museum and people take dumps out there and you guys haven't done anything about it. So um, the other thing that's interesting is I, I actually think you guys are enemies of our city. You don't represent us. You were um, somehow elected. Um, I hope to God they're not reelected in a couple years. Um, they, they, they oppose our city attorney who was overwhelmingly reelected, has the overwhelming support of our community. Uh, and you guys oppose him. We, we want local control. You know, we, we want to be able to have a say in how we're governed in Huntington Beach. You guys, want to, you guys want to cede control to Sacramento, and, uh, and, and that's just not going to happen. You guys are enemies. You guys are... Ten seconds. You guys, you guys are hoping that Michael Gates in Huntington Beach loses that lawsuit. You're hoping that, 
and you call yourself representatives of Huntington Beach. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening. Um, my name is Don Stewart. I'm a 40-year-plus resident of Huntington Beach. I'm here to speak about agenda item 23. I've got a whole prepared little speech here, but I want to say one thing about divisiveness. I grew up in Chicago in the 60s and 70s, and the blacks went in the black neighborhood, the whites went in the white neighborhood. I joined the Army at age 17, and that's when I learned what it was like to be inclusive. My black drill sergeant told me to jump, and I jumped. My white drill sergeant told a black guy to jump, he jumped. We were all the same, we wore the same, we didn't identify differently. And to me, that's, that's America, and that's what we should be doing here. So our Constitution allows freedom of religion in public and private spaces. However, it does not sanction one denomination or religion by flying their flag on our flagpole. I think you heard that tonight already. It also allows freedom of expression, including sexual orientations of those recognized by the rainbow flag. Individuals, as we heard tonight, can wear it in their clothing and so forth. But the government should not display those things on, and show preference on government buildings. It's a divisive symbol, it is, because it conflicts with many people's moral beliefs. Most religions, including but not limited to Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, consider it a sin. Well, you better, you better read the Bible. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a Christian sinner. But I don't, I, I don't make a flag and ask the city council to put my sin on the flagpole either. So live with it. You, you, you got to realize that. So by displaying the rainbow flag, the city is showing favoritism to members of this group. Should we allow every group to have a flag? We heard that tonight. Can you imagine all the different things? I think Valentino mentioned one of them, flying on our flagpole. No. It, it put common sense back into this country, into this city. The American flag is the most inclusive flag. And members of this community, are well, of the LGBTQ community, are welcome here. Removal of the flag does not mean anything differently. It's that American flag is the gold standard across the world for inclusion. If you don't believe it, just go in their country and try to hang your flag on their flagpole and see what happens. This is the best country in the world. Last year I took a U.S. Constitution class. I think everybody in this building should take it and remember what this country is founded on. And it's not founded on divisiveness. Everything is divisive. Genders, sex, race, orientations. We gotta get together again and be unified. So stop this nonsense. We shouldn't hang anything on the flagpole except for the government flags. Otherwise, you are showing favoritism. Thank you. Next. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hello, my name's Olivia Pham, and I've lived in Huntington Beach all my life. I serve on the Huntington Beach Youth Board, but today I come as a citizen of the city and an ally. I strongly believe that the passing of Ordinance Number 4283 creates an exclusive environment that mentally harms the diversity of our community. Not only does it prevent the LGBTQ flag from being flown during National Pride Flag, but it prevents the different countries' flag from being flown during the U.S. Open, sports competitions, and our sister city's flag being flown during the annual Cherry Blossom Festival. Removing the LGBTQ flag during Pride Month after raising it proudly for the past couple years promotes this idea that we do not support all members of our community. 
Firstly, let me acknowledge the struggles and challenges that the LGBT community has been faced. Members of this community have been subjected to discrimination, prejudice, and violence because of their sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression. Research has shown that members of the LGBTQ community have been higher risk of experiencing depression, anxiety, and other mental health related issues compared to heterosexual counterparts. This is due to the constant stress and fear of being discriminated against and ostracized because of their identity. This LGBTQ crowd comes in. This rainbow flag is a symbol of pride, a symbol of inclusivity, and a symbol of acceptance. It represents the struggles, triumphs, and diversity of the LGBTQ community. Flying this flag signals a safe and welcoming space for all individuals. It sends a powerful message that you stand with the LGBTQ community and support the rights to live free from discrimination and prejudice. It says that we are all equal regardless of our sexual orientation and gender identity. It says we recognize their struggle and stand with them in their fight for equality and acceptance. For those struggling with their identity, the rainbow flag is a beacon of hope. It shows them that they're not alone and that there's a community that accepts them for who they are and that they are worthy of being loved and respected. Furthermore, for those who are allies of the LGBTQ community, such as myself, Flying this flag is a way to show support and solidarity. Shipping away the rights of this flag and the flags of other nationalities on all city property creates a divide. The role of the city council is to protect, the, is to protect its citizens by promoting the safety and security for all. So please protect the citizens of the city by not passing this ordinance because it significantly harms the well-being of our community by taking away their identity. We must work Ten together seconds. now to not pass this ordinance because it does not accurately reflect everyone's beliefs. It is instrumental to emphasize that everyone belongs and deserves to feel safe and respected in Huntington Beach. Thank you so Thank much. You. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening. I'm here to speak on item number 26. My name is Linda Moon, and I've lived in Huntington Beach for 48 years in my single family home. One of the lessons that I learned in my 40 year career as an attorney was when not to file a lawsuit. This is one of those times. The provisions of SB 10, if you read that statute, allowing construction of multiple dwellings near transit or in urban infill areas are strictly discretionary with the city. Nothing is mandated, nothing. So I don't even see that the city has standing to file a lawsuit with regard to that statute. SB 9, the California Home Act, which took effect in 2022, allows single-family homeowners to choose or not to duplex their property, or if the property is large enough to divide it into allowing for construction up to, of up to four units total. There is no obligation of the city to mandate that anyone build, only that it does not unnecessarily impede those options. 
Otherwise, all city environmental and zoning requirements, including design, height, and setback restrictions, must be complied with. And the city may add parking requirements and restrictions. The bill itself provides that it applies to both general law and charter cities. So why sue? Accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, authorized by earlier statutes, are also voluntarily built by homeowners wishing to provide affordable housing to usually elder family members on their property. These statutes allow the city to make a small dent in its obligation to provide affordable housing without changing the character of existing neighborhoods. This is the free market that you say you want to control, you, you want controlling, not government overreach. Challenging these housing opportunities by litigation would not only be contrary to the best interests of the city, it would be costly and futile. Please don't send more of our money down the litigation rat hole. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Good evening, Mayor Strickland, council members. Uh, I'll keep this really brief. I'm here to support Councilman Burns' proposal to limit the display of ideologically charged flags on city property. It's not the role of city government to express support or condemnation for specific groups, whether based on race, creed, or sexual preference. If we allowed the pride flag to be flown, must we then also fly a pro-life flag? But of course, our side doesn't demand that, because we don't believe in forcing our beliefs on others. We are not, to we are not totalitarians. I urge the council to stand firm to not be bullied into submission by the threats and coercion of unethical activist groups. Vote yes on item number 23. Thank you. Next, next speaker, thanks for being here. Honorable city council members, my name is Patricia Pappas, and I'm happy to speak in support of agenda item 23165, government flags flown only on the city property. I've been a resident of Huntington Beach for 43 years and my husband um, for 50 years. We're pleased that ordinance number 4283 has been recommended for vote and approval. It's a wonderful place to live, Huntington, with people from all cultures and all beliefs. We're in favor of flying our government flags on government property. This is where government business is conducted. Our national American flag represents all citizens living here and our Constitution and our Bill of Rights safeguard those rights. So if you're a living, breathing individual with a heart and lungs, that means you all are included. We don't need any additional flags to verify that. We all have our favorite flags, sports teams, schools, clubs, organizations, etc. We fly those flags proudly at events and on our personal property. The council um, voting on a Huntington Beach issue, this council is voting on a Huntington Beach issue and voices recognized should only be coming from our residents. On a personal note, Huntington Beach and its people are about unity. As I recently walked neighborhoods and talked with many of our HB neighbors, I found that HBers are interested in bringing our city and communities together, not dividing them. 
The passing of ordinance number 4283 would continue to unite us and reaffirm to our voters that our city council members are on the side of the citizens. Thank you, we voted, we voted. We were out there talking and the city, uh, the residents voted and they chose McKeon, Burns, Vandermark and Strickland because we wanted change. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi, my name's Ann Palmer and I've been here over 30 years. I intended to draw you a great rendering with all of the various logos that are available to put on flags that could be flown on a flag standard. But we've heard some, some great people tonight. I didn't get that done, but I don't think you need it. The truth is, I do not think the gay pride flag should be flown on the national standard, on our flag standard. However, that doesn't mean I don't think it's important. It doesn't mean that I don't think those people, that group that feels mis that group that feels represented by this flag, including some of my family members, thank you very much, should be represented. And the good news is I have a great advertising and marketing background. This city is able to represent you well. We have available space over the pier. We have flag standards and pole banners all downtown, up and down the streets. We have displays at our libraries, and we have events in the park. You can have parades. And what disturbed me most is you saying that you don't feel welcome here. That should never happen. And I think you should reach out to our council or to any resource to tell us why. I've not seen that, I don't know that, and it does disturb me. But again, we don't need the pride flag on our standard banner, we need the national flag. One other thing that if you've ever seen a photograph that's made up by pixels that are photographs, if we did that with the American flag, you would find yourself in there. You don't need a separate flag. At any rate, I wish everybody well. I hope that we have a clean vote on this and that we get to the point where we're not arguing every week about things that really shouldn't be this divisive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Honorable Mayor, council members, and hardworking staff. My name is Jocelyn Rabbit, and I've been a member of this community for 23 years. Concerning item number seven on the agenda, I want to say that I appreciate the time and consideration you're giving to the decision on whether to say, stay excuse me, with OCPA for our electricity or revert to SCE. I want to encourage you to continue to investigate the costs and benefits to ratepayers and to our city as a whole before making any decision. Also, on item number 23, I would again voice my opposition to any changes to the current flag policy. I think it is here and now and online that the LGBTQ pride flag may seem to be a source of division. When it flies 
in June, I guarantee that the majority of those who behold it will only feel goodwill. Lastly, I know that emotions on the issue of the flag are running quite high, and I would just second the sentiments of the Honorable Chaplain, who so eloquently gave the invocation. So I just hope that for the uh, remainder of the speakers, that um, we would all show respect to one another and to all council members, regardless of where everyone stands on this issue. Thank you for hearing me tonight. Thank you. Next speaker, uh, thanks for being here. Um, good morning, City uh, Mayor and City Council. My name is Tim Geddes, and I am a proud 39-year resident of Southeast Huntington Beach. I have been active in local civic affairs for over 20 years and have served on the Finance Board for eight years, many as Chair-Elect, and the Mobile Home Advisory Board for several years, almost all as Chair or Chair-Elect. I have voted in 20 local elections and have seen all manner of city councils, almost all of them controlled by conservative majorities. I have to say, I've never seen such an openly and nakedly authoritarian council majority, especially with all new members with no experience on the dais. I should be surprised at the brute force insensitivity I have seen to date, but I'm not. And the council agendas confirm all of the deep suspicions I had, I had hoped were not true. I am speaking tonight on item 23, uh, on the agenda or ordinance 4283, but there are more items I question. <clears throat> First of all, I agree with the Daily Pilot commentary, Restoring Pride in Surf City, posted February the 16th and published this past Sunday by over a dozen former council members and mayors of Huntington Beach. For those who may not be familiar with the scathing indictment leveled by them, I invite you to access and read it. It references both the tone-deaf ideological approach this council majority has exhibited and the unforeseen consequences pursuing this course will have on our reputation and our social and economic future. For example, how many corporate applicants to succeed Vans in headlining sponsorship of the U.S. Surfing Open will want the negative baggage this clearly discriminatory ordinance will pack with companies pursuing a genuinely inclusive image for their brand. It's their perception, not yours, that will dictate what flies, so to speak. You may speak, you may, uh, you all may speak for your own mega style base, but you don't speak for everybody. And I doubt the silent majority of our community will stay silent for long. I am sure a number who voted for you are now having doubts and second thoughts. If you are, yeah, not here. If you are, if you are pushing for all, if all you are pushing is performative partisanship, then that is not what I would call egalitarian representation. It is you who are being divisive, and you claiming to the contrary simply doesn't make it so. Like the authors of the Daily Pilot commentary, I urge you to rethink this brash attempt to remake our city in your image. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. 
Good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor and, and council members, staff, and, and some of the greatest police officers in the world. Um, I, my name is Michael Rogers. I've been a resident of the city for 33 years. I, I uh, was a resident in Long Beach for 32 years. I came to the city because um, I wanted something better. And um, I hoped for something better for my family. And we found it here in Huntington Beach. We're very grateful for what we have here. Uh, we have a home. Uh, we have uh, a community. Um, we have uh, a lot of diversity from what I can see. I see it everywhere. And I've lived in many parts of the city, actually, since I've been here. Um, but we planted ourselves in um, very close to this uh, facility. And we're very happy here. Um, I'm really grateful, and I'm here to speak in support of what uh, Councilman Burns has put forth in this ordinance uh, for the flag, um, the flag issue. We all know what it is, or there's a lot of people here that know what it is. And I'm in full support of it, because um, not because I'm against any community. It's because I'm for this community, and I really want to support it. Um, I want to support um, the people, all the people that come here, give them the opportunity to enjoy what we get to enjoy that live here. And uh, for my family, uh, my, three, my three kids that have um, uh, given us, my wife and I, seven grandkids, we're very grateful. We're all living here. We're all um, thriving in this community because we have the, the privileges of doing some of the things that we get to do in this great country. I love this process. I, I, I sat here today. I have a lot better things I'd rather do, or a lot of other things I'd rather do tonight. But because of this council and the things that they're putting forth, um, the things that were uh, laid out during the campaign, uh, I much appreciated uh, what, I was, what I was seeing. I didn't appreciate what was being done in the past, and I'm glad that uh, some of those people that were involved in that last uh, article that I just read are past council, far past council. Um, just, and that's just my opinion, not to, not to pick on anybody, but the reality is is that uh, I think we're heading in the right direction. I want to commend you all for doing that. And even those who are representing uh, people with differing views than what I have, I think that uh, that's necessary. That's the process that we get to have here in this country. And it's represented by that flag that's behind you that's red, white, and blue. It's not represented fully by every other flag behind you because we could have all kinds of other flags. But that one flag, there's a lot of people who died for that. And uh, I really appreciate that. Um, I, I really uh, uh, am trusting in God that you're going to do the right thing going forward and all the things that you had uh, set out to do. And that goes for all sides and all opinions here that you're hoping to do what you think is right. And because of the process that we have, we get to have people that are able to be vocal in these areas. Ten and seconds. I'm running out of time. So I just want to say thank you and thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mayor. The next 10 speakers, Monique Bourgeoisla, uh, Jessamine Garner, Kathy Hawes, Connie Boardman, Bethany Webb, Pat Goodman, Tony Bisson, or Bison, Bisson, I think, Kelly Frankowitz, Mike, Terry Hudgens, come on down. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Yeah. Good evening. My name is Manek Bujwala. I'm the president of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council. 
which was instituted uh, by the request of the city council many years ago to, uh, in response to some of the hate crimes, hate incidents that were being done by the skinheads, which had their headquarters in Huntington Beach. And, you know, we have performed very well in cooperation with the city. Uh, we were also asked to coordinate the uh, volunteers that come here to do invocations. And as my colleague Mark Curry earlier to gave you a lot of details about, you know, our guidelines and things, and that I myself had uh, sent the guidelines when I received them to our city manager's office, as well as I gave it to the mayor, whom I met at the Meet the Mayor event that was held recently. And of course, the mayor told me that, you know, we should first sit down and discuss one-on-one -on -one the issues, the concerns, the impact it will have on existing, uh, you know, people who are working on this and coordinating this. And so I would request you, you know, to uh, keep that, all that in mind. We were surprised that we were not contacted, you know, earlier. We just got a notice about this resolution very, very recently, you know, for the last few days. And so, you know, it's uh, in any case of a new change, a new issue, it is important if you want a good decision to contact people who have been working on things like this and to give all different opinions so that we are all, you know, we make a good decision based on the experience and opinions of all parties. So I request you that please uh, postpone any kind of uh, action on this resolution until we have had a one-on-one -on -one discussion. Uh, we, uh, we invite you to come to our interfaith council meeting. We have it on the last Tuesdays of every month. So it'll be, the next one will be coming up pretty shortly. And, uh, or, you know, we can schedule it to meet you over here or at any other place of your choice. So please uh, keep that in mind and um, give us a chance, opportunity to tell you what we have been doing and what has been the good result of what we have been doing. You know, we have a very good cooperation with the city council for many, many years, and we want the best to happen for our city with a good diversity, with civil, uh, you know, civil communication uh, and respect for all people of all communities, of all religious communities. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, uh, Mayor Strickland, City Council members. My name's Pat Goodman. Uh, we know there's a need for housing through low, because of uh, low occupancy rates, high demand, high rents, overcrowding, and waitlists, not just in Huntington Beach, but throughout the region and state. An approved housing element is a plan to move a city forward to achieve a diverse palette of housing units that will meet the needs of our residents. This document allows the city to maintain local control on its zoning, design review, and permitting process. If there is no market for development, then we won't be seeing any. We do have some very tired properties in our city, and like many of us, they could use a facelift. I urge you to approve a housing element pronto. Uh, there are four items on the agenda tonight that uh, are noteworthy to me. The first one is 21 uh, regarding the Finance Committee, and it seems that there might be a page missing or a couple of the paragraphs. Um, there needs to be specific language that the Finance commi Committee it's committee, right, is advisory only 
and that the commission, I guess, commission may not interfere with any employee or appointee in the carrying out of their duties. The other three, I hope you'll pull from the agenda. I don't know if it's too late to do that. The flag ordinance that you've heard so much about, um, uh, the, the item 26, setting the city um, to litigate um, nine and 10, and the change in the process to, uh, for the invocation. It just seems that there is a common thread there, that you really don't have to do anything uh, other than like the flag ordinance, if it comes before you, then that's when you take a vote. And it gives you a lot of flexibility, the existing one, as I understand it. So you don't have to um, really do anything unless it comes before you. And then um, the SB 9 and 10, we've heard the 10, is, doesn't apply to our city. We, the previous council didn't adopt it. And nine is really um, some tools for a city to uh, provide for ADUs or uh, other um, units. You know, it's a homeowner's choice. And then uh, as far as the invocation, it just uh, um, that, uh, that feeling that to reach out to institutions or groups or organizations that are already doing some of this work and learn about what's going on. Just kind of step back, take a breath, see what's going on. I know it must take a while to orient yourselves, um, although you've had experience on boards and commissions. But, um, you know, there's a lot to it, so I hope you'll take some time to reconsider. Thank you. Good evening, council members and Mayor Strickland. My name is Connie Boardman. I have to tell you, Mr. Mayor, I'm really happy to be a past mayor this, this evening. <laughs> um, I'm opposed to item 23, and I made that clear at the last meeting. I'm mainly here tonight to talk about item 21. There's a big difference between the um, agenda item from the meeting on the 7th and this evening. The language to prevent interference with the duties of city employees or elected officials has been removed. The language preventing members of this commission to indirectly or directly order staff around has been removed. Also gone is the language stating that requests requiring a significant amount of staff time should be voted on and approved by the council is missing. So why was this language removed? After all, the same language is found in the Municipal Code governing the Community and Library Services Commission and the Investment Advisory Board. By removing this language, it appears that an unelected board of residents will have more rights than you do as council members when interacting with staff. Our charter in section 307 prevents the council from directly giving orders to staff. Quote, no member of the city council should give orders to any subordinate of the city administrator, either publicly or privately. Now this section does have an exception for inquiry and investigation, but there's an administrative regulation controlling the council, regulation 102, that states reports and studies requested by a council member that require more than four hours to prepare require city council approval. So the removed language from the agenda item only requires of the finance board members the same thing the charter and administrative regulations require of you. Directing staff is the job of the city manager and not the job of an unelected advisory board. Removing the language to allow appointed members of the finance commission to use up large amounts of staff time or micromanage staff 
about expenditures already allocated by the council will lead to more of our experienced staff leaving the city. Meanwhile, there's already 25 vacancies in our police department, and I see you're in negotiations now with the POA. I looked up the MOUs in Anaheim and Irvine just to see what they were offering the officers. Irvine gave their officers an 11% raise in November of 2022 that goes up to 18% in 2025. Anaheim will have given their officers a 14% raise from 2020 to 2024. Now, I don't know if we have the funds to offer those kinds of raises, but instead of this council prioritizing items such as banning the gay pride flag at the city, developing a list of approved clergy who can give the invocation, suing the state over SB 9 and 10, legislation that either will have no impact on the city or has not at this point, taking away the rights of residents to anonymously report code violations in businesses, giving the city attorney a raise so high he makes more money than the city attorney of Los Angeles, or proposing to use taxpayer money to pay for environmental assessments required of a private business. It should be your priority to increase revenue so we can fill our 25 vacant police positions. Thank you. Thank you, next speaker. Good evening, my name is Tony Bisson. I'm a resident of Southeast Huntington Beach. Um, regarding flag ordinance, just briefly, um, I noticed I went outside to get some air and, and I see that we fly the uh, Vietnam POW MIA flag and I, I hope that regardless of how we vote on agenda item 23 that we would continue to do that. That flag means a lot to me and a lot of people. I'm here to talk tonight specifically about baseball, Seaview Little League Baseball. Um, as you may know, they occupy um, the majority of Labard Park, which is on the southeast side of Huntington Beach near the Santa Ana River at Indianapolis Street. It says right on their website that they have a clear agenda to uh, obstruct as much wind coming through the park as possible at their facility, um, which is five baseball fields. And they've already made quite a bit of progress on this mission, but I'm here to say that they are familiar with the park uh, on a daytime <laughs> basis for one thing, and this wind that they're trying to block is actually the ocean breeze that we enjoy, those of us who live on the leeward side of their baseball facility, which is a lot of people. And I really would hope that, and I've spoken to Chris here at the city, um, his last name escapes me at the moment, but he's been, uh, he put a stop to some uh, heavy wood construction that they were doing involving enclosing backstops and raising this big score, um, scorekeeper's box, like a press box. I mean, it's just, they're just overbuilding. It's insane. They completely blocked the entire width of the park, all that they could, with um, hundreds, if not thousands, of square feet of um, like this heavy landscape material that is as thick and as dense as you can get. It blocks the breeze. It is taller than six feet, which is the maximum block. <coughs> Um, I would really hope that, first of all, we would lower that back down to whatever is required. And that anything, this is, roll, this is material they could take down and roll up. Because when the summer hits, they're basically turning a, a, an ocean breeze, you know, seaside community into a little, a little mini desert. Because they've taken that wind corridor away and they've obstructed it. Um, wind, wind is a system and it funnels through there um, in, a, in a southeast direction or from the southwest and it's very important uh, it's a very important resource um, and we, we, we would like it to be um, 
restored. Um, either these materials taken down, minimized as much as possible, and for certain, rolled up and packed away in their um, very expensive facility that the developers built for them um, and um, stored during the hottest months of the year when they are not playing baseball. And we are there trying to enjoy some free air conditioning that we get Ten from seconds. the ocean. Thank you very much for your time, and I hope you'll consider this. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Good evening, City Council, Mayor Strickland. My name is Kathy Haas, and I've been a resident of Huntington Beach for over 49 years. I'm here to speak to you briefly tonight in support of agenda item number 23. I firmly believe that only government flags should be flown on city property. When we begin to involve affinity groups, it begins to divide the city. And if you haven't noticed, look at the division that we've experienced tonight and on February 7th when we began talking about flying an affinity flag on city property. I do not think cities need to be taking sides or showing preference to one particular group because although that group feels that their flag is very inclusive, there are still those who will not feel included. And I think the city needs to stay out of that completely. We have... We have one flag that represents each and every one of us equally, and that is the United States flag. And that, as Councilman Burns has tried to point out so many times, that is the only flag that we need to pay attention to at our city government. Any other flags we can fly on our businesses, on our homes, and as other people have said, we can declare our feelings and welcome our affinity groups in any other way but not on city government property. That is for government flags only. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi, my name is Bethany Webb. I am a 40-year resident of Huntington Beach. I am also the mother of a 25-year-old born and raised LBGTQ child. I am also the aunt of a born and raised, went K through 12 in Huntington Beach. Um, she and her wife currently own a surfing wear um, business in Pacific City. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about the American flag, which I don't think anybody is proposing that it not fly every month. Um, the idea that the American flag is inclusive and always has been inclusive, I think we need to think about that and wonder how many people by laws under the American flag, whether because of the color of the, their skin, the people they choose to love, or the God they either pray to or the one they don't believe in to begin with, that that flag has never represented everybody. It's an ideal, we hope at some point, so Yes, we should fly the, the American flag. We should fly the California flag. We should fly the Huntington Beach flag because this city is an amazing city. I, the last time I was here, I was interrupted. I had brought up that people that haven't been here very long, particularly if you haven't been here prior to 218, you might know the city's not always been divided. There was a long time when a lot of us hung out with people. We didn't really know what they what they, how they voted, whatever. They just were friends of ours. They either surfed or they were in PTA or whatever. And it wasn't that important. 
when it became important is when we start making laws that single out a certain person, like the 2008 vote, uh, Proposition 8, which was about hate, that made it a law that people could not marry people that they love. So the idea that the law has protected people like my child is not true. I am the sister and daughter of gun violence victims, and the idea that my child goes out and is endangered all the time because they belong to a group that is targeted by the hateful right puts fear into my heart. And, I, and so to fly the flag for one month to tell those people, to tell my child, to tell my niece, to tell other people that have told their story today that they are seen, they are recognized, and they are part of this community. They are vibrant part of this community, as are all people. No, we're saying fly the, all the flags that you always fly. I will say that the POW flag that the Trump supporters keep wanting up there. Trump doesn't like POWs. He likes people that weren't captured. So I don't know why that's a thing for you. Next speaker. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Good evening. My name is Jessamine Garner. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach, and I also wear a lot of other hats. So today I'm going to wear a couple of different hats, starting with my hat of a housing advocate and also the communications director at UMB Action and UMB Law. We advocate for pro-housing policies and the enforcement of those pro-housing policies. And so to that end, I'm here to speak in opposition to agenda item 26. Last month, the median housing price in Huntington Beach was $1.2 million. That mortgage payment, even if you manage to get 20% down, is $7,700 a month. To afford that, you have to make $25,000 a month. Maybe the city attorney can afford that, but I sure can't. That's over $300,000 a year. Median household income in Huntington Beach is just shy of $100,000 at $97,000 a year. As a communications professional who is lucky enough to have a college degree, I can't afford that. Your kid's teacher can't afford that. And your local grocery clerk, sure as hell, cannot afford that. It also means that your kids might not be able to afford to live here when it's time for them to start their own families. SB 9, SB 10, and ADU laws are all meant to help alleviate the extreme housing prices that we face here in Huntington Beach as well as throughout the state of California. They're meant to make it easier for homeowners to add a backyard cottage for their mothers-in-law. They're meant to allow property owners to do more of what they want with their own land. Huntington Beach has plenty to offer when it comes to jobs, beautiful weather, and great food. We should welcome more neighbors to be able to enjoy these things with us. Attorney General Rob Bonta warned you today that breaking state laws would come with consequences. Huntington Beach has already unsuccessfully challenged housing laws and unnecessarily cost taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars. Don't put us in the same situation again. Just follow the law. I know I have very little time here, but I do want to speak on item number 23 as well in, uh, in opposition to that. 
um, and this time I'm speaking as a board member for Orange County Pride and as a non-binary queer person who lives in Huntington Beach. When I moved here, my friends thought I was out of my mind because of the reputation that this city has. I have been harassed in public spaces, I've been called names, and I don't feel safe even going into downtown. The symbol that the flag represents is a symbol of welcoming. And I also know that my neighbors don't represent that behavior that I have experienced. My neighbors are kind. We have friends who live down the street who are caring, and that flag represents the fact that we can be an inclusive community. So I urge you to reverse course and support the pride flag in June. Next, next speaker, thanks for being here. Yes, Mayor and Council, uh, I would like to take you back to about a little over two hours ago when you began this session and you asked for those to rise and pledge allegiance to the flag. And I, at least from my perspective and my seat, everyone rose in the entire auditorium. They faced that flag and they pledged allegiance to the flag. People took off their hats, people put their hands over their chests, and they pledged allegiance to that flag. I think that stands in confirmation of the ordinance that Councilman Burns has offered, and I think that's your uh, indication that you need to proceed and complete your task. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, next speaker, thanks for being here. I am Kelly Frankowitz from the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council. Thank you so much for having us here tonight, and uh, I, I greet the council, the staff, the constables, and all the fellow citizens here. Um, now, the, the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council has been the source of the uh, invocators for uh, since uh, 1996 at the request of the Huntington Beach City Council, which established the Interfaith Council in the first place in order to encourage the people of Huntington Beach to be kind, considerate, loving, caring people. And that is really uh, uh, the, the purpose of the Interfaith Council. We have members in our council from, um, yes, many different Christian groups, Catholic, uh, Evangelical, um, Protestant, of various denominations. We have members who are um, from the uh, Center for Christian Living. We have several different Jewish congregations represented, and we have several different Muslim congregations represented, those from Turkey, from Syria, and from Egypt that I know of. Um, we also are represented, uh, have the Baha'i community represented. Our first speaker tonight was from the Baha'i community. And uh, Monik Bushwala, who spoke at the beginning of this section, uh, is from the Zoroastrian community. We really are broadly represented. We have invited those from the Sikh Hindu and Buddhist to um, come, but you know, our meetings are, are open to all. 
The meeting is in this room right next door, 8.30, or come at 8.15, because that's when we get started with coffee and munchies in the morning on the last Tuesday of the month, which is coming up real soon. And it's at that meeting that anyone who's there, and you don't have to be a member, a paying member, just anyone who's there to volunteer to uh, do the invocation. And when we when anyone is, has taken that responsibility for a particular date, then we get in touch with them a week before their date as a reminder letter to say, oh, you know, yeah, you're expected, you have accepted this responsibility, thank you so much. And attached on that is, are the, um, the guidelines. One of the guidelines is given by... Ten seconds. Oh my goodness! By you, the city council, uh, and that is to limit it to one minute. So, just I would ask you to consider this issue together with the interfaith council. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next ten. If I haven't, if you've missed your name or you feel like I didn't call it, you can always come down. But Liz Cinco, Archibald, Gretchen Dawson, Brittany Dawson. Dave Sullivan, Ashley Williamson, Damian, Heidi Via, Robin Harnish, J.R. Owens. Come on down. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Hello, I'm Gretchen Dawson, and I'm a resident of Huntington Beach, along with my wife, who I've been with for 14 and a half years, married for five. I had to come here today to urge the city council to please not ban the pride flag from flying at City Hall during Pride Month. I grew up here in HB. I was born at Long Beach Memorial Hospital and was taken to my parents' home in HB, where they still live today. I've been a lot of places in this country, but I always find myself coming back to this beautiful city with the best weather. Unfortunately, though, this beautiful city has a lot of ugliness to it. I've witnessed it firsthand. Growing up, I never knew what gay meant. It was hidden from me. It took me a very long time to come out and be who I always have been because of the lack of awareness I was given. I was also taught that gay meant wrong or bad. This shame is terrifying and can lead you into dark places that one fears you'll never, ever, never get out of. Once I did come out at the age of 21, I felt a huge weight lift off of my shoulders, but was very weary of what I might have to go through being an out lesbian. While living with my beautiful wife here in HB, we have experienced on our car, written in the dirt on the window, God hates gays. Because we had our pride flag in our window. Shortly after that, we had dog poop left on our doorstep. If you choose to not fly the flag here, then I fear it is letting hate be tolerated, hate like that being tolerated here. It sends a signal that we're not safe here. Safety is the biggest reason why we fly the pride flag, why we even have a pride month. We're, we've only had the right to marry for eight years. Eight. We've been together for 14, okay? 
We need more conversations about the gay community so that there can be more empathy and tolerance as to flying the, why the fly, flying the pride flag on the city property during Pride Month is so important. Fly the pride flag and tell HB citizens that everyone is welcome here for a month. That's all we're asking, for a month. The HB is safe place for LGBTQ community. By taking away, not flying it, you are communicating to me that we don't deserve safety. I pray and hope that's not your choice. If it is, your fear and ignorance will not drive me away from Ten this seconds. place. Ten seconds. I will continue to fight and stand up for the community to hopefully create a more inclusive future for the next generation. Thank you. Yeah. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hello, my name is Brittany Dawson. I've lived bicoastally between New York City and here in Huntington Beach for the past 12 years, and I travel a lot of the country for my job. Every time I return to my home base here in Huntington, I am unfortunately reminded why people from the outside of the OC refer to this county as the orange curtain or the orange bubble. And from my lens, Huntington Beach seems particularly set on staying stuck in the past. This isn't to say I don't love the city. It's actually the opposite. I love this city so much that I want it to do better. I want to hold us accountable and to inspire others to do the right thing, which is why not flying the pride flag this year is absolutely ridiculous and unnecessary for many reasons. Also, to the people conflating a chosen religion to the fact that people are born gay, you ought to be ashamed of yourselves. They are not the same. First of all, if you don't have a more important thing to do except cancel a rainbow waving in the sky, you have bigger issues to sort out. Second, I find it ironic that the type of people who would want to take down a rainbow flag are usually the same people who claim they are the party of freedom and celebrate the greatness that is this country. Then what are you doing taking away the freedom to celebrate an entire community that literally lives in your backyard? If you feel that the woke cancel culture has gotten out of hand, then take a look at who is canceling a rainbow. <laughs> Lastly, erasure of a major part of this city, this county, and this nation only tells our children and our children's children that they are not welcome here, that there is hate here in Huntington Beach. My wife and I have been the victim of it, as you just heard. So much so that people went out of their way on a weekday to speak against a flying rainbow. Please do the right thing. We are better than this. I do love Huntington Beach. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, next speaker, thanks for being here, Mayor. Uh, I'm Dave Sullivan. I've uh, been in Huntington Beach for uh, about 55 years. I was on the council for around 20 years total time. Uh, I. Uh, Thank you, uh, Mayor, because uh, I have a problem at age 85 of bleeding retinas, so I tried to read my uh, things and I, I really can't see them, so I'm just gonna wing it tonight. So thank you for kind of saving me on that. Uh, first of all, we have a fantastic police department and fire department in this city, and I... I remember when I was uh, on the council at the time of the uh, incident that happened uh, in New Orleans, and uh, police and fire ran away. Uh, and 
I, I know if that happened in Huntington Beach, the, the, the person uh, would be ostracized because they do their duty and I, I really uh, appreciate them. Uh, I support uh, uh, Mr. Burns' uh, item uh, regarding the flags. Uh, people have uh, mentioned the various uh, reasons uh, for that. And uh, the, of course, the American flag is uh, extremely important. Uh, I, I do have a comment about the, uh, uh, that uh, person chain that has the foundation uh, and the uh, not having their, it's not the insurance company itself, it's a foundation. And uh, I've, people have told me uh, that she's pretty uh, sketchy, so uh, I'm not worried at all about, uh, about that one. Uh, and I am uh, for 23, 24, 25, and uh, 26. And uh, as far as uh, Mr. Gates' salary, the previous council, including three in the majority here, or two of them, one of them wasn't here, wasted millions of my money as a taxpayer in this city and he is getting millions back, so he is worth the money, He's, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I guess... Uh, you have 20 seconds left. Thank you, sir. Uh, I just uh, pretty much want to say this majority that the citizens elected in this city is doing a fantastic job. Keep going. Thank you so much. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hello, um, I'm a resident of Huntington Beach. I've been here for 14 years, minus uh, my time uh, in the military doing deployments. Thank you, Mary Strickland and members of the council for allowing me to express my comments tonight. I am uh, in favor of item 23 with a minor exception or minor modification. I respectfully request that the city consider a position, adopt a position of uh, neutrality with regards to flying any flags uh, other than a government flag. I see this as a, being similar to the policy of separation of church and state that's been around for such a long time and it's worked pretty well overall. It, so for this, in this case, it'd be a separation of, of city, of group and city. And the reason is, is that there's just so many groups with so many passions. And I just don't see how you could please everyone, because if you try, you're not going to please anyone in the end. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a pet lover. I love dogs. I love cats. And I have friends that are dog lovers or cat lovers, and they really wish that other animal didn't exist, and sometimes even the owner. It's just, it's just uh, there's a lot of passions, and it's just, it just seems like rather try, it would be easier not to get into too many different, pleasing different groups. <laughs> okay. um, I know my comments uh, uh, may touch on the MIA flag, the POW flag, um, and that's kind of sensitive, but I know there's a lot of people that are opposed to war, and um, so we are 
you know, there's a war going on in Ukraine that's much bigger than anyone thought initially, and it's, it's growing, unfortunately, a lot more. So uh, I'm not sure if that would be uh, good not to fly that. I, I know it's kind of sensitive, but I, I, I think of a country like Switzerland is a, a neutral country, as we know, and the world uh, depends on that neutrality for a sense of uh, peace and order during times of conflict. So they call it Swiss neutrality, and I'm proposing that we could call it HB neutrality. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, next speaker, thanks for being here. Hello. Uh, I'm speaking under the name Archibald Funlips tonight because it's a silly name and this is a very silly council. Earlier this evening, we said the Pledge of Allegiance, the last five words of which are liberty and justice for all. There are two motions put forward tonight that seem to me to be in sharp contrast to those ideals. Item number 23 is so unserious, poorly written, and obviously reactionary that it shouldn't be necessary for anyone to explain why adding additional bureaucratic hoops to jump through to fly a commemorative flag at the pier, which is city property, is not liberated, nor is it just. Item 26 is a load that I really shouldn't be surprised you'd sink to. How is restricting someone's right to develop their own private property emblematic of liberty or justice? How is preventing more affordable housing options from materializing free? I mean, it's cool that we're doing affordable housing at the, what, it's uh, Garfield and Maine. Uh, it'd be even cooler if it was more than five houses capped at $100,000 yearly income, that, which is the moderate income for Orange County, by the way. Um, I'd also like to, I'd like to make a couple, I don't know, like fact checks, just sort of general, like, I feel like there's a lot of like kind of uh, misinformation floating around here that I'd, I'd like to talk about, right? Um, first of all, first of all, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexican Independence Day. That is September 16th. Um, second, the economic fallout that Huntington Beach will inevitably suffer because of our uh, decision with the flag is not bullying. That is a consequence. Freedom of speech does not protect you from the consequences of that speech from non-government entities. Um, furthermore, the symbol that the queer community organized under before we had the rainbow flag was the pink triangle, which was used to mark us during the Holocaust. The reason we have the rainbow flag is so that we have a joyous banner to organize under, and the reason that the, it was chosen is to celebrate the spectrum of humanity, okay? And queer people still face persecution after the Holocaust in America. Up until very recently, people were being killed in the streets for the way they chose to present themselves. That is why the flag is an important symbol to fly, is because this still happens here. The majority of the council seems dead set on pandering to fascist dog whistlers and crying foul when the stick you throw into your spokes may, throws you face first into the sidewalk. Ah, whatever. Boo me if you want, I'm right. You are mentally and emotionally children. You are spiritually ghouls. You are ideologically a dumpster fire. I hope you have trouble finding sleep and none finding his cousin. Good night. Next speaker, uh, speaker, thanks for being here. Yeah, hi. Uh, good evening, Mr. Mayor, Honorable Council. My name is J.R. Owens. I want to speak on item 23 in opposition. Um, and I just want to talk about a, a few points, I think. I think us as a community, as a polity, we need to be careful about some of the dialogue surrounding it, particularly the false dilemma that it's either a pride flag or the American flag and that the pride flag stands in opposition to it somehow. I don't think anyone here is under the illusion that 
any flag that flies beneath the Star Spangled Banner doesn't, it flies because of it. It's able to fly because of that flag. Um, one met, gentleman mentioned, you know, everyone got up here and said the Pledge of Allegiance. So I think, you know, the threat of flying the pride flag along with the, 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 uh, the American flag takes away from the American flag can be stricken as a, as a threat at all. Um, other, another gentleman talked about the people who fought, you know, underneath that banner. One of the things they fought for was for us to have a voice as a community, for us to have a choice. And here we are legislating our voice away. That's a slap in the face. Um, it's, it's, within, it's in our interest as a community that we hold our representatives accountable. It, it, the way I see it, if this were to come to a vote today, the flag wouldn't fly. And some people would be happy about that. But they would be on the record. Some people, if, if you were opposed to it, vote different next time. Vote out the people who voted against it, but make them be on the record whenever a, a proposal is, is presented. This, the way this is, if this thing passes, they get to hide behind the law. They're not on the record anymore. No one can say, no one will be able to say, I was opposed to the flag. This isn't just about the pride flag, it's about every other flag too. Um, and it, I don't see how it helps you, because the way I read it is now you are not able to affect diplomacy as a city. You can't, out, you can't do outreach. If, someone, if a delegation comes, you can't recognize them. How do, this doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help us as a polity, and it doesn't help you guys run the city. It's, you're, 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 you're putting yourself in, in handcuffs, and then we're letting them hide behind it and not be able to be on the record being opposed or for a certain thing. It's, it, it makes their job easier at our expense. Um, those are just some of the points I wanted, I wanted to, to bring up that I think hadn't been brought up. And the, the reason I bring up that second point about you know, our voice being muffled by this is because if there's, no matter where you stand on this, if you support the pride flag or not, your voice is being taken away. It's, it, it, it doesn't help us, and it doesn't help uh, with uh, uh, transparency and accountability on behalf of our, our representatives. So that's all I want to say. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening. My name is Liz Cinco. I've lived in Huntington Beach for uh, now over 12 years. Uh, moved from Long Beach to find a better place to live, a safer place to live as well, and I'm proud to have found Long Be uh, Huntington Beach. I do want to speak today in support of item agenda number 23. Uh, Councilman Burns' ordinance never uses the word ban. This is a place where government business is to be uh, conducted, and a flag does not represent me, doesn't represent anyone, and it's sad today that we think a flag represents who we are as people. Uh, it's overall divisive, and I think we need to rethink uh, exactly what it is that we stand for, just as people. I also want to say that a few days ago, Debbie Chang, the CEO of Blue, uh, Blue Shield of California, sent a threat letter to our city council that was by all means an extortion letter. The foundation uh, had planned to hold a retreat at the Waterfront Resort Hilton Hotel in June. To that I said, good riddance. Um, I also want to say that um, 
this plan, there should be an RFP to secure another health plan if health plan benefits of our city employees are being provided by this extortionist plan. This is economic, social, and cultural extortion. Ms. Cheng should be terminated from her position for her political misuse of it. I also want to say 11 former grifters, otherwise known as former council members, penned an op-ed in the Daily Pilot assaulting uh, the city council. These are the same permanent bureaucrats that make money and power by attempting to keep this town in a complete dysfunctional state. Natalie Mosier has been commenting inappropriately on social media as early as February 17th. Ms. Mosher and Rhonda Bolton need to revisit the HB Code of Ethics. They should be investigated. And to that end, I have excellent legal firms to provide to the city council. I also want to say that no city council members should be discussing pending items in public until they are voted on. I, that is a breach of ethics. Michael Gates is in a league of, in a so, of its own, and I want to say he is one of the best attorneys in this country, and he deserves his race. Bottom line, bottom line, I would just want to say, uh, the people of Huntington Beach have spoken. Uh, and if you feel that your voice has not been heard, then go out and vote. Gracie, Casey, Tom and Pat, you have a mandate. Support the majority of Huntington Beach constituents by doing the right thing. And please have our voice be heard. And in the future, I also recommend that in these particular hearings, there should be a verification of residents. There should not be special interest groups in this session. We should, we should verify residency. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. My name is Ashley Williamson. I've lived here for 12 years. For those of you who aren't familiar, the GSA is a government agency that provides workplaces by constructing, managing, and preserving government buildings and by managing government estates. Their official statement on Pride is as follows. Throughout the month of June, Pride flags are flying above federal facilities across the country to show the federal government's support for LGBTQ plus communities. As one of several ways the GSA is celebrating LGBTQ plus Pride Month, the agency has raised the Pride flag at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. GSA's public building service has also authorized the Pride flag to be flown during June at any federal building managed by the GSA. I'm sure most of you know by now what the term dog whistle means. It is a metaphor for talking in a way that a small group of people hear, one that is hidden below the surface message. The intended audience gets a message meaning one thing, while the rest of the audience sees and hears something else. For example, by saying it's inappropriate to fly cause flags over government buildings. Considering the pride flag is flies over GSA buildings, VAs across the nation, the White House, the Capitol building, and countless other city halls, where did you get your information from to base this ordinance off of? I question this because it seems a feelings-based decision rather than based on fact. So who are you getting your divisive vibes from? Is it the people in the crowd, that last meeting that Mr. Burns was smiling and waving at? You know, it's the same people who boo and shout the misused groomer at the mention of drag queens? Was it Pastor Joe Pettick, who openly mocked a trans woman during his congregation? Didn't he publicly endorse all four of you? 
wasn't that during church service? Is he who you're learning inclusivity from, or is that whose feelings you're beholden to? Personally, I couldn't imagine calling the rainbow flag divisive, especially knowing full well that those who seek to divide others over sexuality or gender identity tend to be the same citizens who want to cause harm to gay, trans, queer, and non-binary citizens. The crowd who claims we disagree with the rainbow lifestyle tend to run in the same circles who are planning attacks on the queer community. The religious far-right crowd that is listening for your American flag dog whistle wants, is keeping company with those who are trying to eliminate us in the name of their God. When I came here two weeks ago, I mentioned the internet video last June when an OAN contributor called the pride flag garbage and demanded we only fly the American flag. Mr. Burns proposed this ordinance and echoes her same sentiment, and now he too can be found in a video on the internet at an interview with OAN. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Hi, my name is Damien. I'm my mom is Ashley. I am a citizen of Huntington Beach. Beach. I like to play video games with my friends. I love cats, and I am a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I am here to ask you, uh, ask you to vote no on the pride flag not being flown during Pride Month. Pride is the freedom of choice and being uh, able to show who you are and and who you want to be, also known as self-expression. Self-expression is important because it allows me to be free. I can make my own choices and not worry about what other people think. I can feel, or I have felt pressure to be in a certain relationship, but since finding the LGBTQ community, I've been able to find my own voice and not be told who I, I have to be or, or what relationship I have to be in. I, I love the beach and playing in the water with my family. I love watching the horizon and enjoying my hometown. I've lived here all of my life. I am almost 12. Flying the, flying the pride flag over the pier on Main Street and at City Hall will make me feel feel like my family is included and not pushed away, especially in June. Pride Month is a month to support and acknowledge LGBTQ+. Anyone is welcome into that community when, when you believe in free expression of identity or relationship. I will feel safe knowing that I am represented in my own city. By voting yes, it will feel like you will exclude the LGBTQ plus people from Huntington Beach and don't value freedom of expression. America is, where, is, the, is a place where the free roam, not acknowledging freedom of identity, like flying the pride flag, will make it hard for me to roam freely in my own hometown. Please vote no on the flag ordinance. That'll be all. Thank you. Next. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, Huntington Beach City Council members. I'm Heidi Vea, and I'm a I've been a resident of Huntington Beach my entire life. 
I'm here tonight in support of agenda item 23. I'm not against the LGBT community. In fact, I believe strongly in their right to fly the pride flag on their own property or being. Freedom of speech is one of the most important basic human rights and I will fight to protect that right for anyone. However, the pride flag represents a set of beliefs that not everyone agrees on, which is why it doesn't belong on government buildings. It's not a flag of unity. It's a flag that represents the sexuality of a specific group of people. So flying the pride flag on government buildings is actually giving a specific group of people special privileges based on who they choose to sleep with. It's also recently become to come to be symbolic of the radical transgender agenda. We now live in a society that teaches lies to children about their bodies. The same people, the same people that preach body positivity, no matter how big you are, hypocritically teach children to not accept their bodies and to medically manipulate them. They are being chemically castrated and medically sterilized in their youth. Doctors are cutting off the breasts of young girls and the genitals of young boys, feeding the fantasy that they can change their gender when every doctor and scientist out there knows that every cell in your body testifies of your gender and that can never be changed. Children are being taught in public schools that gender is a social construct, that it's fluid and can actually be manipulated. These are all lies. And Big Pharma is making big money off of off of this and so are the despicable doctors who will perform such surgeries. We need to teach our youth that their bodies are beautiful and perfect just the way they are. That we need to fix what's on the inside, their heart and their mind in order for them to understand there's nothing wrong with the outside of their body. This is the healthiest thing we can do for our youth. To me, flying the pride flag on the government buildings would be a symbolic gesture of a society. I, the, the society I live in accepting the practice of the mutilation of children. And we are already seeing the beginning signs of the push to accept pedophilia as a sexual orientation with people like Congressman Katie Porter, Katie Porter, who's on camera, saying that she sympathizes for those who identify as pedophiles. We've gone way too far. We've gone way too far in, us, in our society with the weaponization, with the weaponization of this flag. And that's exactly how it's being used as a weapon against the truth and the acceptance of radical perversions. I know many in the gay community agree with me and see clearly that the pride flag has been hijacked by the radical left to further their agenda. So I support agenda item 23. The American flag is the great uniter. Ten it's the seconds. only symbol that represents all of us. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all those freedoms and rights are represented in the American flag, which is why it's such a beautiful symbol and always belongs on proper public property. Thank you. Ma'am, are we done? Yes. We're done? No. No. <laughs> we have 16 speakers left on my sheet. So I'm going to call all the names and come on down. If I didn't call your name, this is your last opportunity to approach the podium. Sherry Atkinson, Alan Corniff, Cannon Durham, Jeremy Grove, SJ, Chris Carosa, Lachelle Carosa. Frank Zappia, Charles Niederman, Doug Von Dolan, uh, Zader Hanna, <laughs> Megan Inman, Briscoe, <sighs> Guest, Stephanie Wade, and Zell Vidal.
Come on down. Thank you for being here. Uh, you. Me or you? Yeah. Go ahead, please. Please. Um, my name is Sherry Atkinson, and I just want to say thank you for all of you being here tonight. I know it's a long evening, and I just feel saddened, and I want to apologize for all the disrespect and how people have talked to each other this night. Um, we are better than this. It's been appalling. Um, I'm speaking in favor of item 23 and ask you to, to not approve the flag ordinance. Um, you are building your legacy here, and is it going to be one of inclusion and welcoming, or is it going to be there, the opposite? When you make a decision, you need, you need to look at the direct and indirect effects, and I think the effects have been negative for the LGBTQ community. It's easy for us to say we're inclusive, but when you're in a marginalized group, you don't feel that. Speaking of inclusion, exclusion, California is in need of affordable housing. Um, we have been given numbers which we have appealed and we have lost. Um, I ask you to approve the housing element. It doesn't mean that you have to build it, but we have to have identified sites where we would build. 82% um, of the people that work in this community cannot afford to live here. It's becoming increasingly difficult for single parents, seniors, people with disabilities, and even our own kids unless we help them. So I would ask that you do approve the housing element, um, and if you don't approve the housing element, don't resist the housing remedy because basically what you're doing is excluding people from being able to live here. Um, just going to another thing um, which people may have, been, have forgotten or they don't understand, there's been a lot of misinformation about how much we spent on the shelter. The shelter cost a lot of money, but we only put 10% into the shelter of our own city money. 90% of it came from the federal government, the state, and, Cal um, and the county. And, a failure. and um, for those um, basically to enforce our, um, our, our um, anti-camping laws, we do have to have a shelter. And this was um, as a result of the Martin versus Boise decision. It has been supported and upheld by the Supreme Court. Ten so seconds. we cannot get out of it due to our charter status. So thank you for letting me speak. Next speaker. Uh, hello, honored council members and fellow Huntington Beach community members. My name is Kanan Durham, uh, and I am one of the many diverse people who make Huntington Beach a wonderful place to live, work, and play. I'm here to advocate a no vote on item number 23 on the agenda. Flags are more than a piece of fabric. They're symbols. They say, hello, I'm here. I exist. I'm a part of this community. When they're flown in an official capacity, they are symbols that say, we see you, we value your contribution to our community, and we respect your existence. 
I think I can imagine the best of intentions behind changing the status quo to no longer fly the pride flag or other community flags on government property uh, during their culturally relevant times. I can imagine that you want to be apolitical and you believe that you are merely restricting what you feel are unnecessary images. But unfortunately, this isn't the message that's being heard. Having seen the responses from this community on social media, on Nextdoor, I can tell you I've been horrified to see the glee from my fellow Huntington Beach community members at what they see as the idea that the city council is, and I quote, finally rejecting the disease that is this LGBT nonsense. That is how this decision is being read by an uncomfortably large contingent of the residents of this city, whether originally intended that way or not. I think we've heard enough tonight just in this room that there are many who feel that way. Deciding not to fly the pride flag from government property when it was being flying, flown before is inherently a political statement. It sends the message that Huntington Beach is not a safe place for your queer community members during a time when the world is getting less safe day by day. I can speak to that lack of safety myself, having experienced several unnerving threats of violence myself in the last few weeks. I hope that you make the right decision. The vulnerable members of your community are relying on you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Mayor, council members, and staff, my name is SJ, and I am a trans, non-binary, Orange County resident. Taking down a flag says a hell of a lot more than having one flying in the first place. Removing the flag is a physical endeavor to show how you wish for our community to be silenced. That is exactly why we need to be able to fly our flags. Our voices and opinions matter. Imagine a world where we all thought the same, looked the same, and just felt the same about everything. It would be magnificently boring. But imagine all the problems that we would not be able to solve together as we can, uh, when we seek out others' experiences. Silencing us now will only make us louder in the future. It's 2023, y'all, and the younger generations are way more gayer than you think they are. This is a wild priority for a community that says it isn't personal. In fact, Council, uh, Council Member Burns, does your gay family members know that you brought this to us and feel okay about you taking down the flag during our Pride Month? I hope you've talked to them about it. I hope that... Um, that you know that you have many gay constituents and staff members. So yes, taking it down is very personal. With the state of the country over the last few years and currently, it is an act of bravery for people to wear pride flags on their person or to put it in their front lawn. Every person who came tonight in support of flying this flag risked their safety for those in this audience who wish us dead. Hate crimes have been committed to people in our community for wearing our flag. So please don't tell me that we are free to wear it 
when that freedom can come with a very, very high price. I urge you to think about why you want to remove this flag. Think about what is going to happen to you if this flag is flown. For a maximum of 45 days, I guarantee nothing if you're straight. And if you're someone here claiming that we are grooming children, have you ever talked to a gay or trans child and asked them why they're gay? I guarantee you haven't. Otherwise, you wouldn't be stating that rhetoric at all. Or maybe you're just repeating rhetoric from Fox News. Ten seconds. I implore you to see reason and us as human beings, and I recommend getting brunch with us so you can get to know us so that you can try not to continue hating us. If you want to play roller derby and be accepted in the queer community nearby, please talk to me. Thank you. All right. uh, Next speaker, please. Uh, Good evening, council member, mayor, staff people. What's up? Uh, I'm Zell. I moved to California last year. I'm originally from Syracuse, New York. Um, For those who don't know anything about Cuse, uh, that's all right. It's pretty cold. Um, And the flag of the Haudenosaunee Nation is hung in, like, city and state halls, like, everywhere. Um, And it really brings attention to a group of important people in the community basically saying, like, hey, we see you. Thank you for your contributions to, you know, American society, like, as a First Nations person. It's really, like, that's the reason why I'm in opposition of proposal number 23. I mean, like, it's basically the same reason why, like, the Vietnam PWI flag is flown. You're basically saying to these people, you know, thank you for your sacrifice to the American community. Like, you've done a lot for us. And... That's why I feel like, you know, the pride flag should be flown during June. Um, It's cool, like, if you guys don't want to, I mean, just, like, wait until June and then vote no. Like, you don't have to make your lives so hard by putting all these, like, bureaucratic hoops that you got to jump to. And then you got to do that in the future again for more flags. That seems like a lot. And in the same vein of doing a lot for no reason, uh, please, like, don't support 26 and 27. Um, Housing is expensive. Legal fees are expensive. It's getting a lot harder to live in California, which is unfortunate because it's a really great place to be. And so I think that people should be allowed to build whatever, like, homing situation that they have on the property that they pay the city to have. And also for 27... The Interfaith Council, it's a really broad and open representation of people who do a great job. So I implore you all to speak to them, talk to them, because they want to work with you. Thank you for your time. Uh, Please vote no on 23, 26, and 27. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening. I'm Charles Niederman, past president of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council, and I'm speaking about agenda item 27 regarding invocation policy. The Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council was created in the 1990s as part of the City Council's effort to eliminate the hate groups in and around the city that were making it notorious for crimes those groups were committing. I have personal experience with this because my wife was leading a meeting at Temple Beth David on a night in February when the temple was firebombed on its choir roof. Fortunately, it was a rainy night, and there was only minor damage. The attackers who lived in Huntington Beach were tried, and the leader, the only one who was not a minor, was convicted and given prison time. The information is less clear about the minors, but they were convicted. The city council's effort 
in promoting the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council and the Human Relations Task Force have paid dividends in changing the reputation of the city so that, many, uh, that's, that so many of us view with pride. I believe the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council has played its part in that effort by featuring <coughs> the religious diversity in the programs we carry out and by honoring city officials who have supported the effort. The Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council appreciates the opportunity to present the invocation at the city council meetings. And we understand the desire of any council member on occasion when it's important in their lives to invite clergy of their choice. I believe that the diversity of men and women, of clergy and lay leaders from Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council who give invocations show the value of diversity so that no one attending the meeting or in the city at large has to wonder if their religion in any way restricts their ability to share fully in the quality of life we all value. I'm asking you to vote against or take the item off the agenda. The Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council stands ready to work with the city on any issue about the invocations. I believe that working together is a way to demonstrate there, are no, there is no favoritism or other issue in the choice of those who give invocations. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Megan Inman. I'm a Huntington Beach resident. I grew up here. Um, I just want to speak about item 23, which involves the pride flag. Um, I would like you to vote no on it. <laughs> I ask you, the Huntington Beach City Council, to carefully consider the voices of LGBT people about item 23 as it's most relevant to us. Um, I will be using the terms LGBT, queer, and gay interchangeably. I'll start by saying that as an LGBT person myself, seeing the pride flag flown in my home city did not go unnoticed or unappreciated. In fact, its presence brings relief to a community of people who continue to be marginalized, ridiculed, and discriminated against. I went to Marina High School here in Huntington Beach. I was a young queer person who was not out because of the homophobia I heard from other students. Homophobia that was undoubtedly taught to them in part by the adults in their lives. The bright side is that I have noticed major improvements in the way young people talk about gay people. I commonly overhear high school students when I'm out and about. Although there is still some negativity surrounding queerness, I have noticed recognition and validation of LGBT identities in their language that was unheard of when I was a high school student. I'm 27 years old, for reference. Of course, that's not just because of flying the pride flag, but these changes are proof that the LGBT community's activism and synergy with leadership bodies to recognize, validate, and support LGBT people work. Several years ago, I was with my local sports club. We meet under the pier where there's several flags being flown. One guy made a remark about how LGBT people ruin the rainbow and he was tapping into this sentiment that we're somehow obscene or violate morality. Uh, I just stood there quiet and let it go. It happens all the time. Um, 
I cannot overstate the feeling I got when we met in the future in the same spot with the same people and there's a pride flag being flown. I didn't hear any negativity. It meant so much to me um, to have that official support from our city leaders. Um, the official display of the pride flag is the easiest way for leadership bodies to support us. If this leadership body finds it difficult to do, how are we supposed to have faith you guys are gonna support more meaningful measures to help us? Uh, how are we to believe that you'll adapt, uh, adopt zero tolerance policies for discrimination against LGBT people if this is such an issue? I ask you to consider what the removal of the flag will mean to the people like me who live in this city. It's unfathomably sad. Um, thank you so much for hearing me out. I hope we can continue to be a community. I'm a member of this community. Please keep the pride flag. <laughs> Next speaker. My name is Nader Hanna. I was born in Huntington Beach 55 years ago. Outside of the Silicon Valley for 18 years, I've, I've been here I'm outside of school, too. Um, the question I have today is, uh, I'd like to know where my flag is. How come I don't have a flag? I'm a conspiracy theorist. In fact, not only do I not get a flag, I get uh, banned from social media. When you post stuff like, I posted in 2019, that, and I have 600 witnesses that in 2020, they're going to try to get something inside our person, something via injection. I posted to 630 people because I was following nanotechnology. Um, this whole thing is all part of the same thing. I was in the Silicon Valley and my cousin does all the, log does all the logistics for a certain search engines um, to, uh, for their, all their logistics with all their servers. And I was up there running space from him for a business and I literally watched three, little, three letter agencies come in and out of that place all the time. And it's been three letter agencies that are behind everything you're seeing now. This whole movement, why do you think homosexuality is rising at rampant rates? Not because it's a, a natural phenomenon that a certain percentage, there are obviously people born homosexual, that's, that's a fact, and, and hating them is something that they've tried to promote in the mass media that, it, that there's violence against them at a greater rates. In fact, I was the COO of a company called Homeland Justice Systems, and I researched the heck out of this stuff. Transgender, people get accosted one-third than the general population do. And the theories are is that people are somehow, uh, that they're somehow made uncomfortable around them and so they don't, are not the subject of attacks. In fact, less than the general population. So they basically lie about their condition. They use an agenda of mass media. If you ask any person from a former Eastern European country, they will tell you flat out what's going on now is exactly what they experienced before their country fell to tyranny, and that's what's happening in the United States. That's all this is through academia. Um, as far as uh, as far as these three little three letter agencies go, uh, under the under the Trump administration, under his nose, the whole FBI was being transformed into what was WikiLeaks for all of us. Prior to that, uh, another three letter agency was. Uh, renting huge data warehouses and using cheap hydroelectric power to to uh, to get to be able to store data, compress data of everything we do. So it's not this is all part of a massive 
campaign to destroy our society. That's all this is. How come I'm not allowed to post that there's that the I posted that the vaccine wasn't going to work and, and this is early when it was introduced and that it's not going to keep it from spreading. I was thrown off Facebook for that reason. And guess what? A lot of people, Ten about seconds. 600 people saw that. Ten seconds. Okay. And all I have to say about the, the whole issue with this, with this flag is that, look, it's not about, you know, homosexual or heterosexual. It's about the, it's about what the, the context is. And this is the wrong context. This is a, Next. thank you. Next speaker. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Hi, um, I'm just guest, um, and it's really interesting when a bunch of young people, especially as young as me, uh, have to speak out against, have to go out of our ways every day of school and do our homework early just to talk about how we can't even keep a pride flag up. And I've been a resident, I've been a resident of HB, and I don't feel safe walking around public areas even with my friends because I'm afraid of certain people, groups, or just individuals who would hate crime me and call me slurs. But when the pride flag was up, I felt safer because, of the because the council welcomed the pride flag and queer people, so maybe then other citizens would. As someone who is a part of the Gender and Sexuality Alliance, as well as a model United Nations at a high school in HB, I can't fully voice how negatively uh, ordinance number 4283 or item agenda 23 will be, especially to many other young people. Uh, this would kind of just get rid of any other flag like Olympic flags or sports flags on any public area. And nobody is, we're, by, putting, by putting the pride flag during Pride Month, we're not forcing our beliefs on people. We just want to feel safer during the month. We want to be recognized and we want to be welcomed by other people. Um, we talked about inclusivity at uh, the city council meeting that banned the pride flag from city hall. But you forget that not addressing that people's sexual orientation or identifying is not valid. It is not unity nor inclusion. I don't understand that not all people re feel. Rep I understand that not all people feel represented by the flag, and that's okay. But the fact that not being able to fly a pride flag or an international flag is not inclusion, not at all. By passing this ordinance, it feels that you are against most who do not feel represented and people who just want to love the way they do or be who they want or just to take pride in where they come from. The pride flag represents equality and fair love to people within the LGBTQIA. And other countries' flags represent people's culture and homes. You say all these things would be better in our community while you hate on a group of people. You say that this would be doing good and treating everyone equal. And you even elected the first black city council member of HB. But you can't even look at a queer person or the same as a heterosexual person. Look at what this would do to kids who are figuring themselves out. Taking the flag down make them feel ashamed or unwelcome for being who they are. You are stripping a large majority of the community of their ability to love themselves, and that is not equality, that is not unison, that is not inclusivity. It is intense dislike, or maybe even hate. You call this the land of the free when you can't even put up an LGBT or other country's flag than America. I love this country, but think about what you're passing and the people you will affect. Thank you. Next speaker, thank you. Uh, good evening, Mayor, Council Members. Um, thank you for having me here this evening, and I want to start by saying I, I want to um, thank the young guest for being really brave and speaking out this evening. Um, my name is Stephanie Wade. Uh, I'm your neighbor. I live in Seal Beach, and I'm also a um, board member of Equality California. And I wanted to come here tonight um, to really try to speak to the people who might not 
have hardened their hearts and might be willing to listen about why um, we're so upset about resolution uh, item number 23. Um, and I'm going to start by saying I, I love the American flag. I fly the American flag in my home. Um, I spent nine years in the Marine Corps. I love the United States. Um, but the United States hasn't always loved people like me. Um, in fact, um, the government has been a source of oppression, a tool of oppression, for many years for LGBT people in particular. That's who we're, we're addressing tonight. Um, and I want to just, I want you to think about the mid-20th century when there were riots at the Black Cat in L.A. and at Compton Cafeteria and the Stonewall in New York. And those were um, angry riots by people who were essentially not allowed to exist anywhere except in small ghettos that were turned into red light districts really for the ex purpose of exploiting them for police graft and for organized crime to exploit them. And that's the only place people could live at all openly and, and express themselves. And it was a pretty terrible situation. Um, a lot of folks have spoken about the military this evening, and I want to give you some perspective on that. I served in the Marine Corps for nine years. It was some of the best years of my life. And I want to tell you, though, that some of the hardest parts of that were I served very much in the closet. And I saw people beaten for being gay. And I saw a command that turned a blind eye to it happening night after night. And I sat and I laughed with people I served with because it was safer for me to be among the hunters than the, hunt, uh, than the hunted. Because I knew those same people that were my buddies would beat me as well if they knew how I felt inside. And I didn't have a choice in that. That's how I was born. The only choice we have is whether or not to be out and to express ourselves. And I want to tell you, for most of us, when I got to the, the age of 50, the choice was come out and be who I really am or kill myself. And I have kids, and I wasn't going to do that. So I found a little bit of the courage that the young guest had this evening. Um, I want to tell you that this kind of oppression is no stranger to Orange County. Um, and that's why in 1971, we became one of the first places in America to have an LGBT center that formed in 1974. Ten seconds. Um, I was here when the, when the Pride flag was first put up. And I've surfed underneath it. And it, what it means is that the government is expressing its values that we're free and equal, which it is not always done. Thank you. Um, next speaker. I'll draw your attention to our social media mentor, Johnny Benitez, a Proud Boy member, who said, careful calling them out, they'll brand you a Nazi, LOL. Our city council person, Gracie Vandermark, wrote back, hey, I'm okay with that. So our, our resident Nazi has a long history uh, if, you, if you don't control your audience, Mayor, I want more time. Bang your little gavel and control the audience. Otherwise, I want more time. Continue. You control your audience. Continue. So the Anti-Defamation League investigated and researched. This is not for me. This is, this is Gracie's Facebook posting. 
investigated Gracie, and she, they found some amazing things. I'm going to share with you many things over the next several weeks, meetings. If, if you don't control your meeting, I'm going to keep speaking because I don't Please need to be continue. interrupted. Please continue. They said that uh, Gracie, in the OC Weekly and the LA Times, quoted the commissioner in a now-deleted tweet as allegedly saying, this meeting was being run by the elderly Jewish people who were in there. The colored people were there doing what the elderly Jewish people instructed them to do, quote, end quote. If true, this comment is troubling, not only because she's referring to minorities in a deeply offensive way, but also echoes the classic anti-Semitic tropes of Jews manipulating African Americans to create racial strife that Jews can benefit. So this is, are you going to extend my speech time, Mr. No, Mayor? No, I'm not. Please continue. Oh, that's great. Well, bang a little gavel and control your audience, then. There's not Please much continue. Left. So this is, our, uh, this is our resident Nazi. This is, this is our resident Nazi. These are the things that she says. We should be aware of the nature and the sort of the council members we elected in November. Is that it? I've called all the names, okay, so this you. concludes public comments. Thank you. Okay. Members, uh, now let's move on to the agenda. Council member uh, committee appointment announcements. Does any council member have an announcement on a committee appointment? Councilman McKeon. Yeah, I'm appointing a Jonathan Hamill to CPAB. Okay. Any other? Yeah. Yes. Councilman Burns. I appointed uh, Don Kennedy to uh, the uh, Planning Commission. All right. Any others? Moving on. Uh, any council members have AAB 123 reporting? Seeing none. Moving next on the agenda. Uh, openness and negotiation disclosures. Does any... Council member have anything to disclose? Seeing none, moving on, city manager's report. City manager uh, Zelenka, please introduce your reports. Uh, Mayor Strickland, members of the council, <clears throat> the city clerk shared as supplemental communication a uh, report on the Orange County mosquito and vector control um, meetings that have occurred since uh, mid-December that was uh, set forth by Board of Trustee Mike Posey for your information and he will be distributing that on a regular basis. Next will be um, Ursula uh, Luna Reynoso will uh, give an update to the council on Main Street redevelopment project followed by Travis Hopkins on the OCPA uh, Power Authority. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Strickland, members of the City Council. Per City Council direction on December 20th, staff solicited additional input from the business owners and property owners along Main Street. This is the area between Pacific Coast Highway and Orange Avenue. Approximately 25 property owners and 75 businesses are within that geographic area. Direct mail, email, and in-person visits were conducted. Uh, the uh, businesses and property owners were invited to a meeting that was held on February 15th. No, I'm sorry. The meeting was held on February 10th. Um, staff from Economic Development, Police, and Public Works um, walked the streets on February 7th, trying to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with all of the businesses and property owners. They were not able to engage with all of them. Some were busy with their businesses. Sometimes um, staff was there and not necessarily the owner 
um, of the business or the property, but they were all sent direct mail as well as invited to the meeting at the Main Street Library on February 10th. Um, there were approximately 35 attendees at that meeting and everyone was encouraged to submit a brief survey. We, the survey closed on February 15th and we're still compiling those results and we will return at the March 7th meeting with a full report and soliciting input from the city council regarding next steps. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mayor and City Council. Um, we, um, tonight I'm providing an update on OCPA and our progress um, um, with them. And, uh, um, and I wanted to quickly run through the timeline, um, the, um, the historical timeline. As you recall, in December 2020, the City Council approved the documents to join the OCPA. And on February 21st, they approved to become a founding member of OCPA. The, um, and then um, and that, that's when four agencies um, joined the OCTA and then in December of 2021, Orange County um, incorporated, the unincorporated areas was added as the fifth member agency. Um, in April, OCPA launched its municipal and commercial services for um, Huntington Beach, um, Buena Park, Fullerton and Irvine. And then in um, October, the residential services were launched for Huntington Beach, Buena Park, Fullerton, and Irvine. And in December, and just to let you know, the, the launch for, the or, for Orange County unincorporated areas was planned for this coming year. Um, there were some changes though. And December of this last year, December 20th of 2022, there was an um, item by City Council requesting that staff bring back the option for Council to change its default rate as well as its City Municipal accounts. And um, that was brought back in, and also to review um, the, the costs and impacts of um, options if this council were to consider withdrawing membership from the OCPA. January 17th, the council approved changing the default rate um, for new Huntington Beach OCPA customer members, as well as all city municipal accounts to the basic choice rate. Um, and in February today, this is an update to um, let you know where we are in the progress to um, identify the impacts of and to provide information to the council if they would like to consider to withdraw membership from OCPA. The other agencies, um, as we mentioned, there's now five agencies. In, this, in August, the County of Orange um, initiated a review of OCPA's operations and the effectiveness of their internal controls, policies, procedures, um, and, and requested review of any internal costs of OCPA did on behalf of the, of the county. And then in December, the, OC, um, the Orange County Board of Supervisors sent notice, um, approved a notice and sent notice to withdraw from OCPA. Um, the other agency that had been um, discussing it at their meetings was um, the City of Irvine on December 29th. There was an item on there that on their city council meeting, a special city council meeting, to review consideration of options 
um, including withdrawal from OCPA. At that night, they didn't, they didn't um, decide to um, take action and it was brought back on February 14th, at which time it was continued to a future date. Um, I, from my understanding, that may have changed. There's a, a, a newspaper article out um, in the press that there might be um, some changes um, to their decision going forward. So the city, um, so Huntington Beach staff, the city, um, the city manager's office as well as the city attorney's office has been working to um, meet with OCPA on the membership and review the costs and impacts um, to a city, to our city, if we were going to consider withdrawal. Um, OC, OCP member, OCPA members, um, through the joint powers agreement, have the right to, um, to give notice of 100 days. Um, 180. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. 180 days, of no less than 180 days, um, to withdraw. The official withdrawal date would become effective the beginning of the, day, the, beginning of, the of OCPA's fiscal year, after which notice um, period is provided. And their fiscal years is July, are on July 1st. Um, the, the joint power agreement um, requires any withdrawing agency that they, that they would be subject to any OCPA liabilities um, by the agency that's leaving. There may be costs um, arising from the resale of capacity that was purchased for that agency, um, this electric or any other power load attributed to the city that, with, uh, that chooses to withdraw. Um, and any cost incurred by authority, which is a result directly related to the withdrawing party, may, be, um, may include short and long-term um, impacts, and that's some of the discussion we've been having with them, trying to determine what long-term or short-term impacts um, there are. Um, within the last week, um, which is not included on this PowerPoint, we met with OCPA and discussed how do we determine what the power purchase, um, what, what power has been purchased on behalf of the city and what costs it, um, it would incur if we, we um, if the city chose to withdraw. And um, in order to do that, we'd have to be able to take a look at those purchase agreements. Um, OCPA set, um, said that the city could um, review those agreements if we entered in a non-disclosure agreement um, known as an NDA, and we've requested that they send that to the um, city and the city attorney so we could review and, and consider that um, NDA agreement. Um, at that time, um, the city could um, hire a consultant that's familiar with purchase agreements, power purchase agreements, and have them evaluate what, um, what the impacts may be. Purchasing power is a um, uh, changes, the cost of power changes over time, so um, we would definitely need, if, if that's something that the, the city wanted to do, we would definitely need to hire a professional to help us determine that. And um, so that is where we are at this point today. Were you able to ask the question? Um, I, I feel like I know the answer. The question: uh, If they did indeed purchase power for future, they can sell that power back. Yes, yes. So, so the power they purchased—that—that's the risk um, that there is. Um, what the what? What is the worth of the power when it's ready to sell? Mm -hmm. Is it worth more or is it worth less when it was originally purchased? Right. 
Correct. And that and that's what um, if we entered in the non-disclosure agreement and we're able to review that, um, that we would request a consultant to project for our city. Right. Note that um, whatever a consultant would project, the OCPA would be the one selling and um, those power purchase agreements in the future. Right. So they would hopefully estimate and predict what the, what those costs would be. Right. And I'll jump in a little bit. Um, it's been you know I'm the board member for the Orange County Power Authority for the city, and since we've been sworn in, it's been extremely frustrating uh, dealing with the OCPA. They've been hesitant to give us this information. This is Essentially, the crux of the issue is we need to understand the average price point of these energy contracts that were purchased on behalf of Huntington Beach as a member agency, and then what they are currently trading for today on the market, so we can ascertain if we were to sell these contracts uh, to get out of the Orange County Power Authority. If we sold them today, will we sell it at a loss and incur penalties and fees, or could we sell for break-even or perhaps at a premium? It's taken this long, and the county's had to push it to finally get them to agree to a non-disclosure agreement. That's why NDAs exist. So I applaud Travis. He's been working hard. It's been very frustrating, but we're finally at a point where we have a process to finally see the contracts and the information that we signed up for on our behalf. So we'll continue to keep the community updated. We're pushing hard to get this information, and I'm hopeful that we can start to expedite this process. Okay. Thank you, staff, for the update. Thank you. Any other questions from members? No. Seeing none. Thank you. Uh, Sid Clerk report. Sid Clerk, uh, please introduce your report. If I could ask for assistance from Tejas, I have a PowerPoint. Going to come up. All right. Um, this is the time of year that we um, introduce our 2023 Safe and Sane Fireworks Stand application process and our lottery. And next slide, please. Um, the application period for this event starts March 1st and it ends on March 31st. There's a maximum number uh, permits, there's a maximum number of permits that may uh, be issued during one calendar year and it's 15 and it's divided into three categories. Five in civic organizations, five in high school, and five in youth sports groups. Civic organizations are identified as operating within the city whose sole purpose is for civic betterment or charitable or religious purposes to and for the citizens of Huntington Beach. Um, it's the next slide, Tejas. And it excludes high school extracurricular activities or youth or adult sports groups. Um, approved applications in this category will be entered into a lottery drawing held at the April 18 City Council meeting. For the high school group, next slide please, high schools operating within the city that agree to use the proceeds for the benefit of valid student extracurricular activities and sports shall be allowed to submit one application. Each public high school may be awarded one permit. Upon application, receipt, and approval, each high school shall hold their own lottery among their own student clubs and organizations and can dedicate their stand to not more than two groups, so they're allowed to share. There is also a fifth booth in the private high school category, and uh, so we do have some private schools in town, and um, in the past we've 
had a lottery on a couple of occasions, but other times only one has applied. If no private high school applies, the four public high schools will have the opportunity to enter into the lottery drawing for the fifth high school permit. Um, in the youth sports category, they are organizations that operate within the city whose main purpose is to benefit a valid sports activity, youth sports activity. This excludes individual club or travel sports teams or high school extracurricular activity sports groups. They too will enter into the uh, lottery drawn if approved on April 18th at the city council meeting. Um, next week, well, possibly this week, I'll be sending emails to all... Um, successful applicants in last year's process to notify them of the upcoming um, uh, program timeline. And we will also place a public announcement regarding this process on our so social media sites and on our webpage. Um, at the conclusion of the lottery held on the 18th of April, representatives from the fire department, they contact our successful applicants to explain what happens next and to distribute temporary fireworks stand sales applications, and they do all of the permitting. Uh, for more information, uh, you can go to our city's website under fireworks information, and uh, that'll be updated. It also has code information on that page as well. And um, that concludes my presentation. And before I move on, I just want to recognize that tonight is Patty Esparza's last city council meeting as assistant city clerk. She retires on Friday. And I just want to give her a big... Very, very valuable employee will be missed very much. Thank you, Patty. That concludes my report. Thank you, Patty. Go ahead. Go ahead, Councilwoman. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I have a question about um, whether there are any education efforts associated with this program because when we talk about the safe and sane fireworks, it reminds me that every year... Um, when there's a holiday, July 4th or New Year's Eve, we have issues with illegal fireworks. And I know that a lot of residents, um, you know, uh, call in or they write in and they complain about illegal fireworks being set off in their neighborhood. So are there any educational components um, associated with the Safe and Sane program? And it may be this is a better question for the fire department. Yeah, um, thank you. Good evening. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's starting about a month ahead of time. We'll start putting out social media messaging uh, talking about illegal fireworks, talking about safe and sane, when they're appropriate to use per our municipal code. Uh, and then in addition, we'd really recommend residents use the MyHB app. That opens up around the same time and start, if they do hear illegal fireworks or they have a history of that, they can report it on the app and that allows the police department and fire to kind of work together to target certain specific areas in our community that we kind of know typically can have a problem with that. And so it gives us a kind of a heads up on the location. But we typically do a pretty strong media campaign about a month out ahead of time. Thank you. Go ahead, Councilwoman. With regards to the MyHB app, does the fireworks part go off for part of the year and come back on? It does. It's only open for part of the year, and we've discussed, uh, our ops chief and our police department ops captain have been discussing how we can possibly open that up uh, for more of the year, because we started to see them a little sooner um, that are moving than just the one month out. So that is a discussion we're trying to figure out the best way to do that. I appreciate that discussion. Thank you. Um, if I could make a comment on that, too. We do sometimes receive complaints. Because I manage the applications for the stands, 
I often get inquiries about illegal fireworks, and we just provide information on reporting them to the police or fire departments, so they are answered. They don't go unanswered. What is that? All right, members, uh, now we're going to go to the consent calendar, uh, items 9 through 19. Um, before, before I ask members a poll, any, I would like to uh, make a public notice that I'm recusing myself on item number 12. Okay, now with that, um, members, uh, any items you want to pull off consent? I'll move the balance. I wanted to pull uh, 13 and 18 real quick. So 13 and 18 have been pulled by Councilman McKeon. Yep. And the reason why I want to uh, pull these is just I think these are um, some really positive stories to be told, especially number 13 with Chief Haberly to kind of show the, the cost savings to the taxpayer that we've been able to achieve uh, through the fire department. So Chief Haberly, if you can kind of walk through this briefly. Oh. Please. So my understanding, uh, we'll pull that. Um, my understanding is I have to step out of the room. Gracie, you'll ask for the, um, oh, I'm sorry. Mayor Pro Tem, you'll ask for the uh, consent on the rest of the items. Um, we have a, a, Mr. Kalmick moved the item. Do we have a second on the remaining? I'll give a second. Do I have a motion and a second to move the remainder? You do? Yep. Yes. Are you going to call? Yes, I'll vote? go ahead and call the roll call vote. Councilmember Kalmick. And these are for um, consent items 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 19. And um, Mayor uh, Strickland has recused himself from action on item 12. So you're an aye? Aye. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Str Strickland, I would say, is probably an aye on all but 12. Aye. Is that it? All right. Should I ask him it's when fine. he comes back? We don't need it. McKeon? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. All right. So 7-0 with the exception of item 12, which is 6-0-0, Mayor Strickland. Are you and I on the remaining items other than 12? Thank you. All right. We can move on. Thanks right. for the advice of counsel. Chief Haberly. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Before you this evening is uh, the execution of an agreement with Toyota for vehicles for marine safety, beach, main beach parking, and beach maintenance, and approving additional funds associated. Um, so our history with Toyota has gone back to 2008, and so uh, our fleet at the time consisted of, as you can see up on the board, and so uh, over that time, over the last uh, 20 years, we've kind of increased our uh, area of Sunset Beach. We've also had harbor deployment. And so as we've continued to increase our staffing in that area, our responsibility for Toyota has increased as well. During this, uh, the current contract we had, as you can see, we have 19 total in the fleet. We're moving to this new contract and I'm really proud of the Marine Safety Division and our administrative staff at working with Toyota to increase that additional five vehicles. So we're going from 19 to 24 vehicles. And so the result of that, uh, um, those additional five vehicles will help us deploy those in areas that we've increased our, uh, um, our coverage. Just to give you a kind of a brief overview of the, of the costs associated, all of the vehicles equate to $1.2 million in, in, uh, in costs that we're getting donate, or being uh, donated to us through Toyota, through the uh, agreement. 
When you look at the, the price associated with additional five vehicles, Public Works Fleet, we're asking for additional 22,000 to be associated to Public Works because they have to maintain those vehicles on a preventive maintenance schedule over the next five years. Additionally, the upfitting cost associated with the vehicles, radios, light bar, and packaging and equipment comes to $316,000. When you review the net savings associated, we have $100,000 in the fire department budget grant currently that we're moving uh, to cover the part of the cost, bringing it down to 239,000. And we've subtracted that associated with the 1.2 million. It looks, it, it pulls us to a savings of $961,000 over the life of the agreement of the vehicles we normally would have had to buy. And so with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions council may have. No questions. I just thought it'd be good to educate the community about those vehicles that are being donated by Toyota for, you know, obviously advertising, but that's a huge cost savings. And when I learned things that I did not know, I assume the community does not either and want to share those stories. And then the next one is item 18 um, for Director Crumby in terms of this, uh, water pump station. When I saw this. Well, before we go yeah. there, we have to vote on 13. Okay, so uh, move and seconded. Uh, clerk call the roll on item 13. Um, so who made the second? I, I, I'm I, I the second, uh, Mr. Okay. McKeon moved, moved it. it. Yep. All right. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Mosier. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Aye. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Seven zero. Thank you. Now, Mr. McKeon, yep. you're on item 18. So this is for the uh, stormwater pump station on Howell Avenue. And so when I saw this, I asked uh, Director Crumby if there was a potential by installing this, if we can lift the, the homes in that area out of the floodplain. If anyone lives in that area knows that flood insurance is very expensive. So we've talked about it, and I wanted to have him provide an update. Good evening, uh, Mayor Strickland and Honorable Council. Um, thank you for the opportunity to talk about item 18. Uh, just to have a couple quick slides um, uh, to go through it. So uh, what this project is, is a replacement of the Heil stormwater pump station. And um, uh, many neighborhoods in town, um, the neighborhood um, north of Heil and east of Golden West, um, we have our rainwater pumped in the flood channels. Uh, this slide shows um, what happened on uh, February 21st of 2005. This was a 10 year rain event and it just shows how water can back up into the neighborhoods. Projects like these are um, expensive, but good news um, for this project is that we've received, the city's received $6.6 .6 million in grant funds uh, to move the project forward. Uh, this slide shows an engineering layout of the station and what I wanted to highlight in this um, uh, layout is that the new station is going to go on the east side of the channel, leaving the existing station in service while we build uh, the project. Um, and before I conclude, just to um, touch on um, the point made by um, Councilmember McKeon, um, within the, the, the tributary area, we have 352 homes in the neighborhood, and we currently have 10-year flood protection provided for these homes. So these projects, while they're great to protect people's homes, um, they also um, give us the opportunity to remove these houses um, from the floodplain and have to carry flood insurance. So upon conclusion of the project, we'll apply to FEMA to change the flood zone and get these people out so that they no longer have to have this burden uh, carried upon them. So thank you for the opportunity to present. No, I appreciate that. Like I said, the flood insurance can be very expensive, so I think it's a good update to the community. I move this item. I'll second. Clerk, please call the roll. All right. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Mosher. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Aye. Bolton. Aye. 
Burns. Aye. Approved 7 0. All right, members, uh, thank you. Uh, members, now we're going to file item 20, uh, Acting Chief Financial Officer, Sonny Reef. Uh, please introduce your item. Thank you. All right. Good evening, Mayor Strickland and Honorable Council. Tonight I'll be presenting a report on an H item request by Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark on the state of the city's budget and financial health, staffing levels, vacancies, as well as as well is this is like a little too close. Let me move a little bit. Um, as well as other aspects of the city's financial health. Additionally, we'll be reviewing the city's mid-year budget requests. So again, we'll be going over the city's fiscal year 22-23 budget update, the mid-year budget adjustment requests, staffing levels and vacancies, as well as the city's financial health indicators. So we're pleased to note that the city ended fiscal year 21-22 with a $3.4 million general fund surplus primarily due to stronger recovery in sales tax and transient occupancy tax than originally anticipated. Um, while this is great news, recent economic indicators in 2022 signal caution. So during the prior year, the Fed raised rates seven times in 2022 to an ultimate interest rate of 4.25 to 4.5%. Most recently, the Fed also increased the rates by an additional 25 basis points this month and is anticipated to ultimately increase interest rates up to 5%. Inflation peaked in the prior year in June of 2022 at 9.1% and decreased up to 6.5% in December of 2022. Most recently, the January inflation rates showed only a slight decline of 6.4%, primarily due to the jump in gas prices. The first two quarters of GDP in 2022 showed negative growth of 1.6% and 0.6%, which was followed by two quarters of positive growth at 3.2 and 2.9%. However, approximately 65% of economists are still predicting a recession in 2023. So moving on to the market indicators, the stock market experienced some of, the, some of its largest losses in recent history, with the U.S. stocks and international stocks experiencing its largest losses since the Great Recession in 2008. Additionally, bonds have experienced, have experienced its largest losses since 1999, with losses of negative 12%, whereas previously losses were at negative 2%. So these economic factors are creating challenges for expansion, investment, and consumer demand. However, on a brighter note, state unemployment has, de has decreased to 4.1%, down from the COVID peak of 16.1% in May of 2020. However, the ratio of job, of job openings to job seekers is starting to decline. So next, we'll be looking at the city's general fund long-term financial plan for the next five years. So as previously mentioned, we ended the prior year with a general fund surplus of $3.4 million, and we're projecting to end the current fiscal year with a surplus of $3.8 million. So while we are also looking to have surpluses in the next two fiscal years of $2 million and $1.2 million, respectively. However, beginning in fiscal years 25, 26, and 26, 27, 
will begin to experience the impacts of the CalPERS negative 7.5% return that they, that they had in fiscal year 21-22. So the reason for this delay is due to the fact that CalPERS has a five-year ramp up of any gains or losses in order to smooth the impacts of these escalating costs. So looking at, so just going into the CalPERS update with a little further detail, again, the 21-22 CalPERS return of negative 7.5 does require escalating UAL payments by the city for 20 years. So with that, again, just to reiterate, CalPERS gains and losses are amortized over 20 years with a five-year ramp up. And so with this, with this re negative return, the city's current funded status would be at approximately 89%, with a total new UAL of approximately 160, 168 million. So again, these are just preliminary numbers from our CalPERS actuary and will not be finalized until approximately July or August of this year. So this next slide shows the CalPERS escalating UAL payments over with under three different scenarios. So the orange bars represent a possible 3.4% return in this fiscal year. The blue represents a 6.8% return, which is the CalPERS <coughs> target rate of return. And the gray bars represent a 10.2% return for the current <coughs> fiscal year. And all of these assumptions assume a 6.8% return by, by CalPERS thereafter, which again is, this, is CalPERS stated rate of return. So as you can see, the UAL payments gradually increased beginning in 25-26, ultimately peaking in fiscal year 29-30. So under these three scenarios, payments would ultimately increase to 26 million, 20 million, and 15 million up from a baseline of approximately 6 million, which was our baseline after we achieved, after we issued our pension obligation bonds in 2021 and issued a fresh start payment on the remaining 15% for CalPERS. So this next slide shows the CalPERS, six, the impacts of the CalPERS 6.8 return scenario um, on the city's long-term financial plan. So as you can see, beginning in fiscal year 25-26, the city would need to begin drawing from its Section 115 trust in order to cover the deficits shown in the previous slide. So those yellow bars represent the city's draw from its Section 115 trust and pension stabilization reserve. And the blue bars represent the amount of funds that the city would be able to cover through its general fund. So as you can see in 28-29 under this particular scenario, at that point, both the city section 115 trust as well as its pension stabilization reserve would be fully depleted and then we would begin experiencing deficits in the city's general fund which would need to be resolved through other means. So next we'll be, we'll be reviewing the city's mid-year budget adjustment requests. 
So the city has major budget adjustment requests that are requested in six separate funds. The general fund, asset forfeiture fund, equipment replacement, workers' compensation, supplemental law enforcement services fund, and a new grant fund. One thing to note is that adequate funding is available in each of these funds for all of the requested budget adjustments. So the first set of adjustments are for community and library services and the community development department to meet, to meet the demand for increased services in each of these departments. Um, additionally, for the community development department, they are requesting additional contract amendments of $200,000 each for CSG consultants, as well as True North compliance services for on-call building division plan review services. So all of these costs would be fully covered by related community services revenues, as well as community development plan check revenues, which are coming in stronger than originally anticipated. So the finance department is requesting an additional $115,000 um, for an increase in credit card processing fees for payments that are made through the city's enterprise land management system, or ACELA. So one thing to note is that the city currently does not, the city currently does not pass on credit card processing fees to customers, and instead these costs are fully subsidized by the city's general fund. So currently the costs that are being covered by the city's general fund are approximately $690,000 annually, of which 229,000 relate to the CD's ELM system. The city's general funded requests for the fire department are for strike team reimbursement costs, as well as medical and safety supplies, both of which would be fully covered by reimbursements from the state, as well as through increases in EMS response revenues for a net zero impact. And the police department is also requesting an additional 189,000 for an increased payment to the county for its 800 megahertz cost sharing program. And this is to cover the increased support, the increased support services for the 911 communication system. So this was a cost that was unbudgeted and due to the fact that the county changed its cost allocation plan after the city's budget was developed. The Public Works Department is requesting an additional $752,000 for increased citywide fuel costs, which is largely related to the jump in gas prices, an additional $590,000 for increased vehicle maintenance and accident repair costs. This increase is largely due to the fact, due to supply chain issues, as a number of the vehicles that the city um, placed on order during the current fiscal year were canceled due to a lack of supply. So currently, 25 vehicles have been canceled in this fiscal year, and we're unable to order replacements for these vehicles until the new model um, is available to order, and that would be at a 20 to 25% markup. So for the city's non-departmental section, we are requesting additional $250,000 for increased utility costs related to natural gas increases, a $500,000 transfer to the equipment replacement fund in order to ensure adequate funding for essential equipment needs to cover the increased costs of vehicles and other supplies as previously discussed, 
as well as a $4.3 million transfer to the city's work workers' compensation fund in order to ensure adequate funding for workers' compensation claims. So for this particular area, um, we have experienced substantial rising costs in the city's ongoing expense, annual expenses due to both rising medical costs as well as an expanded list of injuries that are presumed to be work-related under California law, including post-traumatic stress. So additionally, staff is also recommending an additional $2 million transfer to the city's Section 115 trust in order to protect the city from future pension costs increases as previously discussed. So in total, the city is request, so in total staff is requesting additional general fund appropriations of $10.6 million, of which $1.9 million would be offset through revenues for a net increase of $8.7 million. One thing to note is that the projected general fund surplus of $3.8 million previously shown um, does include the impact of these general fund proposed adjustments. So next we'll be discussing the other fund budget appropriation requests. So we are requesting an additional $4.3 million in the city's workers' compensation fund, which would be, again, due to increased costs of claims just due to rising medical costs, as well as the expanded list of injuries that are covered by California law. So this would be fully covered by the $4.3 million transfer that's being requested from the city's general fund. Additionally, the city is also requesting a $750,000 appropriation from the Supplemental Law Enforcement Services Fund, which is um, dedicated, which is restricted for use for frontline law enforcement. And this would be used for 600,000 of which would be used for the temporary relocation of the dispatch center to Central Net, as well as for the purchase and implementation of a new Peregrine software in order to facilitate efficient real-time fact-based decision-making. Additionally, the city also has the opportunity to receive a CALAP grant of $80,000, and that would be for a solar permit platform. So this cost, this grant would cover the costs of both the software as well as implementation, and would provide the city the opportunity to have a uniform solar permit platform that is also the same as other agencies. So again, this would be for a net zero impact. So additional, additional other fund adjustments include a $60,000 appropriation request for overtime, for overtime costs arising for one sergeant to continue to participate in the city's Orange County Regional Narcotics Suppression Program, and a $500,000 appropriation in the city's Equipment Replacement Fund, which would again be fully offset by the $500,000 transfer requested in the city's general fund as well as a $531,000 appropriation request in the city's refuse collection fund, which would be associated with pass-through costs that are being charged by Republic Services. So these costs are higher than the original CPI amount that was included in the budget, which are largely due to higher than anticipated inflation, as well as increased fuel costs. So however, we do expect that this $531,000 increase 
would be fully covered by revenues, by ref related revenues. So in summary, the other funds adjustments would have a total appropriation request of $6.2 million, of which $5.4 million would be fully offset by related revenues for a net increase of $810,000. So a summary of the mid-year request is shown here, which just summarizes again all the information that I just went over. So we'd have a total general fund request of $10.6 million, and other funds request of $6.2 million, um, with offsetting revenues of $7.3 million for a total net increase of nine point. $5 million. Again, just to note, sufficient fund balances are available in all of these funds and um, are available in each of these funds. And the projected general fund surplus is of $3.8 million does include all of these appropriation requests. So next we'll be reviewing the city's historic staffing levels and vacancies. So this chart provides a 10-year overview of the city's total FTE count in the city's general fund. So as you can see, fiscal year 16-17 had the highest number of general fund FTEs at approximately 862 employees with a pre-COVID high, uh, with a pre-COVID total FTE count of 852 employees which dropped to 797 employees after the city's restructure plan and separation incentive plan, which was approved in November of 2020. So since then, the city's current adopted budget includes approved FTEs of 816 employees, which is still 36 positions below pre-COVID levels and 46 positions below the fiscal year 16-17 high of 862 employees. So also taking a look at historical general fund vacancies during that same time frame, we can see that previously our vacancies were much lower prior to COVID. So we did have you know, vacancies as low as 38 employees as of the end, and all of this information is um, presented as of the end of each fiscal year. So this would be reflective of the last pay period in June. So after the separation incentive plan in, in November of 2020, the total vacancy count did increase up to an overall total of 80 vacancies. Currently, the city does have 82 vacancies as of the most recent pay period ending in February, of which 25 is comprised of sworn police positions, nine is comprised of sworn fire positions, and the remaining 48 is related to non-sworn positions in all departments. So the average fully burdened cost for a non-sworn employee would be 122,000, and then the average fully burdened cost for a sworn employee is approximately 205,000. So next we'll be going over some financial health indicators of the city. So this compares the city's financial health condition over a five-year period, as well as comparing the city's financial condition against eight Orange County cities. 
Anaheim, Costa Mesa, Garden Grove, Irvine, Newport Beach, Santa Ana, Orange, and Fullerton. So the discussion the financial of the financial con condition is based on three basic questions as well as 12 different metrics. So it's not a grade, but it does provide um, different perspectives on the city's financial condition. So the three basic questions are, can the city pay its bills now? Can the city's revenues cover its expenses? And also, can the city pay its bills in the future? So the first two ratios address, can the city pay its bills now? So the first ratio, the general fund reserve ratio, compares the city's general fund unreserved fund balance against its general fund revenues. So in this case, a higher ratio is indicative of a stronger financial position. So as you can see, um, during the past few fiscal years, our ratio has been in the low 30s, um, increasing to 34% in 2021, with a slight decline to 33% in 21-22. So this decline really has more to do with the fact that the city's ratios actually did increase during this past fiscal year. So next we'll be looking at the general fund liquidity ratio, which compares the city's total cash investments against its short-term liabilities. So in this instance, a higher ratio is also indicative of the city's ability to pay off its short-term obligations. So the spike in fiscal year 2020, in fiscal year 2021, as well as these fluctuations, really are not necessarily, are more indicative of the fact that this really is representative of a snapshot in time, which is as of June 30. So the number of, of accounts payable invoices that are due, as well as the total amount of accrued payroll that's owed at that particular time can fluctuate based on the number of outstanding projects that occur in that time. So this isn't necessarily indicative of more of necessarily of more or less cash that the city is holding at that particular time, but really more overall year-to-year -year fluctuations in the city's short-term liabilities. So just one thing to note in looking at this um, when comparing to comparable agencies is when looking at some of the other cities, um, particularly Garden Grove, for instance, um, their cash balance is also much higher due to the fact that they did receive $48 million in ARPA funds, which were transferred into the city's general fund in this past fiscal year. So because the city didn't, because we didn't transfer the, our, our ARPA funds into the city's general fund until this current fiscal year, um, we won't see that same spike until the city's fiscal year 22-23 financials are released. So the next few ratios um, do address the next question, which is can the city's revenue cover its expenses? So the general government growth and net position ratio compares the change in net position over the city's total net position. Again, in this instance, a higher ratio is better, suggesting that annual costs are adequately funded and the city's financial condition is improving. So the 8.3% increase in fiscal year 21-22 is largely due to the fact that is largely due to the CalPERS 21.3% return reported in fiscal year 2021. 
So due to a lag in CalPERS reporting, which is required by GASB, by GASB accounting standards, um, investment returns and the related impacts onto the city's UAL is always reported a year in arrears. So with the city's fiscal year 21-22 financial statements, we do show a superfunded status in the city's net pension liability, moving us from a net pension liability to a net pension asset. So at that point in time, we're approximately 103% funded. So just one thing to note, though, is that, again, the impacts of the negative 7.5% CalPERS return will be reflected in the city's 22-23 annual financial statements, and so this number will be going down the following fiscal year. So the next ratio is the general government operating margin ratio, um, which compares operating, ratio, operating revenue, such as charges for services, operating capital grants and contributions against total governmental expenditures. So again, a higher ratio just suggests that is better, suggesting that you know, our basic costs, government costs, are more self-sufficient through charges for fees and grants and, risk, and less reliant on general tax dollars, such as property tax and sales tax. So this number, again, um, did partially increase also due to an increase in COVID-related grants, as well as other grants that we've, re that we've recently received, which shows that spike. Um, so one thing to note is that um, another area that this um, ratio also covers is costs that are covered through um, its master fee and charges schedule. So whereas a number of cities don't necessarily implement full cost recovery, um, it is just something to kind of look at. So again, right now the city is currently at approximately 75% cost recovery, but this number is actually based on a fee study that was completed in 2016. So just with um, you know inflation rising over 19% since then, our cost recovery is actually much lower than that stated 75%. So the next indicator is the general government owned source revenue ratio, which compares operating and capital contribution and grants against the city's total revenues. So in this instance, a lower ratio is better, suggesting that the city isn't necessarily heavily reliant on grants and is more reliant on general tax dollars and charges for services. So um, that uptick in fiscal year 1920 is again just due to the influx of COVID relief funding, so such as the three million dollars we've received for our homeless for our homeless shelter, as well as 4.7 million dollars for our small business relief program, as well as other COVID relief funding that we received during that fiscal year. So our normal, our normal ratio is really closer to 6%, as you can see kind of through that five-year trend. So again, just one thing to note is because the city's um, ARPA funding of $29.6 million was not recognized, in our, prior in our prior year financial statements, just due to accounting rules, since the money had not been fully expended yet, we will see a spike in the next fiscal year when those funds, when that revenue was fully recognized. So the next question addresses long-term solvency, or can the city pay its bills in the future? 
So the next ratio covers general government near-term solvency, which compares total governmental liabilities against total program and general revenues. So in this instance, a lower ratio indicates a stronger financial condition. So you can see that the decline in fiscal year 21-22 is largely due to the refinancing of 85% of the city's pension liability with the issuance of the pension obligation bonds in April 2021. So um, the decrease is also largely attributed to the 21.3% CalPERS investment return as previously stated, which did move the city's liabilities, um, pension liabilities into a net pension asset due to its superfunded status. So again, just kind of one thing to note is that the, that Again, CalPERS investment returns and its impact on pension liabilities are always reported a year in arrears. So that negative 7.5% return will be reflected in the city's fiscal year 22-23 financials. So the next indicator is one that I'm actually pretty excited about. So it's the general government debt, pension liability, and OPEB burden per, re per resident ratio. So this one compares the city's total long-term debt against the total population in the city, just to get an idea of the total amount of um, bonded, of total debt um, per resident. So um, in this instance, you can see that the city had experienced a sharp decline in fiscal year 21-22. And again, you know, that's largely due to you know, the issuance of the city's pension obligation bonds, as well as the CalPERS 21.3 investment return. So while this number will increase in the following fiscal year due to the negative 7.5% return, you can see that we do have one of the lowest per capita debt ratios um, against all of the other comparable cities listed. So the next ratio, the governmental funds coverage ratio, compares um, bonded principal and interest payments against the city's total expenditures. So in this instance, a lower, a lower number is better. And as you can see, we are higher than a number of other agencies, but that is primarily due to the issuance of the city's pension obligation bond. So again, this ratio does only look at bonded debt rather than looking at the city's other long-term liabilities, such as its pension debt and other OPEB debt. So when you look at this number, um, it is important to also look at the previous ratio, ratio also shown just to see that overall, the city's debt burden per resident really is a lot lower. So, but this ratio does just, again, solely look at bonded debt. So the next ratio is the enterprise funds coverage ratio. And so the city's enterprise funds, which includes water, sewer, refuse, and hazmat services. Um, so this looks at our enterprise fund revenues compared to its interest payments. So in this case, a higher ratio indicates a stronger financial condition. So for this, um, for this particular ratio, we only have two years that are shown, and that's just because um, the city did not have any bonded debt in, or any debt in its enterprise funds prior to the issuance of its pension obligation bonds. So the numbers here, so this ratio here reflects the pro rata share of the pension obligation bonds to the city's enterprise funds. Uh, 
So the next ratio is the general government capital asset value ratio, which compares prior year to current year capital assets. So in this case, um, a higher number is better just because it shows that we're settling consistently, growing our capital assets, and replacing them in a timely manner. So as you can see, um, we do have kind of a steady 1% trend in all of the years, except for fiscal year 2021, when we did experience a slight spike, and that was largely due to two things. So one was due to the capitalization of the city's ELM land management software, um, or SELA as it's also known, as well as the purchase of the city's properties um, using Lemmy Half Funds, and which is currently the temporary site of the city's navigation center. So the next ratio is the enterprise funds capital asset value ratio, which compares the accumulated depreciation against depreciable capital assets. So and this ratio lowers better, um, you know, indicating that enterprise funds capital assets are newer and may not require as much replacement. So, you know, overall this number does look like it's increasing and we will be looking into this further, but you know, one other area just to kind of consider is the fact that due to supply chain issues and you know rising costs, capital assets just may not have been replaced as quickly in the past few years as they were in the past. So the final ratio is the general fund public safety costs ratio, which compares the total costs of general fund public safety against total general fund expenditures. So Again, this, so one thing just to note here is that the 61% reflected in 21-22 does differ from the budgeted numbers, from the numbers shown in the city's adopted budget of approximately 50%. And that does, again, just kind of have to do with the way that we are required to report certain expenditures in the city's audited financial statements. So certain non-departmental non costs that are spread across all of the different departments. So things such as um, our utility costs, our workers' comp costs, and general liability costs are spread across all of the different departments um, rather than being shown as you know, its own separate non-departmental line. This is something that um, GASB and GFOA does require, so um, that is the reason why this cost is higher. So one other reason as well for the decline in fiscal year 21, uh, from fiscal year 2021 to fiscal year 21-22 does also have to do with the issuance of the city's pension obligation bonds um, and the decrease in the city's corresponding UAL payments. So this is again the first year that we had the fresh start payments as well as the, as well as the refinanced um, UAL through the POBs. So just in summary, I just wanted to kind of reiterate some of the ongoing challenges just to be mindful of when building, you know, the city's fiscal year 23-24 budget, as well as just kind of looking at, you know, the, as well as looking at out years. So again, some of the concerns are inflation, as well as the impacts of increased CalPERS UAL costs due to, you know, the prior year negative 7.5% return, as well as just the overall volatility um, in the marketplace, as well as increased workers' compensation costs, 
and increased um, general liability costs, which are kind of due to increased premiums based on you know, the national trend of rising cyber threats as well as natural disaster losses. And those costs are spread across to all agencies. Um, you know, one other area we also want to just be mindful of is making sure that our general fund reserves remain robust and also to make sure, you know, that we are maintaining our capital and infrastructure needs. So just in conclusion, so um, again, you know, currently the city has healthy available general fund reserves and liquidity, which have been maintained at really strong levels over the past several years, inclu including during the COVID-19 pandemic. So in looking at these ratios again, the city's general fund balance is equivalent to 33% of the prior year revenues. And we do have stable tax re stable revenues due to prop through property tax, um, with a significant amount of untapped assessed valuation. Additionally, the city is also fortunate enough to have a diverse sales tax base with no single dominant industry or business for us to be overly reliant on. And one other fact that we are very proud of is our AAA Fitch rating, which we've maintained every year since it was first received in 2014. So that was most recently reaffirmed in February of 2022. And just one thing to note is that only six cities in California hold this distinction. So it is something that we are very proud of. Um, just as a cautionary note though, um, this rating could potentially lower if the city's available general fund reserves are reduced to weaker levels in the future without a plan to restore balance within a two years. Um, so just in conclusion, you know, just addressing these upcoming challenges proactively um, just will determine the future of the city's continued fiscal health. So tonight's recommended actions include receiving and filing the city's um, fiscal year 21-22 annual comprehensive financial report and other auditor issued reports, receiving and filing the city's fiscal health report, approving the mid-year budget adjustments to the 22-23 revised budget, as well as authorizing additional professional services authority in the fiscal year 22-23 revised budget related to community development contracts, Approve and authorize the mayor and city clerk to, author, to execute amendments to agreements with CSG consultants and True North compliance for on-call building division plan review services and to accept, approve, and authorize the city manager to execute the grant agreement with the State of California Energy Commission and the amount of $80,000. So that concludes my presentation at this point. If there's any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Members, do you have any questions? Seeing. Just, just one. Um, the number that you gave us for the vacancies, 82, did you say that already included the police department in there? Yes, it does. So it would be city staff would be about 57? So out of 82, so we have 25 for sworn police, for sworn police officers, and then nine for um, sworn fire officers, and then the remainder is uh, 48 for non-sworn positions in all departments. Thank you. Thank you for putting this together and explaining it to us earlier as well. You're welcome. Happy to do so. Any other questions from members? I'll go ahead and move the recommended action. Which one? 
There's like eight. <laughs> the, the, the whole thing. I'll second. Okay. It's been moved and seconded. <coughs> Ready for a roll call yeah. vote? Please. All right. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. 7-0. Thank you. Okay, members, we're now on item number 21. Um, Assistant City Manager Travis Hopkins, please introduce your item. Thank you, Mayor and City Council. Um, thank you. All right, on January 17th, the um, City Council um, directed the city manager to return with an ordinance to amend the Huntington Beach Municipal Code Section 2.109 and, and, and modify the Finance Commission's duties, uh, meeting frequency, and, and a few other adjustments. Um, per the Council's direction, Ordinance 4280 would expand the Finance Commission's roles, um, duties, to its previous scope of work related to the city's financial planning. The commission um, can also make recommendations to the city council. Um, the commission can also make recommendations to the city council deemed necessary. Um, with this amendment, the finance commission would meet monthly at the, during, at the city council chambers. And so the recommendation, recommendation before the council tonight is to approve um, the introduction of ordinance um, 4280 and I'm available for any qu questions the council may have. Uh, members, do you have any questions? Go ahead, Mr. Kalman. Um, <clears throat> I noticed it was pulled from the agenda at the last meeting, so I went through and tried to see what the difference was, and I noticed a pretty glaring change in the ordinance, um, <clears throat> where, uh, which read that uh, what's not in the ordinance that was in the ordinance last meeting was no member of the Finance Commission shall order directly or indirectly any employee, city employees, including the chief financial officer or his or her staff. And the commission's directions are requesting require significant staff time should be voted on and approved by the city council. Both of those have seemingly been stricken from the current ordinance. Is that correct? Um, yes, yeah, so that was um, some staff recommendations um, based on consistency with other recommendations. I would point out that um, I just threw this in the commission based on this, this um, um, section 2.109050, the authority um, portions of A and B remain, and th those were already in the ordinance, even though they're not in the um, the ordinance that came forward, they're, they're currently in the municipal code and they will remain in the municipal code. Sure. But those, those sections exist in other boards and commissions. Um, I find it troubling. Um, it, this elected council is somewhat going to give up its power to oversee its boards and commissions to, to an unelected board, um, which because of the change in the Zoom policy will effectively meet behind closed doors um, to have what seems like unbridled power to audit and spend taxpayer money with little to no oversight by this council. Um, I would like to see both of those uh, clauses that were taken out from the last added back in, um, because if they're going to go, if the based on its guidance now to go do effectively audits, um, can go spend a bunch of staff time. Um, I question if this is even legal under the charter. 
if they can direct staff to go do stuff, um, what effectively, I mean, a lot of folks are, we got to respect the charter, but this effectively allows you to do an end around by telling your finance commissioner, hey, go do this audit that I would need four other council members to do. Um, go spend a bunch of taxpayer money with no council vote. Doesn't, uh, doesn't it say that right there in A, though, that they shall not be vested with final authority in the establishment of priorities or the expenditure of funds? I think that's the advisory capacity of the finance commission, though. They don't have, they don't, they don't have final authority on expenditure of funds, though. No, but I think that that's the, like the budget. I don't. I think I read that as that that's the, they only act in advisory capacity, and the establishment priorities or expenditure of funds. I don't think is reference to their body uh, that allows them to do things. So, um, if that's the intent that they are not allowed to spend any money without council approval and have no budget, um, then that's fine, right? That, but we have a four-hour rule in our in administrative regulation that if we're going to spend time on something or direct staff to do something, we have to bring it to council. Right. I, Clar clarification on that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Hopkins, uh, clarification. Finance commission's actions go to council, correct? Um, yes, so they, um, they're uh, advisory to the They're advisory to the council, so anything council. they do comes to the council. Mm -hmm. and, and then I would lean on our city I'm attorney asking. as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the finance commission, like any other border commission, is right. just purely advisory. And it comes to the council. They take a vote, um, and they may recommend something to the larger council. Mm -hmm. I think what um, Councilmember Kamek's concern is that uh, the, the commission could theoretically um, kind of march off in a certain direction um, with staff and really on errands that require or work that requires a, an exorbitant amount of staff time. I think that's... Yeah, so the example <clears throat> is that the previous finance commission went and tried to audit the IT department and say, we're going to, what would it take to outsource you without, which was not what the council had presented or had any public policy pushing that. Staff went and spent a bunch of time doing that. Um, so, without council direction. Yeah, so uh, just, just to finish, so um, I think uh, Mr. Hopkins is correct in that the, the, the authorities are already there, the restrictions are already there. I was at um, one of the uh, finance commission, maybe the only finance commission meeting that they've had so far, and, and gave them a bit of a training and already admonished them uh, with the city manager present that, that the commission is really not um, at liberty to go off on those errands <clears throat> like the one that you cited. And they really are, if they're going to be doing research, it's incumbent upon them to be doing it on their own, <clears throat> taking as little staff time as possible. And if they do need staff time to work with the city manager or work with uh, your, your council member to bring an item that really would authorize additional work that would consume, that might consume more staff time than just would be de minimis or minimal. So I, they've already been told um, kind of what the rules are Sure. Uh, just I mean, just not, so you know. Yeah, no, I'm just, just why not codify it then? I mean, it seems like that's, this is a, we got to bring, someone's going to have to watch the video if the Finance Commission in the future decides to kind of go off on well, a tangent. And I think the rules are there. The, the, the problem is, you know, how, how are those rules interpreted and how are they applied on the fly? Because if there's a request of the advisory board or the commission of staff, staff may not even be able to quantify how many hours it's going to take to actually respond to their request until they actually do it and come back and they're like, oh, we actually took eight hours, which is more than the four. You know what I mean? Like, so I think the spirit of what the, the, the rules are clear, the spirit of the rule I think is understood, and we just have to, in my view, 
I think it's all there. Wait and see what happens. But that's all I have. Thank you. I'd just like to um, comment on that briefly as well. As I, if the rules is uh, assumed with the spirit, I think that it should be explicitly said. That's it. Anything else from the members? Councilwoman. It's, I think it's something um, that I have asked staff about before. So I think that if people are going to be doing any kind of auditing, um, they need to have uh, the qualification to do that. And the way the ordinance reads right now, it does not require them to have any particular um, expertise in finance or budgeting or what have you. It suggests that they should. And so one of the things that I asked for was the um, uh, either the applications or the resumes or what have you, whatever it is that we collect from folks who are members of the um, commissions. And to date, I have not received the bios or applications or what have you for all of the finance commissioners. So I want to reiterate that request. Thank you. I haven't heard a, a motion or. Yeah, I'll make a motion to move it. I'll second. Okay. It's been moved, it's been seconded. Um, clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick? No. Mosier? No. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Aye. Bolton? No. Burns? Aye. The item passes 4 3. And I'd like to read for the record the title of Ordinance 4280, an ordinance of the City of Huntington Beach, amending Chapter 2.109 of the City of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code regarding Finance Commission. Okay, members, we're moving on to file item number 22. Assistant City Manager Travis Hopkins, please introduce this item. Thank you, Mayor and City Council. Um, this item is, um, was um, brought by City Council and directed um, staff um, and the City Manager to return um, with necessary measures um, that all boards, committees, commissions with individual council member appointments to have um, up to um, only up to seven members um, with no more than one appointee per council member. We previously had some um, committees and commissions that combined and there were some legacy members on those commissions that um, that provided for more members um, um, the, there's three proposed ordinances um, one for the um, infrastructure advise or excuse me the citizens infrastructure advisory board slash public works commission um, that ordinance um, 4278 um, changes municipal code section to 2.11 for the Public Works Commission to only allow up to seven members, one appointee per um, council member. Um, the second ordinance is proposed ordinance 4279, um, which updates municipal code section 2.64 um, of the community, community and Library Services Commission from its current nine um, positions to seven positions, one appointment per um, city council member, and um, proposed ordinance 4281, which updates the um, operating policy for boards and commissions, which is in municipal code sections 2.100.
and um, it directs that all um, a direct appointed council boards, committees, and commissions would only have um, seven members in the future, one uh, member per city council. I'd like to move the recommendation. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none, clerk, please call the roll. Just um, confirm. I move. Second. Um, Councilmember McCann, oh. second. So, um, Councilmember Kalmick? No. Mosher? No. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McCann? Aye. Bolton? No. Burns? Aye. Passes 4 3. Okay, members, we're now on file. Wait a number. minute. Before we move on, I have to read the title. Oh, yeah, okay. go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. For the record, ordinance number. 4278, an ordinance of the City of Huntington Beach amending Chapter 2.111 to the Huntington Beach Municipal Code regarding Citizen Infrastructure Advisory Board slash Public Works Commission. The title of Ordinance Number 4279, an ordinance of the City of Huntington Beach amending Chapter 2.64.040 of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code regarding Community and Library Services Commission. And the title of ordinance number 4281, an ordinance of the city of Huntington Beach amending chapter 2.100 to the Huntington Beach Municipal Code regarding operating policy for boards and commissions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, members, we're now on file item number 23. Assistant City Manager Travis Hopkins, please introduce the item. Thank you, Mayor and members of the City Council. This item is on um, concerning government flags on city property. Um, at the February 7th City Council meeting, the City Council directed the City Attorney um, to return with the ordinance relating to the display of government flags on city property. Per the direction um, of the City Council, um, the proposed ordinance 4283 would limit the um, city's display of flags on city property to the following governmental flags. The, the United, the, flag of the United States, the state of California flag, the city of Huntington Beach flag, and the POA MIA flags. The city would also permit the display of, flat of the county of Orange flag and the six, six branches of the military on, um, on city property um, at, on specific um, occasions. Um, this would not limit in individuals or businesses from exercising their free speech or flying any flag they choose to on private or public property, so as long as flying the flag is consistent with all other laws. And then the recommendation is to approve Ordinance 4283, codifying those recommendations. It's been moved by Mr. Burns. Second. Seconded by Mr. McCann. Mr. Kalmick, or Councilman Kalmick. Thank you. <clears throat> um, I won't try to repeat what talked about at the last meeting, um, but we did hear quite a few folks tonight that really had a lot to say. <clears throat> um, I think this is a poor and cowardly ordinance couched in equality. Um, it's, of course, a ban on the city flying the pride flag. Um, call it what it is. Um, Realistically, it wasn't even thought through because at the last minute we added military flags uh, because I surmised Councilmember Burns was at the police heliport and saw the six military flags hanging in the heliport. Um, I have a strong suspicion that we're going to re be removing quite a few flags unintentionally 
including commemorative flags for 9-11 at our fire stations. I'm also guessing we're going to have problems flying the black ball flag for no surfing uh, because there's no exemptions for public safety in this ordinance. Um, the current administrative regulation is a very good piece of public policy. This ordinance is a bad piece of public policy. Um, there was a lot of nonsense tonight, too, about the slippery slope. Um, we've flown the pride flag for two years, and the world didn't end. Uh, the government didn't fly any other flags, uh, and it's this body under the current administrative regulations that gets to choose what flag it wants to fly. The flagpoles didn't topple over because of the numerous commemorative flags that the city flew. Didn't happen. So all of these arguments that we're going to have to fly this and that flag, this body gets to decide that. There also was this new straw man argument about a cause flag. The, the, the rhetoric that shifted over the last couple of days was really interesting. Um, some proffer that this isn't a ban because we didn't say the word ban. Well, if it walks like a ban and quacks like a ban, it's a ban. Additionally, folks are saying the city treats everyone equally, and therefore we don't need to treat any one group, special group differently. That's nonsense. We treat different groups all over the city differently. Uh, we have special services and a whole senior center devoted to seniors. We feed them, we educate, and we work with them uh, to be active in the community. We have a golf course for golfers. We have pickleball courts for pickleballers. Uh, we even have a shelter and homeless services for uh, our residents without housing. We have a new Veterans Memorial Hall, and we fly the POW flag to honor them, which is a, technically a commemorative flag. We have parks for those that want to go outside, and we have Meals on Wheels for those who can't. We, as the government entity, treat all sorts of folks differently. And my vote to fly the pride flag was to treat a group that has been marginalized, discriminated against, and murdered for who they are differently. And to show them that their democratically elected government, represented by the Stars and Stripes, sees them as a member of the community. So that's why um, I will not be supporting this ordinance, both on the what I just talked about, about how the government treat, needs to be able to treat people differently because there's been different, uh, they've been treated differently in the past, um, and also because this is bad public policy. This ordinance is rife with mistakes, rife with the ability for us to not do things in the future. And as the current policy as it stands allows a vote today, tomorrow, whenever the city council wants to take a resolution to not fly the pride flag and to then go ahead and say we're going to fly the military flags when we want to. It gives us the ability to be versatile, uh, as someone said, to add diplomacy, um, to negotiate, um, to, to, um, to bring business to our community. Uh, you know, I, I was reading about the pride flag last time, and you know, Mercedes-Benz changes their social media every June. They put the pride logo in the, in the Mercedes-Benz um, logo. And just about every market except the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia you know why they do that? They, they do not put it in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia because they want to sell Mercedes-Benz in Saudi Arabia. There's an economic uh, cost to this. And even if you don't think that the LGBTQ community should be special, anything like that, the economics of this are, are, are very important to this city. And to bring this item up in the first 100 days, along with parking spots and office space, um, and whatever other nonsense we're doing later. And the invocation um, just shows the priorities are so backwards based on that review we just got from our, our finance department. 
Revenue is going to be so important going forward as we've come out of, of this economic downturn. And to couch this in, well, we need to change flag policy for a small government um, ideal to add more government and regulation to this, I think, is absurd. Thank you. Any other speakers? Anybody? Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so I wore my mockingbird pin. Uh, Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird said, I want you to see what real courage is instead of getting the idea that courage is a man with a gun in his hand. It's when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway and see it through no matter what. I wanted to thank all of the commenters tonight that spoke against this item, especially our City of Huntington Beach staff member and 11-year-old Damien. What courage. Some commenters, including one who was an initiated proud boy, with the hat saying, make America godly again, said that the flying of the flag and our efforts to create a welcoming community were terrorizing the Huntington Beach community. Said person should look in the mirror. One person said we had an agenda of our own. It's true. I do advocate for an agenda, one of love, inclusion, and welcoming. He said that we were seeking to please people, to give people preferential or special treatment. No. Our unanimous vote to fly the pride flag, minus one member who was absent that day, in 2021, and our efforts to keep it flying ongoing in June, was and is not about pleasing anyone. It is about keeping people safe, people who have not been safe over many, many years, and who still today talked about still not feeling safe in our community. Cat lovers, dog lovers, hat wearers were not born that way. Those are choices. They are not a protected class and have not experienced nor had an 83% rise in hate crimes in Orange County this year. City Clerk, um, would you let us know again, like I asked the last time, the numbers for the email or supplemental communication counts um, as of the last council meeting, as of February 17th, and as of today? I can give you as of the last council meeting, and I can give you as of today at 2 p.m. Okay. Um, that's what I was able to coordinate today. And these are approximate numbers because I just like to remind everybody, um, not all email communications are clear on their position. Sure. So um, for the last meeting, um, we received approximately 40 emails 46 emails in uh, support of the flag item, um, Councilmember Burns item, and 228 emails opposed to Mr. Burns' request. And then as of today at 2 p.m., we received approximately 277 emails in support of Councilmember Burns' item and 170 against it. And again, these are approximate numbers. Okay. It's for, thank you very much for putting that together, too. Um, I would say it's unfortunate that we couldn't get the um, information for the 17th, and I asked for that information, though I understand not being able to gather it. Not a problem. Um, because on that day, uh, Councilmember Burns went on um, OAN and mentioned during his discussion there that the tide had turned 
and that the ratio supporting his efforts was now around five to one or four to one. Regardless of whatever, it's, it's not, certainly not that. Um, so it just concerns me that there's false representations of what we're receiving here. Maybe you were getting some other emails that I didn't get, um, but the emails that we saw coming through were certainly not representative of that ratio that you stated on, on the news. Um, with regard to the language in the proposed ordinance, I have some major concerns, and of course we'll not be voting for it, but previously the flag policy used the language about flying pl flags on poles. I would like to know who made the decision to add the word display and went beyond the flying on poles. City attorney, I don't know whoever created the policy because that wasn't discussed originally. Um, the uh, the H item, or I'm sorry, the ordinance that's presented tonight is a reflection of this discussion at council meeting, the uh, vote at the last council meeting, um, and input from council members. So. Because if you heard all of the commenters tonight, not one person talked about the display. They talked about what should be flying on the flagpoles, whether for or against. So it's very concerning to me to see that this is now expanding this beyond what's flying on the poles, but also to however else might be displayed within the city. And that includes all the commemorative flags, as were mentioned before. So um, it's not unusual that an ordinance doesn't fit councils. A proposed ordinance by the city attorney does not fit Council's intention. If you want to send this back and we'll amend it, then we can we can amend it. But this was our best effort to reflect what was discussed at the last council meeting, what was voted on at the last council meeting, and through various conversations with um, council members and staff, if it doesn't fit that, you can send it back by a vote. Sure. So I will, again, not be voting for it regardless, but I would certainly um, hope that display would be um, uh, would be struck or stricken um, from the ordinance and that it would be specific to the flying on poles. That being said, of course, I, I don't support this at all. Um, but I, I am concerned by that expansion of uh, an expansion that I see there in that ordinance. Um, so as Councilmember Kalmick mentioned also, as was mentioned by many commenters, the impact to our bottom line, to our revenue, is absolutely something that this council should consider when making this decision. Uh, we want tourism dollars. We need the revenue we saw from our budget and the longer-term projections that there are concerns in the long term, and we want to make sure that we can get as much of the uh, potential revenue from our community, from tourism, as possible, and we want that to increase and not to decrease. Um, We've already seen some larger groups pull out. Um, we got an email this evening, not threatening that, but I think showing support for pride, and I imagine it would be concerned about what our city is saying with the message of removing the pride flag. And I am concerned that we would be losing more tourism dollars to that. Um, I said a lot last time, so I'm not going to belabor all of this, but I would like to say to our LGBTQ community, I want you to know that we have been working to protect you, to make you feel safe, to make you feel welcome, and to create a Huntington Beach where you can live freely in your home, your hometown. And I'll close with Atticus Finch as well. This time we aren't fighting the Yankees, we're fighting our friends. But remember this, no matter how bitter things get, they're still our friends, and this is still our home, and this will always be your home. Thank you. Councilman McKinn. 
Yeah, just like as I mentioned last time, you know, um, you know, by definition, inclusion represents everyone equally. As an American, a resident of California, a resident of Orange County, a resident of Huntington Beach, and of course, pays homage to the veterans who have paid the ultimate sacrifice to allow us to enjoy the freedoms the United States provides. And these freedoms are robustly embraced by Huntington Beach, which allows individuals and businesses to exercise their free speech by flying any flag they choose on private or public property, so long as the flying of the flag is consistent with other laws. Now, in terms of Blue Shield, who misstated that we are, quote, banning a certain flag, I don't know why they are trying to blackmail us economically when we are drafting our government flag policy to only fly government flags that represent every individual equally, just as the other 77% of Orange County cities do. Is Blue Shield going after the other 77% of Orange County cities for their flag policy? I would appreciate if Blue Shield would send us copies of the letters they have sent to the other Orange County cities. And this made me look into how many of our city employees and public safety personnel are enrolled in Blue Shield Healthcare through CalPERS. Turns out that number is roughly 10% of our employees, which does not include their family members, which many of them do. That aside, the average monthly premium is $842, which equates to $1.5 million that the city pays to Blue Shield of California every year. I think it's time to do a refresh to see what other healthcare providers would be interested in our business, which our taxpayers who are footing the bill deserve. Thank you. All right. Um, anything else from members? Go ahead, Councilwoman. Thank you. So I first want to say um, how proud I am of the young people that uh, came up and spoke, especially the kids who are in middle school and high school. Um, I can't imagine uh, doing something like that when I was that age. So I am really appreciative of the fact that they are getting engaged um, civically at such a young age. Um, I won't be supporting the item because I don't appreciate the way this is being done. Um, we have a flag policy in place that, um, when did we adopt that? Was it last year? It's less than a, okay. So the reason um, it was adopted in the way that it was, was to allow us to have the flexibility to uh, fly the Olympic flag if the Olympics came here, or fly the Little League uh, baseball flag if kids from here won uh, the Little League World Series. So as it stands now, you know, we, we just are going to create something that's prescriptive and it's going to you know, require a bunch of extra steps if we decide um, to fly some other commemorative flag at some point in the future. But, um, you know, people are not stupid. Um, there were plenty of people here who said, um, and correctly, so I don't ever remember hearing complaints about commemorative flags before um, the city flew the pride flag. And so, I mean, it just... It is what it is. So I would have appreciated if we were going to uh, not fly the pride flag to do a resolution like we did, like the council did when the decision was made to fly it, instead of doing this kind of disingenuous, deceitful way um, of going about doing this. So that's all I have to say. Thanks. Okay. Um the motion's been moved by Mr. Burns. It's been seconded by uh, Councilman McKeon. Clerk, please call the roll. All right. Councilmember Kalmick. Nay. Mosier. No. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Aye. Bolton. No. Burns. Aye. 
passes 4-3. I'd like to read for the record the title of ordinance number 4283, an ordinance of the City of Huntington Beach amending Title 13, public property of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code, adding Chapter 1307, relating to government flags on city property. Before we continue, I think we need to take a vote to continue after 11 p.m. I move that we go past 11. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Everybody approved? Anybody opposed? No one? All right. Thank All right you. Let's, let's get to the agenda. So members, we're now on file item 24. Um, police uh, Chief Para, please introduce this item. Thank you very much. This, this item is uh, for approval of introduction ordinance number 4284, amending municipal code 13.52 relating to public conduct within city-owned public parking structures. And Lieutenant Brian Smith will give the uh, brief presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Lieutenant. Thank you, Mayor. The main promenade parking structure in the downtown business district has been a site of various quality of life issues interfering with the use of the parking structure and impacting local businesses, the adjacent neighborhoods, residents, and visitors alike. To help ensure this public facility is utilized only for its intended purpose, that being a public parking structure and access to public restrooms, a proposed ordinance is recommended. Ordinance 4284 proposes amending municipal code section 13.52 to prohibit smoking, interfering with the use of public restrooms, throwing or dropping items from the structure, speeding in excess of 10 miles per hour within the structure, loitering within the structure, skateboarding, roller skating, scooters, and bicycles. The ordinance also applies regulations pertaining to off-street city pay parking lots and off-street city parking lots to the parking structure and establishes an alternative remedy for those who violate the provisions of this chapter. It is recommended the council approve for introduction ordinance 4284, an ordinance of the city of Huntington Beach amending title 13 of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code related to public buildings. I'd like to move the recommendation. I'll second. Councilman Kalmyk. Mr. McKean, did you have to say first? Oh no, go for it. Okay. Um, so I got f uh, resident flagged uh, some very anachronistic language in this ordinance um, from the 60s and 70s, and I talked to uh, PD about it, um, and it wouldn't seemingly affect anything. Uh, as a father of an almost four-year-old, soon to be a five-year-old, we've got some really old language in there that says no person over the age of five can go in an opposite bathroom. I don't know why the 60s, that was like a problem, but I could imagine it's like somebody brought up having a disabled child or having a six-year-old hearing the most frightening words a parent can hear, which is, Dad, I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, and not knowing, you know, I've, it's, it's a struggle right now. Um, and I think the other ordinance has the same thing. So I would be um, uh, either a friendly uh, amendment uh -huh. to uh, strike the language um, from section 13.52.020, paragraph B, beginning with no person over the age of five, ending with and in the opposite sex um, from this ordinance. As as a father who's brought my little girl when she was a baby into uh, the boys' bathroom, I I would uh, I would uh, move as amended. Okay. Yeah. Just a quick comment. Just want to take you know thank Lieutenant Smith. <clears throat> this is uh, essentially reached a boiling point with the community, and we're getting you know like we keep saying we ran on this specifically. This is part of our 90-day plan to the resident, Kathy Ryder, 
I made a comment earlier, you know, we're, we're moving every day to really focus on this. And so we went out to the police department. We asked them, what more tools do you need? And these ordinances have been around for, you know, I've learned several years without, you know, action being taken. So I'm really appreciative of, of the work you guys have done with this. And we're optimistic that it will be successful. And we've, we've talked to a lot of business owners, especially on Main Street, to make sure they're talking with you guys to, to sign that release form if they're not present on the property to, you know, basically adjudicate some of the, this new ordinance. So I just want to say I'm really appreciative of your guys' efforts on this. Thank you, sir. It's been moved as amended. May, uh, and, and Mayor, can, can, for the record, can I make some clarifications? Yeah, please, so this will please. count as the first read. So uh, based on Councilmember um, uh, Kamek's suggestion under 13.52.020 unlawful acts, paragraph B, the second sentence under restrooms and washrooms will be stricken. No person over the age of five years shall use the restrooms and washrooms designated for the opposite sex. That's the stricken sentence. Everything else remains, correct? Okay. Great. Uh, clerk, call the roll. Councilmember Kalmick. Aye. Mosier. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Aye. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Approved as amended. I'll read the title of ordinance number 4284 an ordinance of the city of Huntington Beach amending Huntington Beach Municipal Code chapter 13.52 relating to public buildings regarding public conduct within city-owned pub public parking structures. Thank you. Uh, members, we're now on file item number 25. Uh, Police Chief Para, please introduce this item. Thank you. So it's... Uh Approval, approving for introduction, ordinance number 4273, amending municipal code 13.48, relating to the use of tents and other uses within city parks. And Lieutenant Brian Smith will give the presentation. All right, thank you, Chief. Community library services and police department staff have been contacted by community members regarding activities impacting our public parks. While evaluating these community concerns, staff examined existing regulations and recommended several changes to enhance public safety, reduce hazards, protect the environment, and promote a safe and welcoming public park system. Proposed Ordinance 4273 makes regulations consistent with beach regulations requiring all unpermitted tents to have at least two sides remain completely open to public view. This will prevent prohibited acts such as lewd conduct, drinking in public, or narcotics use within our parks. Additionally, it permits the safe use of portable stoves, barbecues, and installed fire rings in public parks while reducing risk of personal injury burns and fire hazards, especially during periods of extreme fire hazards. Similar regulations exist for our beaches, so this ordinance would make them consistent for our parks. Additionally, unless permitted by the Director of Community Library Services or their designee, it require vehicles to park within a single stall in no-fee parking lots, prohibit personal property from being left unattended in the lots, and require head-in parking to prevent obstructions that can prevent the use of parking stalls and create hazards, overall impacting our public park facilities. It's recommended to approve, for, approve introduction ordinance 4273 in ordinance of the city of Huntington Beach amending title 13 of Huntington Beach Municipal Code relating to parking lot and camping regulations in public parks and making a finding of exemption under CEQA. I'd like to move the recommendation. I had a quick question, but I'll second that. Um, on the parking, what about overnight parking? I believe that's already controlled. Is it? Yes. Okay, so no overnight parking in the parks is Correct. allowed? Perfect. 
Thank you. Yeah. I have another Council, friend, Councilman. I, I'm sorry. I have another friendly amendment. There's a s similar language in this. Is this, in this friendly one as last one? This is the last one. Oh, all right, this is we'll it. Um, so uh, in section 13.48.040, um, have the uh, new section read: No person shall fail to cooperate in maintaining public toilets in a neat and sanitary condition, nor shall any person loiter in or about any public toilet. Period. Mm -hmm and then strike or enter any public toilet designated for the opposite sex, except that this provision shall not apply to persons under five years of age that are accompanied by a parent or guardian. So same language as the last one. Okay. I'll move as amended. Second. Second. It's been seconded. Oh, Clerk. McKeon, second. Agree with uh, oh, Vandermark. 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 Okay, we'll go with Vandermark. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no I didn't see, I'm sorry, Councilwoman. No problem at all. I just, um, one, I appreciate that this is making it consistent with the um, beach policy with regards to tents. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I know, um, Lieutenant, you've been working on this for actually a while and have been kind of thinking about ways to um, improve um, uh, the way that you're able, the, what tools that you have um, within our parks um, uh, to make them safe for everyone. And um, I, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, ma'am. All right, and everybody's clear on the language change, yes. right? Yes. All right, so we'll go ahead and vote. Councilmember Kalmick? Aye. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Aye. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Approved 7 0 as amended. Wonderful. I'd uh, like to read for yep. the record. Ha ha, thank you. The um, introduction of Ordinance 4273, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of Huntington Beach, amending Title 13 of the Huntington Beach Municipal Code, relating to parking lot and camping regulations in public parks and making a finding of exemption under CEQA relating to the use of tents and other uses within city parks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, members, we're now on file item number 26, introduced by Councilmember Burns. Would you like to introduce this item? Thank you. The state housing laws in recent years have become incredibly onerous and burdensome to cities, including fully developed cities like Huntington Beach. In 2021, the state passed SB 9 and SB 10, and state laws expand the uh, ability for development of ADUs <coughs> that circumvent local zoning controls, all of which produce a proliferation of development and multi-use housing in already well-established single-family residential neighborhoods. The city has a duty to protect the quality and lifestyle of the neighborhoods that current owners have already bought into and for future sustainability of Huntington Beach. The city has a duty to ensure principles of Euclidean zoning like project development capability are honored and respected. SB 9 and SB 10 and state laws expanding ADUs are designed to undermine local zoning authority, including in charter cities like Huntington Beach, by overriding local single-family residential neighborhood zoning and incentivizing property owners to develop their single-family residence into multiplex, apartment-like developments, including for affordable housing. Radical development in already established residential neighborhoods is not only a threat to quality and lifestyle, but to the value of the adjacent and neighboring properties. The um, city should not be put in a position by the state through SB 9 and SB 10 or state, the state laws expanding ADUs that would allow the diminution of an owner's property 
value without just compensation, and Huntington Beach should not have its charter city zoning rights provided for by the uh, California Constitution trampled by the state. The recommended action is direct the city attorney to take legal action as he deems necessary to be able to fight it, but to challenge SB 9 and 10 and the laws that permit ADUs. Uh, also, direct the city manager to cease the processing of all applications permits um, brought to the city by developers under SB 9, SB 10, and state law related to ADU projects until the courts have adjudicated the matters. Councilwoman. Thank you, Mayor. So uh, my first question is, with the direction to the city attorney to challenge SB 9 and SB 10, on what grounds? Well, one big, the biggest reason of being uh, state overreach and the other of affecting the quality of life of the residents that have bought into single family residential neighborhoods. Well, I, this, I'm asking the, I guess the, it's for the city attorney, I guess, the question. So uh, yeah, no, is no this problem. something you're going to come back to us? Exactly. With this, is, you know, this is uh, just like every other instance where the council would ask us to take a look at potential legal challenges. We would come back into closed session uh, with some analysis and recommendation. So I would not comment on anything tonight. I would, I would come back with uh, more specifics. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, with respect to some of the language that's in the um, H item as well, uh, like the direction to city staff to not process or cease processing uh, applications, which um, my understanding is we haven't gotten any applications under SB 9. But uh, my concern with that would be uh, we may potentially be directing city staff to violate state law, so I won't be supporting um, this particular H item. Thank you. Councilman Kalman. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I submitted a memo uh, after this came out, kind of outlining my concerns with this this item. Um, I'm assuming you read the Attorney General's letter and the HCD's letter that were received earlier today? I'm aware of them. Okay. Um, so I was, um, we're, like, we're racking up uh, the fastest number of letters we can get from the state threatening to sue us and violate state housing law. Uh, questions for um, Ms. Luna Reynosa. How many SB9 applications have we received since SB9 went into effect? Zero. Okay. Uh, SB10 is opt-in. Um, so the premise of this H item is odd that we are being destroyed by SB9 and SB10 when we've had zero applications for SB9. Um, the LA Times had an article on January 18th basically saying how SB 9 has failed as public policy um, statewide, and I included in my item the entire you know, study of how many SB 9 applications while talking to big cities. Most of those were for big lot splits. I know we went through the intellectual exercise when SB 9 was passed. Um, how many lots could this actually apply to? Really, could you get properties? Can you split the lots properly to make this work? It doesn't preclude anybody from coming in for a lot line adjustment with a public hearing either. Um, and then we added in an ADUs, um, which is literally nimbyism. Now you're saying I can't build something in my own backyard, which is wild. Um, we don't have a scourge of ADUs in this city. And if you saw in the HCD's letter and the, the Attorney General's letter, we're going to have to come up with 563 more units of housing if we make ADUs illegal 
because we're not going to be able to certify our housing element without ADUs because we rely on ADUs to set our housing element uh, correctly. Um, I guess the question also is if this passes, does this apply to permits that are currently in the pipeline because it says we are going to cease processing applications. That seems to open us up to very large amounts of litigation since most of the time your property rights vest when you submit your application. Um, so if we're going to say just kidding to those folks, um, that's a problem. Uh, the folks that spoke about ADUs, I think, were interesting. I, again, somehow am put into the property rights position, um, uh, which I thought was a, uh, a different ideology that I'm supposed to have. And on Planning Commission, I consistently ended up in this position of protecting city pro or residential property rights here of individuals. Um, I think that this item is an overreach. It's absolutely unnecessary. Um, and there's no scourge of ADUs going through the community. There's three in my neighborhood, two are across the street from me, and they look great, and they add uh, inexpensive housing or additional housing. I'm actually looking for another property in Huntington Beach to move to that would allow an ADU on it so that my mother-in-law and father-in-law could come down and spend time with their grandkids. Um, I think taking that off the table is... Uh, I, I don't know. This is a solution looking for a problem. I, 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 it sounds like we're trying to set up more lawsuits with the state so that we can go to war with the state on this. This just looks like we're going to not be able to certify our housing element and we're going to get immediately sued by the attorney general, um, which will cost us because what happened with the Kennedy Commission suit and other suits, um, public housing advocates glom onto these suits. Uh, not glom's the wrong word, but uh, add themselves to the suits and then get attorney's fees out of it. So even if we win, we still sometimes on the hook for attorney's fees because of certain theories of, well, it made us change our law uh, because even though we were successful in it because the state changed its law. Um, this is just poking the bear, um, the, the California bear, if you will. Uh, and I think that... Um, yeah, I just, this is just absolutely not needed. Um, again, like, are we going to, I don't know what other, what other items are going to be coming forward for stuff that's not applicable, but I don't know. Um, I won't be supporting this. Thank you. Well, you, you talk about property Council, rights. Council, Councilman McKinn. Yeah, you talk about property rights. We all believe in property rights. It's really the issue is a matter of local control. It should be coming on the, the residents who live here to decide how they zone their city and if they want to allow ADUs, et cetera and not have state mandates that pierce our charter protections and our local control and our home law. And so that's part of the bigger issue is that we're pushing back against these state mandates that are piercing our local control to allow us to protect our property rights that we see fit as residents who live here. And so this is part of that, that, that global discussion and argument of, of pushing back against these states, against the state with these mandates. You know we had ADU law before the state I understand, but it, this is getting this is all getting rolled up into into the the argument that we're you know bringing against the state to protect our property rights and our and our local control. Right. I mean, we've I don't know. I mean, it's uh, we've tried that multiple times and and law. I mean, again, they write they're writing Huntington Beach laws now at at, at the state level. Right. There's a new law that uh, state senator introduced last week that you dig into it and it starts saying, well, health and safety regulations are now. Uh, exempt from this thing. So anytime we uh, zig, the state zags. Um, and I understand that we want to fight, but there is going to be a very non-zero cost to this in the end. And uh, I, again, this is uh, two, two letters from the Attorney General and HCD. While we still don't have a certified housing element is, is very odd. Councilwoman. 
very, very brief comment. I, I concur with what's already been said, so I won't add to that. But um, we did pass objective standards for SB9 also several months ago to, in order to maintain our local control as well, while still complying with state law and not trying to litigate um, this issue. Um, also, there's some language in the item that says that the city has a duty to protect the quality of lifestyle, quality and lifestyle of the neighborhoods that current owners have already bought into and for the future sustainability of Huntington Beach. Um, it also mentions radical redevelopment, which I think is interesting since there's literally zero applications for this. So I don't think it's very radical. And also, again, with the objective standards, we made sure that it would um, you know, not be radical, but instead would actually more follow along the lines that we stated. Um, but with regards to sustainability, the future sustainability of Huntington Beach, and not that this particular law with SB9 is actually having the impact that was intended, um, but I, we do need to think about the sustainability of Huntington Beach. And if we aren't able to welcome younger families, younger people, and have that diverse and vibrant community, um, we are not going to have a sustainable city. We're not. We, uh, if you've read in the news, have school districts consolidating their schools. Um, that's a result of many things, but it's also a result of a growing population and also of very high housing prices. Um, so again, SB9 is likely not the, um, the answer to all of this, but I think it's important to consider the sustainability of our city as we move forward with, with all of these decisions. Okay, um, members, is there a motion and a second? It's been moved by Mr. Burns, seconded by Mr. McCann. Clerk, call the roll. Council Member Kalmick? No. Mosher? No. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McCann? Aye. Bolton? No. Burns? Aye. Passes 4 3. Thank you. Uh, members, we're now on file item number 27, uh, uh, submitted by myself and Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark. I'll let Mayor Pro Tem Vandermark open the item. The city has nearly always allowed invocations by religious leaders at the beginning of each city council meeting. This is a good and laudable practice and a good reminder to the city council and other city leadership that the community of the important role of government and decision making However, in very recent years, the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council, which the city has utilized for invocations, has become highly political, and invocations at times have become political soapboxing opportunities. The city should return the invocations to opportunities for faith-based and faith-focused speech, which is specific, limited exercise of a particular speech. In doing so, the city should have an approved policy for the constitu constituting of a list of religious associates and leaders, maintaining that list, evaluating the religious associates or leaders, and a rotation system for religious leaders at city council meetings to offer an invocation. The recommended action would be to direct the city manager to work with the city attorney to return to the city council with the resolution for a city council policy for the constituting of a list of religious associates and leaders, maintaining that list, evaluating of the religious associates and leaders and the rotation system for religious leaders at city council meetings to offer the invocation. The city attorney should ensure whatever policy, that whatever policy is returned to the council for a vote is compatible with constitutional principles of government involved restricted speech and exercise of religion. 
In doing so, modifications or adjustments to this proposal are welcome from the city attorney. And I would just like to add, uh, I think it's very important that we have non-political prayers um, and prayers that include all faiths um, should be the goal for all of us. Um, so with that, any other questions? It's been moved by uh, Vandermark, seconded by Strickland. Yeah, I have a question. Please do. So uh, the language of the H item says that um, we will evaluate religious associations. So what do we mean by evaluate? We'll make sure that they're actually um, certified in some way, not just somebody walking right off the street, which is the concern that we had with Interfaith Council. Well, and, and again, we're, we're talking about um, an HIM that we're going to tighten up when we go to the city, um, city attorney. But the, I think when you say evaluate, we want to make sure that um, they are indeed faith-based. And, and not a hate group, for example, coming forward. So um, we need to make an evaluation that, for example, if a hate group wanted to come up and give a speech, that we have a certain evaluation of what qualifies as faith-based and what doesn't. Okay, well, I, I won't be able to support the item because I have serious concerns about the city getting into the business of evaluating religious associations. I, I don't know that anybody here on the dais is qualified to, to evaluate what, who's ordained. Um, I don't know that anybody here understands all of the ordination processes of the various religions, and then, you know, there are lay people, I believe, who uh, should have an opportunity to offer an invocation. Um, we should just leave this process to the Interfaith Council. I personally haven't heard any complaints from any, anybody, any residents. I've heard hundreds of complaints. Okay, just I, so you know, uh -huh. you might not, but um, hundreds, yes, hundreds. And some of them are actually in the audience right now. So, so what, um, yeah. and, and I have personally talked to the city manager about how political our prayers have been. I'm open to working with every member of this council to figure out how to fix that. Because, again, I believe a prayer should be non-denominational, include all faiths, but also not be a political statement. And they have been political statements um, and the Interfaith Council, I'm going to sit down with them, but they've been sending us people who have been getting political prayers, and I don't think that's appropriate for this for this body. So I don't disagree with you. The prayers should not be political. Um, but what I think what I think is really happening is it's the political um, beliefs that are being articulated by some of the members of the Interfaith Council when they're giving public comment, but that's their right. Oh, no, to public that. comment is different than the prayer. Yeah. And I'm talking about the official prayer. And, and Councilwoman, I'm, I'm happy to sit down with you to talk about this. Um, I, I'm not saying that I have all the answers, but um, what I've been witnessing has been uh, inappropriate, in my opinion, and I have got a lot of complaints. Um, but I'm open to work with any member of this council on moving forward on how we fix that, because I do not want political statements for our prayers. Well, um, I do not think the city, the city council, should Understand. be the ones who make the determinations about you know, who's qualified. Um, I, I'm, open, I'm open to suggestions. We could do that offline. So then can we table or continue the H item rather than um, 
you know, pass something that says that we are going to be in the business of evaluating religions. I mean, that, I'm not even sure. Well, that's what I would like to do is move forward with this item, see what the city attorney brings back, and then from that we could have discussions with the faith council. We have discussions together. Any member of this council that wants to sit with myself and the city manager and the city attorney, um, I'm happy to do that. Right now, I, I'm 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 planning to move this item so I can see what comes back. If I'm not happy about what comes back or if we have other discussions, at that point I'd be willing to, to, to drop the item. And again, the H items are ideas that we push forward and the fine details come back to us, right? And we can have input during that process. So there's, there's no data on when this needs to come back. So again, H items are ideas and then we can come back with the fine details. But we are taking the Interfaith Council out of the process. That's what the H items are. Well, I, I believe the Interfaith Council has uh, violated and sent us people who give us political statements and again, I'm willing to sit down and talk to him about that. And as this measure comes back, if I feel um, if I feel like uh, you know we could fix this in another way, uh, I'm open to that. Mayor Strickland. Yes. Ma yes. Um, can I make a maybe a suggestion that we could, you maybe, could be, yeah. maybe we could form a friendly some, amendment. No, not even a friendly <laughs> amendment. Just a, a way to potentially yeah. cross this bridge. Um, we could form a subcommittee. Mm -hmm. uh, of three folks that you can appoint mm -hmm. um, to have a conversation about how to solve this problem mm -hmm. uh, instead of potentially creating some policy that then gets submitted into some sort of legal action in the future that we could so, potentially solve. So what solve I would like out. to do yeah. is I will move this item, uh, see what happens with the city attorney and, the, and do a parallel process. You're, you're free to vote now, uh, parallel process, and I, I will take you up on your offer. And you know I would actually like you to be part of that subcommittee. Um, I would actually not. You'd like be to, initiative owner of that. I would. I All would right. not like to be part of that subcommittee. I was making a suggestion to. I, I have. Well, wow, that was I a have, good suggestion. I have. Yeah, I appreciate that. You don't that. want to be part of it. Uh, no. Um, I have. <laughs> uh, I have my own con uh, larger concerns about the invocation process as a whole. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to see if we had. I, I will take you up on your offer. Um, and now that I know that one council member doesn't want to be on there, it makes my job easier. Right. Okay. So with that, um, it's been moved, it's been second. Oh, I'm sorry, Councilwoman. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so my entrance into public service at the city level was through my appointment to the Human Relations Task Force in 2017, now the Human Relations Committee, and later my regularly joining the meetings of the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council, also in 2017. I've been to almost all of them since then. Um, and at a time when our city was very divided, 2016-17, um, and it was sometimes hard to feel pride in my city, which is why I wanted to get involved in the first place, because I love my city and this is my home. Um, the Greater Huntington Beach Interfaith Council was really the main place that made me very, very proud. Very proud. They are love, they are diversity, and they are a model for how people of different backgrounds, thoughts, and beliefs can come together and build and celebrate community with curiosity, dignity, kindness, and service. Their involvement in invocations is a tradition and provides a service by helping to manage the invocations and by the government not having to do so both with administratively and also potentially getting involved in something that could be unconstitutional. Um, if council members or the mayor or whomever had a concern about political speech, number one, no example has been given of that. And I know multiple members of the Interfaith Council went back through the, their various invocations over the last many months and 
I don't think that they necessarily thought something was political. Something can be uncomfortable for us. That doesn't make it a political statement necessarily. But if, if that was the case, I think that the opportunity is not to just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? But it's to actually go, okay, I have a concern. This is a tradition. Uh, I want to see what's going on here and speak to the Interfaith Council, the people who have been doing this for all of these years. Um, and to, you know, I know that the president of the Interfaith Council personally asked the mayor at the coffee on Saturday for the item to be pulled for a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and he mentioned that here he, tonight. He did not. Okay. By the way, he, he did not. Okay. He asked if I would sit down and talk to him, and I said I would. Don't you think it would be appropriate to have that conversation before bringing an item forward? I also told him that the, the, the prayers have been very political. I've had a lot of opposition from the community in terms of talking to me, and I told him where I was coming from, but I said I was happy to sit down and talk with him, which I'm, which I'm willing to do and which I'm going to do. Right, but you should have, in my opinion, should have spoken to... You can't uh, tell me what I need to do. I can you say to, my opinion yeah, about what you're your, doing, Yeah, but you can't tell me right what now. I need to do as a... You know, I was out there in the community doing the community coffee. You know, it's like you... you, you okay, I, let me... You're interrupting oh, me. No, hold on, but, but, you know, but you're telling me how I need to do my job, and I don't appreciate that. Okay, well, I don't appreciate this item. Um, and and again, there's an, there's an opportunity to be curious and have a dialogue with people and not jump the gun and jump into situations, that, again, that are possibly unconstitutional. Prior to directing the city attorney to look at what's possible here and to have the city take this over, why not have a conversation with the people who have been working on this and doing a great job? If you have a concern about it, if you think something's been political, you should have gone to the person that said it, gone to the Interfaith Council. Mayor Strickland, have you given an invocation at a public meeting in the past? I have. Okay. So then you also see the, the, the possibility or the potential value of individual citizens providing an invocation. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as far as uh, a list that we're putting together um, that we're going to evaluate from a city perspective, that just seems uh, that will somehow someone certified, seems so inappropriate for us to be doing. I, 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 this one blew me away. I, I couldn't believe without a conversation with the people who are already doing this and to look at some type of certification for this. You know, uh, one of the gentlemen that spoke up here earlier is of the Baha'i faith, and it's my understanding that there is no ordained person in the Baha'i faith. So potentially certifying somebody would completely exclude him. And I know that we'll bring it to the city attorney and he'll figure all of that out, but the reality is it shouldn't be going to the city attorney. It should be going first as a conversation with the Interfaith Council, because that's the respectful and appropriate thing to do, in my opinion, and we should not be uh, doing it in this way. I do, however, think that for the sake of transparency, because it doesn't exist, I do think that there should be policy outlining how the invocation process and relationship with the Interfaith Council works. That, that shouldn't be an unknown. It should be here. I wouldn't have a problem with that, and I hope that should this um, item move forward, that that would be what comes back, and perhaps a recommendation that we don't proceed um, with this administrative version with the city managing who is certified to give an invocation. Um, and again, I just have doubts about the constitutionality of this ordinance um, or recommendation, uh, and I will absolutely not be supporting it. Okay. Mayor Pro Tem Benamart. So I understand you're uncomfortable with this and you think it's inappropriate, but another thing that is inappropriate is to have rules and have council members meddle in the invocations and pick and choose who they're going to have 
come in and give the invocation, we need to establish safeguards, safeguards so that this is a truly neutral process. And that is what we're trying to do right now. How are you saying council members are determining that? They did. We had a person set for our invocation, and a council member called and switched the person giving the invocation. This came directly from the person at Interfaith who received the phone call from you asking her to switch the person giving the invocation. I didn't ask anyone to switch an... What? Okay, this is, okay, um, and just so everybody's aware, uh, you said go to staff. I, I did go to the city manager, ask suggestions, um, and again, I, I'm not claiming that I have all the answers. Uh, I am going to sit down with the Interface Council, but I know um, it has been a problem, and it's a problem that we need to fix. But again, this is this doesn't preclude working or talking with Interfaith Council. It's an H item, it's an idea. It gets the process started. It's, it's obviously broken, needs to be fixed. So this is the first step to fixing the process. It's, it's an H item, it's an idea. So we keep getting wrapped around the axle on the fine details. I understand the concerns, but we're directing the city manager to work with the attorney. And we can all have conversations and come back and, and you know finalize those details. And then, like I said, it doesn't preclude us from talking with Interfaith Council. It's just an idea, we're moving the ball forward. Simple as that. Go ahead. Good. Let's, can we have a vote? Yes. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Um, clerk, call the roll. I just want to clarify when you talked about adding a, a subcommittee of counsel. Are you I'm not putting that, that in part the motion. That? I'm not putting that in the motion. Right. No. Okay. So just as is, Councilmember Kalmick? No. Mosher? No. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Aye. Bolton? No. Burns? Aye. Measure passes 4-3. Um, members, uh, call for an adjournment. I call it. It's been seconded. Second. Any opposition? No. Um, the next regular scheduled meeting of the Huntington Beach City Council Public Finance Authority is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023.